4K. Even though I'm using a shitty headset. All right. I think we're officially live. Are we? I'll awesome. check. We'll just double check. <laughs> we are live. Fantastic. We are live. Fantastic. Sam, how are you? Yeah. Who I'm, the fuck I'm are good. you? <laughs> Tell us who you um, are. Yeah, I'm Sam Mather. Uh, I'm a PT and online coach based in Adelaide, uh, South Australia. Uh, I've been in the gym for coming up on six years. Uh, as you know, it would have been six years in October, uh, but in the gym training officially, not in my shed in January next year. Uh, so it's been mm-hmm. a hell of a journey, lots of ups and downs, like with everyone. Um, I'm an avid Call of Duty player as well, and a Lego enthusiast. So the bank account's always kind of kind of slim. Um, and and what, what, what was that last one? Lego. Lego enthusiast. Oh, Lego. Yeah, Who's I've got my um, my Hoth uh, like battle scene set down below me. Um, okay. And yeah, That's in fun. regards to myself, my own training, um, whilst I've dabbled in the whole power building and powerlifting side of things before, uh, it's just purely bodybuilding now, um, but not your bro science training like a like a gasp athlete um, kind of training. It's like your evidence-based approach, um, making sure that everything you can optimize is optimized um, and not using science to train like a... A uh, bit of a wuss, but using it to train harder and safer as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, who would you yeah. say you grabbed? Um, sorry, no. First, was, <laughs> first. I should first. say, how do you know who? Who of us knows you, and how do you know them? Uh yep. So, um, Regan and I. Uh, sorry, Regan and I met. Uh, when would it have been? Uh, late last year. Yeah. So, I think I followed you. Um, to give some context and some background, I followed you after I found out that one of the biggest gorillas at my gym when I was growing up uh, had a brother that was equally as big of as a gorilla. Um, I appreciate that. Tom, Tom, Tom was a big boy, and I had mm. not known his age until you were training me. Um, so essentially, do you just want to do this, this story? Or do you want me to, to go through it? Yeah, no, I'll run through it. Um... So yeah, uh, I was just training at uh, the Durham at Rundle Mall, where I'm now a PT, um, and I was, I think, just walking out of the change rooms or washing my hands or something, um, and Reagan and myself bumped oh, yeah. into each other, um, and he was, I think, like your, like, Mather's brother, aren't you? And then we just got chatting from there. Um, mm-hmm. I mentioned that I was starting as a PT, uh, like, at Rundle, and if you wanted any, uh, like, help just shoot me a message. Um, and then we were kind of talking back and forth on Instagram and then a month or two would have passed, maybe three. Um, and you hit me up for some PT, uh, and some coaching as well. And then it's just kind of gone from there really. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Interesting. Sums it up. So, yeah. So essentially his brother, um, I went to the gym with his brother and I hadn't known, but he was two years younger than us in terms of. Yeah. So he's born in 2000. Yeah, yeah. So, in, in terms of context, it doesn't matter now because we're all men. Uh, I say men in air quotes because I'm I'm eighty percent of one. Uh, <laughs> you guys might be, but at that time it was a pretty significant thing. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that. So essentially, <laughs> we when we trained, cause there was a bunch of us that went to like a school gym. We went to Jets at the time, um, yeah. and yeah, I hadn't known that he was like literally two years younger in grade ten, being like the biggest guy at the gym. So. Yeah. Like, was he on gear at that time in year 10? Uh, sorry, my cat was just <laughs> scratching. Uh, no, no, he wasn't. Um, so he was naturally that big? Yeah, 
so he competed natural. Um, like so he was nineteen when he competed. He was completely natural. He's just we both have big frames, I guess. Like we're like your big boned kind of people. So, um, how old are you, how old are you right now? Just for those um, twenty. So twenty years old, born in two thousand and two. Yeah. Despite the fact Tim- I look like I'm 30 with a mortgage and a wife and kids and stuff, which is <laughs> yeah, uh, that's good. Yeah, so it works in both ways though. Uh, it's shit for when you're like 17, but when you actually like when you're 25, when you're like going going towards uh, your prime, it's great. It had its perks when I was younger. Um, yeah, I can imagine getting but- drinks. Yeah. Unofficially, yes. Um, yes I didn't sorry. drink myself yeah. when I was younger. Um, but, you know, I'd always charge the boys a bit of a surcharge and of make course. a bit of cash on the side. For sure. Um, unofficially, yeah. Um, we won't tell but, them. We won't tell them. Yeah. And then as well, from like a business side of things, it's really beneficial because when I started as a PT, I was only 18. Like I just finished exams uh, for year 12. Um, and I learned very quickly that if I told people how old I actually was, they just had no faith in me. Um, and fair enough. Like, yep. you're not going to trust some just 18-year-old meathead with a buzz cut to, like, change your life kind of thing. Um, sure. And one of my longest-time uh, clients or long-term clients, uh, she came to me with some, like, pelvic floor issues, um, like, post-childbirth or that kind of stuff. And she was very reluctant to come on board with me because of my age and the fact that I was a bloke as well. And fair enough. So um, you didn't have a womb. You're a non-birthing parent. Yeah, and as far exactly. as she knew, you hadn't given birth, you know? So. Yeah, like I could have, but I, I don't disclose that kind of information to clients. Um, but now, even though, like we sort of... Scary childbirth. Um, <laughs> it would be. Um, and even though <laughs> we got through all those kind of issues and she's now uh, like really into strength training and like lifting weights and everything. She's a bit of a gym rat now, which is awesome. Um, I she's pretty much converted. stopped telling people. Exactly, yeah. Um, I, I, I stopped telling people how old I was very quickly um and then i tell them like three four months into it like i just bring it up casually in conversation um and that would i guess kind of solidify the fact i knew what i was doing and they trusted me and then my age didn't really matter and it was a bit of like a kind of moment Um, has anyone left you when they found out your age no what was the most Um, extreme you know positive or negative that you've had when you said uh, uh, being 20 years old extreme uh was I had a client say that they, uh, when they found out, I thought they were, I thought they knew that I was, I think I was 19 at the time that I told them how old, how old I was. I thought they knew, um, but they didn't. And they figured I was like mid twenties and they apologized for some things that they'd said to their friends about me. Um, Cause they found me quite attractive um, and they felt quite bad or creepy kind of thing because I was as young as I was or am. Um, so that, that, that so I was funny. a woman, I guess. Uh, I was going to say, like, maybe, no. maybe don't disclose. <laughs> uh, he's he's secretly right. got two clients, me and some other person. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. Uh, secretly, it's it's just Reagan. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah that's right. But worst case, I don't think I've really had one. Because um, I've never had, I've had people like uh, sort of not convert after a consultation because I mentioned how old I was, but I've never had a client uh, find out how old I am three, four months into training with me and then say, ah, like you're too young. I'm going to go away and find another PT. Cause at that point I'd only bring it up when they knew the facts or like I knew that they valued me as a PT and wouldn't right. just ditch me. Cause I was, and basically that's a baby. Yeah. 
you've gone yeah. past that first impression phase, um, and you've, exactly. they've already changed the change your their frame of, of you um, for it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, age just didn't really matter. Um, but as well, because when I wouldn't tell them that I'm 20 or 19 or 18 at the time, like they just assume I'm like late 20s and they just had a lot more trust in me, which worked in my favor. Yeah. Yep, uh, yep, but then, of yep. course, I get people just assuming that I'm older and then they say, I'm like, oh, you're like, what, 28, 30 kind of thing. And then that just hurts your feelings. But besides that, it works well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, sure, man. I, I know what you mean. I, I can relate to that. The worst I've ever gotten was uh, I was in America. I might have told this story on the podcast before. Uh, I was in America, and uh, long story short, I was living with a family, uh, the family, husband and wife, and two ki- uh, three kids. Anyway, the two older ones were twins, uh, and I had to pick them up from school. So long story short, we're waiting to pick up the kids, and uh, I get talking with other parents, yada, yada, they're like, oh, you've got an Australian accent. And I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, like here's the story. I'm working at this place and I'm living with these people and yada yada. Anyway, I get to like the fourth person and they just, I'm like sick of fucking telling the story. It's taken like five minutes to explain this. I'm like, I'm sick of this. Anyway, someone just goes, oh, so you know, how do you how do you know the kids? I'm like, oh, you know, um, I'm related. And you know, uh, that person goes, oh yeah, cool. Next person immediately goes, oh, are you their uncle? And I'm like. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. And she goes, oh, so you're the older brother of the mum. And she was like 39. So I'm like, oh, no, I've been put in my 40s, dude. What is this? I was yeah. 18. I was 18 at the time as well. Yeah, I know the feeling. Um, like I've had And that two... was when... There you go. Sorry, I was going to say, that's when the show, we were doing the podcast. So and yeah. I'm looking at that frame. You did not look old at all. Like no. I've literally got, we got photo videos of that back in the back of the day. But yeah. Well, before, well, to be fair, that might that, at that stage because I lost weight during that trip, um, I might have been heavier, so I might have looked older. But when I lost weight, I definitely look a lot, a lot younger. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. So, like but, I, but through, I probably was a bit more. Yeah, yeah. like hilarious. when I went through my um, fat loss phase last year, I went from looking maybe early to mid twenties to like sixteen, uh, just because I had like the like the skull face, like the sunken cheeks and everything. It was, yeah. yeah, I didn't like it. I prefer looking a little bit older, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, mm-hmm. makes, yeah. It, makes complete sense. But no, sense. The, um, the worst, uh, like, age, uh, like, mistaken age kind of situation I've had was I was working uh, at a hospitality job when I was 16 or 17, so, like, you're 11, I think. Um, and I was just talking to this bloke about what he does for work and stuff, just making small talk. Um, and he was a school teacher, uh, and he was like... Um, like, what do you do with yourself? And I was like, oh, I'm just a student. Uh, and like, I work here after school and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and the dude goes, oh, I figured you were like a teacher doing this on like your school holidays or something. I thought you were like late 20s, early 30s. <laughs> and I was like, no, not, not quite, but that was a bit of an overshoot. Yeah, we're um, not colleagues, yeah. No, no, not even close. Um, and I've been mistaken for my little sister's dad before too. And she's eight she years younger than me. on you. Damn, that's bad. That's a bad one, actually. Yeah, like she's 11 turning 12 soon. And I'm like, I've just turned 20 in the last few months. So there's an eight year difference. And someone thought I was like at least sort of like 15, 16 years older. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. That's not a good one. Jesus. I do do have to ask, just for the sake of uh, myself and the audience, how is Reagan as a uh, client trainer? does he follow the? Does he follow you? Does he annoy you? What, what's the go there? 
Yeah, be good well, feedback. I can very safely say he's not the most annoying client I've had. Um, this could be a low bar. This is nothing to <laughs> Whilst he wasn't perfect in any regards, and he wasn't the greatest with hitting his don't back be, rows. Don't be kind. Don't be kind. Oh, he sucks. Like, I was like, he's the most annoying client I've ever had. Beautiful. I'm so glad he's no longer with me. Um, but no, no, he was good. Um, like, one thing I really hate when I have a client, whether it's face-to-face or online, of which, like, Reagan did both, was when they just not there to, like, talk, or they, it's not that they're not there to talk, but they just don't. They don't want to be friends, they don't want to socialize or mm-hmm. exchange stories about their week. It's just get in there, train, get out, or receive the coaching online and just check in each week. Because it's boring as hell when you're a PT oh. or a coach and there's no conversation. Because like, imagine you've got someone for like two 60-minute sessions a week and the entire time, like in between like uh, like sets, they just don't want to talk to you. I've ha- I don't have any now, thankfully, but I've had a few in the past and it's so awkward because you just stand there twiddling your thumbs because you're not going to go on your phone and scroll through social media right. and you're not going to just play games on your phone or whatever. So it's like you try to force a conversation. Clash Royale, very guy. forced. I mean, I don't have that on my phone. Um, and it's very tempting, but with Reagan, <laughs> I, like, it, was just, <laughs> it, it wasn't there, thankfully. And he, like, he did want to talk, he wanted to socialize. And because we had that connection through my older brother, um, like it was just good. Like you kind of, you developed that relationship and the friendship and that made it really good. Um, and whilst, like I said before, he wasn't the greatest with following macros, it wasn't a case of he just sucked. It was a case of there were other things going on in the background where kind of, I don't know, would you say like impeded your ability to just because of like stress with work and that kind of stuff? I'd say it's an excuse. Okay. Good man. Yeah, we'll say it's an Good excuse. Man. Good man. Thanks I take that accountability, that. man. Good man. I take <laughs> no, that like. Besides that, he was good. He trained hard. He asked questions too, which is something I really value in a client um, because there's nothing worse than someone who just blindly follows you and doesn't question anything. Um, Interesting. But yeah, overall, um, yeah, not not the worst. Decent. We'll say that. Yeah, decent. Yeah. That's good. Okay, that's that's interesting. I never really thought about the PT side. Like, I'd almost think I'd want people to kind of come in and just want to do the work and just... Like, you'd want to have conversation between sets, obviously. But I kind of think that would be nice to just be like, all right, these people don't want to ask me, oh, what about this? That They like, they trust my word and they just fucking go for it. But that's interesting. Well, that's, it's, it's a bit of both. So you want someone who's going to come in, work hard, train hard, not throw excuses your way of like, ah, oh, I hit failure, but their final rep was like, like that kind of speed. So just not even close to it. Yeah. Um but you also That's want me. someone who in between sets <laughs> it, it wasn't <laughs> all right um but you want someone who in between sets would go like okay so i saw in my check-in this week for like a for in the example like a uh, client that does face-to-face and the online coaching and stuff like i saw in your check-in like you dropped my food or you changed this exercise or threw in some more volume or changed the intensity whatever i was just wondering why you did that that's the sort of questions or they're the sort of questions that are good um, yeah. But then you get the questions where they're questioning your methods and you as a coach. That's when it's. Not how do you put them issue. in line? How do you deal with that? Yeah, no shit. It's I don't know. It's like any relationship. If you don't deal with stuff soon, like immediately or soon after they arise, it just builds and builds and builds. Um, and then it gets to the point where, like I've had. I learned to deal with things quickly because I had one where I didn't, and then I brought it up with the client. Oh, sorry. Um, I brought up the client and it just 
the relationship ended worse. then and there. Yeah. Right. yeah, it just it just blew up. Um, so I learned that you've got to deal with it straight off the bat. And like, if there's because ultimately they're paying you to be coach, they're not paying you to be a friend. That comes second. It's kind of like when you're pissed off with your mum because she's being too harsh with you, and they give the line of like, "I'm your parent first, your friend second. I'm the coach first, friend second. And sometimes right. you do have to be a bit harsh and put your foot down because like they're just not adhering to the plan in any way, shape, or form. They're not checking in on the day they're checking in and then getting pissed off when you get it like back to them late, even though you have other check-ins to do. Um, but yeah, like it's just getting on top of it quick um, and making sure that they understand that there's a clear difference between asking questions and questioning me as a coach. Um, and that if they want to do that, they will need to go somewhere else because I won't tolerate that because I... I don't know everything and I'm fully aware of that. Like I, to an extent, know what I don't know. Um, and like, that's why I'm at university and everything, but you chose me as your coach. That means you need to have some aspect of faith in me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah. A lot of that I think comes into like the pre-frame of the, uh, before you even like sign them on or anything like that. It's like, you try to qualify who is a good, uh, client and who's not a good client. Um, I'm actually doing, it's just quite funny because Sam's going to be in this uh, for free, um, but I'm actually doing like a, like a 28 day challenge, a 28 day or 30 day. I've, I like to think 28 days because it's four weeks, but then you got like, you know, 30 days or so it's a month, but um, basically it's a 28 day, day challenge uh, for to optimize and improve personal training business. Um, I haven't run a personal training business, which is funny because it's myself is a challenge, but I'm a dude data analytics. So to my to me, I think there's like, commonalities uh in terms of basically if i was to sell the challenge in like you know two sentences um realistically any business is run off to like two things it's making an offer and selling the offer right so there's so much stuff that fits in under those two huge umbrellas um so what you can do is you can actually qualify uh your clients so that you would never even have these problems uh like at all because they know your vision you sell your vision you work on your vision so that they, they literally as you said like if you got a clear vision and you sell that clearly then they're not going to question your methodology because it's like you fucking like i cannot make this any more clear that this is the vision this is the idea <laughs> How, what's what's the problem with it you know like there's yeah. a reason why um i've said this to tim before i think on the previous show it's like i never ran never started a business because i was too worried about it being perfect but there's a reason why, like the uh, African, uh, you know, scams. It's like I'm a prince of Africa. I want to give you a million dollars. The reason why they still exist, they work. Even something so archaic and shit like that, that right. still works. So anything that's better than that is gonna have some sort of like market success, success somewhere. Yeah, and and that's globally, right? So um, yeah, I think I think the quicker you can get rid of shitty uh, shitty clients and like you know tighten up your uh, vision. Not you specifically, Sam, but um, in general, so much easier to like deal and delegate with those clients. And you can also bring on old clients who you think would be good and somehow fit them into your new business. Um, but I've got a whole thing. Um, so you get the ins and outs, nuts and bolts. Uh, it's a basically a 20 video series about that. So yeah. I'm looking forward to, yeah. Yeah. No, it's taken I, me I weeks, man. Good. Or months I'm not even. surprised um, it's 20 videos yeah um, but no like I, I completely agree with what you're with what you're saying um, mm-hmm. but when you first start out as a PT you can't be overly picky um, yes same with like 
uh, I don't know what sort of business to compare it to, but you can't when you start quality over quantity. Yeah, you have to get as many people in the door as you can. And especially like, young. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, like, because thankfully I was still living at home with mum and like I still do. Um, and whilst I pay board, it's not 500 a week. Uh, like some people are paying for like a, an apartment or a house at the moment. Um, so I kind of had that security behind me, but at the same time, you're paying rent to the gym. You've got like your insurance. Um, you've got, I don't know, like advertising fees, all of that kind of stuff. So you can't... How expensive is that? Um, those uh, like overheads. Gym rent kind of thing. Um, yeah, because that, that's just, that would be the, one of the biggest. Yeah, so the gym I was at before now uh, was 285 a week. Um, so that's Jesus. kind of upper mid-range kind of thing. Um, Can you say like, who you will with? Uh, I prefer or would not you to. prefer not to? Okay, yeah, cool. I, nah, I, mean, I would risk it. If you go through my socials, like it's, you can find it quite easy, but just for the sake of yeah. keeping it's it. It's not too many sensible. gym franchises in Adelaide. No, no, that's not. Um, yes. But yeah, so like where I was at, it was 285 a week, which is that sort of like upper middle sort of range. Um, mm-hmm. I know most good lives tend to be about 300 to 360, depending on. Uh, like location. the location and the amount of like traffic that gym gets. Uh, like the gym wow. that I, uh, I started at Jets, like the majority of that kind of, I don't know, like east, southeast kind of guys did. Um, mm-hmm. And then I moved to Good Life across the road. And that was about when I applied there for a position as a PT whilst doing my Cert 4, that was about 360 a week. Um, and that's just for rent, not including courses that they want you to do like kettlebell courses boxing courses that kind of stuff um and it's then there's also like fitness australia registrations too but that's like the upper end of like your uh like gym chains kind of thing and then you get down to that sort of lower end where you've got like uh anytime and like revo fitness they're about that two to 250 a week um and then derimit's uh, a bit under that um mm. and of course Typically, what happens is the more you pay in rent, the more you get back from the gym. So, Good Life, for example, is really heavy with the leads and the foot traffic, um, and they really do push like uh, like people towards you and help you build your business. Um, nice, interesting. And granted, where I was before Derrimut, now I was paying a decent amount, didn't really get that, um, and that's why I didn't end up renewing my contract with them, um, and a couple of other reasons as well. Um, but then with Derrimut, you're more of a, an additional service they offer. You're like there on the wall um, and it's like you're, you're not paying a whole lot of rent. Like it's, I think it's the cheapest in Adelaide, which is like really good if you're trying to get your start. But it's a lot more dependent on you to advertise the clients because you're not getting uh, like, like um, sorry, you need to advertise your services because you're not getting like member names and numbers and goals to give them a phone call um, to convert them to a client or to get them in for a consult. Um, like you're waiting for a client or potential client to contact you, which I like to say is like waiting for pigs to fly. It doesn't really happen. Um, like as part of your uh, like an initial sort of startup cost, you get some business cards and they're at the front counter of Derrimut's. Um The majority of mine are gone. From business cards, I've received about five or six calls. Uh, and you How many business cards do you get at the start? 250. And I've got 100 of my own at home. So of 150-ish, I've got like six calls. Uh, so people have taken the cards and just done nothing with them. Sure. So That's fine. Yeah, like rent 
rent is by far your biggest overhead. Um, and that kind of shapes or determines what gym you're going to end up at. Um, because it is a big commitment. Like, uh, in like 10 weeks, I'll pay... Oh, Christ, I can't screw this math up. Um, uh, 10 weeks, I'll pay like, what, 1600 bucks kind of thing to the gym. Um, if I'm paying like 160 a week, for example. Um, and then with good life, you're paying three grand in 10 weeks. So it's a lot of money. Um, and you've really got to pick or decide, like, is it worth it for me to pay that extra money to get that extra starting or like help and assistance with building a business or yeah. do I want to put my head down and work and really grow my business myself at Derriment, which because I'd already been a PT for a year, moving over to Derriment where there's not as much support as somewhere like Good Life. Um, mm. and it, it, it helps if you're already established made sense, but for someone, it might be a better idea to start at Good Life because you're getting a lot more support there. Yeah. Mm, um, over, yeah. Yeah, and then like with your insurance, depending on who you're with and the length of the coverage, that can be, oh Christ, like a hundred to three hundred bucks. Um, and then you got like your CPR and your first aid. Um, per month. And your per month for the, like insurance. insurance. Uh, per month it might be twenty bucks. I think it depends on the year. amount. Yep. Um, that you take out for, of course. Um, mm-hmm. for myself, it's about one hundred and sixty-seven dollars a year so it's not a whole lot um and that adds up me. every little bit adds up yeah yeah it definitely yeah. does um but when you factor into it like let's say i have a week where i make 1200 from pt um like it's like it's a moderate week it's nothing too intense nothing too quiet maybe after rent um factoring in like fuel and uh, insurance and everything like that i might pocket let's say seven or eight hundred um, kind of thing because um, you're also paying for like I use Loom for my video check-ins and that's like 10 bucks a month you're paying for like Google Workspace all that kind of stuff so yeah you're right in saying that Tim it definitely adds up um, and that's I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make as a PT is just not realizing that because it it gets expensive right. fast and a lot of people do end up going into debt to gyms um, because obviously you can get all the support in the world like at Good Life but if you're I guess just not a good PT or you can't right. convert the clients you, you don't yeah. have yeah pretty much or you don't have that sales experience which you don't really get whilst doing your cert for and fitness unfortunately like you I'll, I'll just cut I'll just cut you off very quickly. Sorry, yep. Sam. Um, for the international people, what is a cert for? I know you said that before, but what's a uh, cert yep. for? What does that mean? So a cert for is your certificate for in fitness. First, what is a cert three? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and and what's the one and two? Yeah, true. You've got because yeah, I got one of those. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> has one of those. Um, right. So yeah, your cert three is your uh, certificate three in fitness, which qualifies you to be a. I think it's a group fitness trainer or a fitness yeah, instructor. Yeah. So. Group fitness trainer, very obvious, running group classes kind of thing. Uh, A fitness instructor, I believe from something I was looking at today, that's like showing people around the gym, showing them how to use equipment, um, showing them like like how to make a program kind of thing, but you just can't do the hands-on coaching side of things. Yeah. Um, And then your certificate four is... What was that? Uh, you talk about the. I think I'll go into the details here uh, after you label okay. number four. Yeah. So yeah, certificate four is your base level like PT qualification. So that's yeah, certificate four in fitness, and that qualifies you to do that one on one and that small group kind of stuff. Um, but that. How much does that cost? How long does it take for the people that? Do uh, it or forgotten? Well, 
most people do that together. Um, and together, it can cost... Yeah, so like, if you do it in high school, which is how I did um assuming when you did it as well, um, yeah. and a lot of my mates and people below me and people that I'm having shadow me in sessions and stuff, um, the school pays for that. So... It's probably school, about fifteen hundred to two grand. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> My school paid for that, um, but that's about fifteen hundred to two grand, I think. Um, depending on if you do it in person or online, uh, like in person's a lot more expensive. And then you cert four by itself. Mine was about sixteen hundred, and I did that online. Um, and the cert four took me about. It would have been thirteen or fourteen months, uh, but that's mainly because I did mine whilst. I started at the end of year 10 and finished at the start of year 12. So I was just doing it on like the back burner kind of thing through school. Um, and your cert three, if you do that in person, took about a Six term, months. I think. Oh, maybe two. No, yeah. yeah, sorry, two terms kind of thing, yeah. Um, but yeah, the doing your cert three in fitness through school is just a hack with getting like a like your safe points getting a decent atar which is why the majority of people do it um but i mean it's still good that people are getting that sort of knowledge behind them at least yeah so for those that are playing at home when i went to school i was in the class of 2016 so it might not be applied anymore but your cert three if you did a cert three that's safe recognizable um what size well as, so you're, you're, you guys are saying thing yeah the South Australian and what's uh, education certificate of education certificate of education. So most basically most schools will provide SACE qualified studies, Like they won't let you do a you know senior year year twelve subject that doesn't pass SACE unless it's an out of school activity. Typically, yeah. um, at least most good schools. Um, so then you've got your ATAR, which is the Australian Tertiary Admission Rank which is to do with your ranking in terms of your cohort. So uh, the higher the rank number, the better you are. So if you got 99.75 or 95, uh, that means you're in the top 0.5% of rankings. It's a good feeling as country. well, getting that sort of ATAR. Yeah, I can speak from experience. <laughs> um, so... oh, don't worry. That's, that's complete bullshit. I did not get a 99.7 ATAR. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my partner did. She actually got a good one. Um, so with, with the, with the cert three, you can actually, it was kind of cool. You can hack it. So you get it because if for right now in, in South Australia, it might be different in Victoria, your, your ATAR is based on, uh, to not say, say it's just a pass or not pass, but your, uh, your ATAR is based on your, like the, basically it creates a pseudo fourth subject and it bases on the top three subject scores. So if you got a 17. 17 and uh, let's say a 15 um it would average those three scores and then give you your fourth score which is a 16 so basically you you can pretty much fake another a yeah. and what's funny is you, you're faking another a but it's a pass or not pass sort of topic so it's, yeah. you could do really shit or not care about it and basically do it just averages it out. yeah it just averages and your other grades the good thing with it being pass or fail as well is that um like the companies or the organizations that do the certificates want you to pass they want you to do well because it makes them look better um right. they're, if they have a higher rate of students coming through yeah right. like it's just it's more profitable for them so nine times out of ten 
like you'll sit there i remember like i did my like quizzes like assessments with the instructor a couple of times like the class sat there we went through it together did it collaboratively kind of thing um right. and same with the assessments Literally. Like so the just... incentives are just all fucked up for it to yeah, not be dumb as bricks, dumb as yeah. dirt, Tim, uh, yeah. in those classes. Because the instructors get paid. Um, I, I don't know whatever. if it's per student kind of thing, but the better their class does, the better it is. They might get a bonus actually. or something. Oh, right. gotcha. Yeah, pretty that. much. So it's yeah, like just... it, it's an incentive for AIPT to get you out the door, but it's also an incentive for them to make sure you pass and don't look like a stump essentially um mm -hmm. and with that atar fourth subject kind of thing um i think it only counts as your fourth if it's better than your other subjects from memory um because you've got that half subject two being your research project god damn that thing um yep. and yeah and then if like yeah uh, we're talking about closing better. that for a bit i thought i'm surprised yeah they were going, it's, i think we're one of the few states that still do it um but thankfully, with where well, I, I went like to school, it. I feel like it could be done better because it's in. Uh, we I should mean, explain what the research so, project is for people uh, that don't know. Yeah, so the research uh, project is a it's sort of a two to three term uh, research project where you pick a topic and you go through three different stages where it's developing a research question, doing the research, and then you write an outcome. So it's basically like doing a little master's degree almost yeah, um, elementary uh honors or masters yeah yeah so it's to give you experience into genuinely researching things um and that's because it only takes about i think some schools do it over two terms some do it over three um it's counted as half a subject by say so your atar is made up of those like four and a half subjects at the end mm -hmm. of the day um but yeah the research project it's a good idea and concept it's just poorly executed like a lot of things in life um so if they could refine it it would be good uh but how it is now or at least when i did it, uh did it three years ago it just it wasn't that great it wasn't really enjoyable unfortunately yeah it's it's really weird how it's done because they do i think like it's based on your your, like the, your ability to just research it's not based on like actually what you're doing it on so if you do on like, like a highly yeah. researchable topic that's also not common and you kind of do a wank factor and impress the moderator that's when they yeah. like really enjoy it so if you do some sort of like yeah. comparison between shakespeare and like i don't know futurama or something something weird like they'll yeah. fucking froth it right because typically yeah. you've been english teacher moderating it but if you do something like i don't know for example i did mine on the uh cuban missile crisis uh and typically just <laughs> what a light topic hey <laughs> What a, it was a Chad topic, and, and my teacher I had was great as well. Um, this is excellent. But basically, though, I was like, oh, I don't know what I don't know what to do. I was a history buff. I really like history. Uh, my teacher was like, you should do it on this. Then moderated me and fucking destroyed me. But that's beside <laughs> the point. But yeah, I did mine on the Cuban Missile Crisis, and that's when I became Red Pill. Uh, <laughs> that's when it began. I no, can't but, even um, remember what I did mine on, but yeah. Sorry, Ray. I yeah. did mine on um, Beta Alanine. Um, like the, <laughs> the supplement, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. Um, Tell us about it, because I think that I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so beta alanine. Uh, no, I will not talk about that. That topic's in the bin. Um, actually, it's somewhat interesting to talk about, so we can maybe touch on that Let's later. That, but yeah. what was the topic, Megan? Yeah. I missed that. Sorry. BCAA's branch, okay. chain, of branch chain amino acids. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so beta alanine is the 
ingredient or supplement in pre-workouts that gives you that sort of tingling sensation um oh. and what causes that is when you consume it it's converted into carnosine which is a lactic acid buffer um so i think what causes the tingling is that uh conversion to carnosine and interacting with your cns it was a while ago so i'm not 100 percent on it but so what's, what's yeah. cns see essential nervous system um, okay. so interacting with all your nerves and your bloodstream and that kind of stuff, I think. Um, and essentially as kind of sense of lactic acid buffer, you increase your levels of it and therefore yep. you can, in theory and in application two, you can get more reps out of a set. Um, but interestingly enough, and why I am not the biggest fan of it to like my current knowledge um is that it's most applicable in the 60 to 240 second rep range so it's really in that oh. sort of like metabolic stress or metabolic conditioning side of things so it still has some sort of benefit like that whole sort of sort of uh, like standard deviation kind of thing like if 60 like one to four minutes is here then it kind of tapers off um it still has somewhat of a benefit but you get the most benefit when it's uh I think when you're doing like aerobic or anaerobic exercise, which for the most part isn't what bodybuilding or strength training is. Like, don't get me wrong, you have <laughs> that's some That's so sets. funny. Yeah, it is. But that's, it's the what same the thing fuck? with BCAAs, uh, like EAAs more so. There's application to it and some, like there is merit there, but it's just not done properly. Because um, like you have sets in the gym, like a, I don't know, a 12 to 20 rep set on hack squat, for example, that takes right. you like a minute and a half, two minutes to get through. Yeah. Sure. It's going to help then. And like towards the upper end of like a, a minute long set for like an isolation exercise, it's definitely going to help. Um, but I, I do think there's a bit too much hype around it personally. Um, Cause like when I first finished it, I went and bought a tub of pure beta alanine to add into my pre-workout. Cause I'm like, hell yeah, this is going to um, like give me such an Take advantage. Take me to the next right. level. Right. Exactly. This is, this like, is, this is beta, isolated beta only. It's not yeah, so like how you buy, yeah, so like how you buy like creatine monohydrate, it's just powdered beta alanine. Um, but then... Is it really? I think like hang, on, hang on, hang on. Is that, is that, is that true? Yeah. Oh, so what? it's creatine, beta alanine. beta alanine. No, 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 sorry. I said like no. you buy creatine. Oh, right, right. I was like, I was like, yeah, hang no, no, no. on. Have we just been like label swap scammed? No, Illuminati. Like, how how expensive is it by itself? Just the isolate. Oh, Christ. It would be similar to creatine. So at the Thank moment, you're looking at about like $50, $60 for like a 500 gram serve. Because there's been the price increases recently with supplements because of the world and how it is currently. Um, so it's not great. All Siemens as much. Actually, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, what was that? Okay, so, so, okay, so, what about pre-workout in general? The how it's made up. Like, you got your caffeine, which is what your 150 to 300 milligram, well, even beyond that milligram of caffeine. <laughs> 100 to 450 is probably a yeah better range. As stupid as 450 milligrams is, um, but yes, yeah, so you got like your caffeine, which is and like your various types of caffeine. Don't ask me to mm -hmm. list them either. Um, then you've got your vasodilators, which are things like your citrulline um, and your L-arginine. So they're what give you your pumps, um, like expand your blood vessels, oh. get the blood to the muscle, make you look like a chode kind of thing. I don't mm -hmm. know how to describe it, but you all know what I mean. Um, and then you've got... What was that? A, ch a chode's attractive either way. Whatever. <laughs> 
That's right. Yep. The, I mean, the chungus. Each to their own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, Make sure yeah. they like big chungus. That's a better way to put it, actually. Um, <laughs> and then you've got like your nootropics <laughs> and their, uh, your things like your alpha GPC, uh, your tyrosine, I believe, um, caffeine a little bit too. Um, and they're what give you like your, your focus, make you feel good, um, make you feel happy mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and then you've got your more endurance kind of supplements like your beta alanine or not supplements but ingredients like your beta alanine um Mm -hmm. and then all pre-workouts are just a different sort of um equation of those ingredients um some are dosed really well some are dosed really poorly some a a lot of pre's actually have nootropics that interact with each other and cancel each other out um (laughs) which is just because like you especially over vinegar with bicarb soda Pretty much, yeah. Because, um, like, you look at, like, over COVID, especially when everyone, like, started their own business because they're working from home and they got so much time. The amount of supplement yeah. companies that popped up, exponential. Um, and, like, the market was already saturated, like with coaching, but it was even more so afterwards. Um, and you'd see, like, ingredient panels that were just copied and pasted from, like, other more popular products. Um, mm-hmm. Have you seen the chips then- that literally mix they'll get like creatine they'll get like mm. bcaas and something else and just like put it in tubs serve it right just shake it and go yeah it's mixed it's like dude there like there's, a re- there's actually a science to mixing shit <laughs> to actually get the correct concentration yeah, yeah and these chimps are just like yeah we shake it you shake powders in a tub and that's our mix <laughs> like i saw oh, like they, the they put it of- into a tub and they just shook the tub up no so basically they'll go okay 100 grams of creatine 50 grams of bcaas <laughs> Uh, yeah. 50 grams of, I don't know, like, you know, powder laxative, and they'll shake the <laughs> shit out of it, and they'll go, okay, now we've got 10 serves, and then put 10 different serves, and go, oh, yep, Christ. This is, this is... Yeah, yeah. that's going to be an even distribution of everything, yeah. yeah. Now, to yeah. back up, Sam, uh, mm-hmm. bulk nutrients is where I get my stuff, because we've got yep. those bulk nutrients. Um, Their creatine is $44, which is crazy, because... Mm-hmm. Like that's much more expensive than it used to be. Damn! I used oh to, yeah, well, yeah. For, for how many grams? For five hundred? One kilogram. Forty-four. For one kilo. That's actually quite yeah. good. Um, because it's good, with... but it used to be much cheaper. Yeah. Like half did. the price. Like I think. Yeah, I was just um, gonna say. Yeah. Like in like in store kind of creatine used to be 30, 40 bucks because you always pay a bit more in store than you do online yeah. because online you pay heads. for shipping afterwards, which is factored into the in store cost. Um, I don't know what these hand movements are, but I think stuff. you get the drift. Um, yeah. But yeah, even now, like 60 bucks for creatine because creatine used to be the sort of supplement when, because I, I work in a supplement store as well, just for context. When you're selling it to someone, you'd say it's one of the most researched supplements out there. Um, there's no notable or like no um noted like negative effects or anything it's not going to cause like kidney or liver failure you're not gonna uh like lose hair or anything i know i'm not the greatest uh like spokesperson for that but i promise i'm not balding i just shaved my head um i was just born with a kick-ass hairline essentially um but and you'd say like it's (laughs) i've seen your hair pulled back it's fucking it's ridiculous and it's been like that since like my 12 yeah, it's not good, <laughs> especially with the shaved head and the light. I just look bold half the time. Um, yeah, yeah. But like you'd say, like it's like it's it's a great supplement. There's no negative side effects, and it's cheap as dirt. 
kind of thing. So if you've got the spare, 30, 40 bucks, grab it. But now it's costing almost as much as a pre-workout, um, which just isn't something like, I don't know, four or five years ago you'd think would be possible. Um, but it's just how the world is currently, I guess. Yeah, well... Yeah, they're not going to bring them down. Mm. They won't bring the fucking prices down that people are still purchasing at the rate. And the thing is, creatine yeah. is like protein. You kind of need it. Like, yeah. Now, Ooh. like, in terms of high, like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, I feel like creatine and protein are on the fucking bottom. But yeah, actually... If, if you're looking at your supplements, because ultimately, at the end of the day, what people forget is they are supplements. Supplements. Like, they're not... That's right. They're right. not meant to make up your diet and be the majority of I'm it. Um Sure, we'll skip that. Um, but like protein, 100%. Because um, without protein powder, a lot of people struggle to hit their protein goal. Because um, like at the moment, I'm having 225 grams, give or take a day. Um, and I could eat chicken breast and kangaroo sausages for that. But it would suck. It wouldn't be nice. And having a protein shake that's like banana or cookies and cream flavored is just a more convenient way to get it in. And as, as well, the convenience of it is a big selling point. Um, and why it is one of the more like beneficial supplements. I mean, creatine, yes and no. It's by no means necessary. You can still get jacked without it. Like all the, using like Arnold Schwarzenegger isn't the greatest example because he was taking other things that weren't creatine. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I'm just not even going to go through it again. Um, but like they were, they weren't using creatine. Natural blokes in that day and age weren't using creatine. I don't think they were at least. Um, but they still big. So it's not necessary, but it's incredibly beneficial. Like with a lot of things within the health and fitness space. Um, like just to sidetrack quickly, carbohydrates aren't essential to life by any means. We can function without them. People who like carnivore kind of diet, Sam. <laughs> Let me finish first before you take any assumptions uh, or any conclusions. Like people who do the hardcore keto, where they've got like trace carbs, which is just through eating fruit and veg kind of thing, um, or I don't know. There's like a bit of a few grams of carbs in there, like protein powder, for example, um, or they're like keto protein bars. You can survive without carbs, but it's beneficial to have carbs it makes life a lot easier um and especially when you're looking at it from a performance point of view carbs aren't necessary or essential they're just incredibly beneficial um and that's and you said performance point of view, are you talking about athletes who are playing sports or are you talking about anything like let's, yeah, let's pretty be like much. clear well, with that like silo it's not that. yeah of course yeah it, it's not just like professional athletes or like amateur athletes even playing in like the SANFL, like the local foot, well not local, but like state football league. Um, it's just anyone. Like if you're, if you do any sort of exercise with any kind of intensity behind it, so even like a brisk walk, carbohydrates are going to make it easier and better because fats are a slower uh, used fat source, if that's a good, uh, sorry, energy source, if that's a good way to put it. Yeah metabolize i'm studying nutrition i should know that um so it's like they're used at a lower intensity so when you're doing a higher intensity exercise like like lifting uh, or any form of resistance training uh playing like afl or soccer or basketball sprinting yeah having anything that's high intensity where you need energy now you can get it but it's not going to be as good um and carbohydrates are just a more beneficial version of that and that's or not beneficial version but it's a 
just a beneficial addition to your diet. Um, but going back to supplements and try not to go off on a tangent like I t- uh, tend to do, uh, creatine isn't essential. It's just very beneficial. Same with pre-workout. Um, EAAs in some um, like situations, um, casein protein powder, it's not essential, just beneficial. So while we're on, because obviously Reagan wants to get to Carnival, I'd love to hear about it. But before we get there, what do you suggest to clients and perhaps people that are listening? What are the, what would you recommend as supplements to take? And what would you say, or if you want to give a hierarchy list and go of these, my top six, I would suggest them or what's the go? Yeah. Um, well, protein off the bat for everyone. Um, it's... Whey, casein... Vegan, both. What do we look? Okay. Um, any protein? Really? I, I, I've, I've been using. It's, it's not any protein. Concentrate, it's, isolate. It's particular proteins vegan protein. at different times. So, right. Leaving vegan out of the picture. Um, when you're looking at a whey protein, you've got the two sorts. You've got your blend, which is a concentrate and an isolate, and then just an isolate. So, um, they're both the most bioavailable. So. Uh, they're the most like well used and uh, metabolized by the body out of all protein sources, whether they're natural, as people say, like meats and stuff, or unnatural, like protein powders. Um, and that's because they're, in a sense, genetically engineered to be a very good source Bio-level. of protein. Yeah, yep. it's, exactly. Um, and then between those two, a whey isolate is the better one. Like it's it might be like a 1% difference or 2%. You're not going to notice it, but it's just a peace of mind kind of thing. And as well, if you have any issues digesting lactose, an isolate's better because a concentrate uh, has more lactose in it. Um, because for a bit oh. of context, whey protein is a milk protein. So people often have a hard time digesting a whey blend and that's because it has lactose in it. Um, and so I think it's a third of people are lactose intolerant, I think. Yeah, roughly. and just most don't know it or ignore it. Um, right. Like in the case of my well, most, partner, Most adults example. are lactose ah. intolerant. Like by, by default, if you stop drinking milk, you will build an intolerance to milk or just general lactose. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So even, if you keep drinking... Like, yeah, if you keep drinking milk, you'll be fine. It's like my partner, Lauren, yeah. she was raised vegetarian. Um and whilst like she still had like cheese and stuff, because she was raised vegetarian, never touched meat. She now has a, like a sensitivity to meat. She had a chicken nugget. I don't know. She would have been like thirteen or fourteen, I think, from what she said. Um, and she went to hospital because she just had like an allergic reaction to it, essentially. Um, wow. Because she's never eaten meat, and she, she, she has she hasn't touched it since either. Um, and it's yeah, the same. With so like she's like a concentration camp victim. Like, I wouldn't go that far. Killed him. I wouldn't go no, that, that far. No, that happens in war. Prisons of war? Oh, yeah. No, no, it's no. Like I'm the, just um... saying, like, you give someone and they have, like, a toxic or, like, a like an adverse yeah. reaction to something that should be, like, normal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, it's I think like the, the Americans um... from, in the concentration camps, prison like of war, Vietnam so they war kind gave of thing. them bread. Yeah. Um. No. More in World War Two, I think. Uh, okay. Any any prisons, any prisons of yeah. war, they have to go through. I think it was in World War Two though, mm-hmm. but because they had this prison of war concept where they just basically chucked them in a thing and didn't make them like you know build roads or you know mine shit or yeah, but basically just leave them in there. Um, they hadn't eaten in weeks, so basically mm-hmm. they they gave them a bunch of bread and just, a lot of them died because yeah. they couldn't deal with that spike of um I guess spike of energy, but also I assume. Has I don't know necessarily if it's got to do anything to do with insulin. I would love to like talk about that 
because of um of insurance resistance and all that. But generally speaking, like you have something that you're not used to having, your body's like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is this? How am I supposed to do um you know deal with this? Like, convert this? Thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much your a good way to look at it is your body's main goal is survival. Um, and it mm-hmm. can in some ways be very selfish in that sense. So like being someone who like lifts weights and is a like classifies himself as a bodybuilder or myself, not to refer to myself in the third person. Um, <laughs> my my ego is not that big. Um, yes. Yeah, we'll get there. So, oh, sorry. I lost my train of thought. Um, crashed. Hang on. Drug the memory. Uh, so, uh, we want to survive. The whole point. The whole point uh, of us is we want to yes. survive. So carrying more muscle mass, your body sees that as a detriment or a uh, like a, a weak link in the like chain of itself, um, yep. and it's uh, uh, can potentially jeopardise your survival because you need more energy to maintain your muscle mass. Um, so therefore, theoretically, you die is what your body thinks, and that's why if you don't train and you just eat you will lose your muscle mass um, because that resistance training is what stimulates your muscle to either maintain or adapt to new stimulus and grow. Um, and I could be wrong, but this is what I sort of comprehend from it is they don't eat X food for weeks, months, years. In some people's cases, they go to eat it, their body at first which is why there's that resensitization period if their body just kind of shits itself um and it's the same with the uh beaconsfield miners i think at the um mine down in tassie i think it was back in the 2000s where the two miners got stuck down in the mine for oh yeah weeks yep. and they when they first started the rescue effort um they were given i think it was like scotch fingers like the arnott's biscuits um Bro, and this, like they had a horrible reaction and they just like it wasn't great and obviously they survived and i think they're fine now but like it's it's a really good example of how if your body doesn't need to do something it likely won't uh because it can divert energy to something else that's like needed in the moment essentially yeah so you were talking about casein so you were, were going through the uh, <laughs> a cre- uh the the protein, it uh, does me, but the protein uh, concentrate is isolate. Um, so, in regards to casein, where, where does that fit? Because I actually never had put casein in my, like, I guess, fitness stack. Um, I always just thought, and the whole thing is, I basically was told the, 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 the slapstick thing is creatine and protein. Realistically, mm-hmm. if you want to have a pre workout, just because you want uh, the pump, I, obviously, you're going through the, the uh, beta alanine. That makes sense. Um, but I just had, we'll just have a coffee before my workout for the, the buzz. Um, yeah. So what is casein and how ben- what is the what is the purpose of that? Like what's, yeah, so what's beneficial to that versus normal protein? Casein is it's a slow release protein. So a whey protein is well not fast slow release or fast release. It's a fast or quick absorbing protein being whey, and then casein is a slower absorbing protein. So when you consume protein or after a protein feeding, your muscle protein synthesis levels are elevated for sort of two to three hours and they drop back off. And that's why it's recommended to eat every two to three hours. With casein protein, it keeps those levels elevated for longer. So that's where you get like those casein custards that like Muscle Nation um, and like precision nutrition make um, that are like a dessert kind of food. So you have it before you go to bed, 
keeps your uh, like MPS, so your protein synthesis levels, uh, increased or elevated overnight, and it leads to better recovery, uh, better adaptations, better growth, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's by no means essential. It's one of those supplements where if you have the money for it, grab it, but you're not going to lose out on anything because all of these supplements outside of a protein powder and just increasing your overall protein intake to an adequate amount mm-hmm. provide, they're like the, the one percenters essentially. Um, like no supplement's going to change your life. You're not going to get significantly bigger because you're taking creatine or casein or pre-workout. Yeah, it's I was just, just going to ask that. Yeah, I was just going to ask what 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 would you think that basically what percentage would you put it at the big three? You know, diet, exercising, and sleep. Is that ninety five percent of the, the equation? And basically, uh, unless you're a mutant, genetics might be like, oh, you whatever. It's only um, eighty nine. Checking off makes you big. Whatever it is, what would you say? That supplements play that's, a role. Like five percent, ten percent behind the scenes in Popeye. Um, yeah, that's how you get those big forearms. <laughs> that's right. I, oh, it's a good question. Like, what percent I'd classify it as? I'd say without going to be clear, the specifics. Separate protein off that because that's a macronutrient, right? So, like, yeah. if you were to rip that out, rip that out. So well, I was just keep go, it in tin. just go just go for the th- like. Do you think? Or maybe I'm. I've, I've mm. put this out there, and it's too much, and you disagree with the premise. Is sleep, exercise, and training the three most important things, or is it fucking? You mean supplements? sleep, training, and nutrition? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay. what did I yeah, say? yeah. Um, yeah, without sleep a doubt, they're exercise. the most. Uh, exercise. Yeah, sorry, you, you don't. You know. What I mean. Yeah, so they're they are the most, um, like they are the essential parts of um, getting big, being healthy, being strong, whatever your health or fitness goal is. Um, like mm-hmm. there was a bloke. Um, who went to same school as me, not the same year, who went through uh, a bulk. Um, it's quite funny to think about. He ate in a surplus. He ate lots of protein. He had a mass gainer shake. He slept really well, but he assumed that if he did those two and ate lots of protein specifically, he wouldn't have to train. And he didn't train. So as a result, he just got thick with a CK, not two Cs. Um, so What a fucking... Wait, did he train at all? He played football, but besides that, no, no. Pretty much okay, also, can we, can we clarify, clarify here? Oh, fuck, I've lost my train of thought. That was, uh, people who go, oh, if I bulk, just get really big, the bulking itself, getting fat, like, because I have fat, it means I can grow muscle easier. I think, like, people say that, and they truly believe having extra fat, it makes them... Yes and no. It's, it's to an extent. So when you're, like, let's say you've just competed in a bodybuilding comp, you, you were genuinely as lean or as shredded as you need to be. Like, let's say 5 to 7% kind of thing, which is like the... I'm saying like an average person. Like, they'll they'll be become obese thinking that's a better starting point. Oh, than, yeah, no, this, uh, this all ties into it. So when you're lean as shit, you have like walnut butt, so there's no fat on your ass or anything, you're not in a good state to build muscle. Um, your training's yeah. not going to be really productive. Your hormones are out of whack. Like, your hunger hormones are skewed. Your sex drive is non-existent so on and so forth. As you gain body fat, you see increases in performance, mood, overall health, and then you hit a point where you're at a body fat level where it's no longer productive. And unless I'm mistaken, you start to partition uh, like nutrients and like what you take in for fat gain over muscle gain. Um, and that's where what you were saying, Reagan, where 
people do make the mistake of thinking, oh, I'll just get really fat in this bulk and borderline obese in some cases, because um, that's going to mean I'll grow more muscle. And sure, you've got to gain body fat to gain muscle. It's just how it works. Of course. Um, even if you're taking copious amounts like grams of um, like steroids, you still gain some body fat. You can't avoid it. But doing it to a point where you're just fat with some muscle, <laughs> like you, you look like a strong man, but you're not strong. Right. It, it's just kind of stupid. Um. So yeah. 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 It's 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 more that it's like the you train less, so you eat, and you eat more, and you're like, well, I because I because I got because I'm bigger. It's it's like they think that their body will just naturally get stronger like the arms will get bigger yeah. it's like your arms might be bigger now because you've got yeah. fat over the muscle but it's like realistically mm. speaking it's not i don't know i'm not saying like if you're a skinny rat and then you go become fat it's more like you're 20 mm. body fat and you're pushing it up to like 30 percent, and you're like yeah this is a better yeah. starting point you know it's like it seems doesn't yeah. seem and this is like your, your mum would tell you it's like oh if you eat more you'll be better you're a better starting point yeah if you, but if you eat i'm interested veggies, about what you said strong. About if you're if you're very lean, um, how lean are you talking? Where that like if you, say you're skinny, you haven't got muscle, yeah. which I was. To what point does it become like a, a tipping point where it's like because literally last year I gained ten kilos out of nowhere before I started training I just went. <laughs> now I say it's because of the the, the stab scene, um, but that's just because it happened to be like a month after. But basically, I gained like 10 kilos. Correlation doesn't equal causation, and we're not touching that topic. <laughs> Just for but, Sam. But um, I think it was over... I, I'd say it's probably... I, now it felt like it wasn't far long, but I felt like it was over six weeks again, like 10 kilograms or 8 kilograms. Fuck. That, that is quite a fast rate of gain, yeah. I think and it was a bit longer because I was, I was there. I think it was probably a bit longer than that. Just to watch but, the expansion uh, of Reagan. Uh, Reagan. I had a real-time camera in his bedroom when he was naked. And it, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> bit longer, but it wasn't long. Yeah. It was December. It was December. Okay, I think it was December to March when you moved into him, and it was like eight kilo difference. And it wasn't. And, my, and, it's, and it's not like my habits changed. Like it was really difficult for my habits to change. Uh, so I'm just really perplexed about that that change. But could it be that I hit that tipping point where I was like, I've always been skinny. So my hormones were out of whack. And as soon as I got to that, like... You gained two you kilos, there. which meant, yeah. Likely yeah. not. Um, like when we're talking unproductive for training, that's when it's you're training five days a week. You're... Actually, no, that's, that's not correct. Sorry. It's... If you eat like a dickhead, you're going to get fat, right? Being eating in a surplus, not training properly, all that kind of stuff. Um, but on top of that, if you're, let's say you're training three to six days a week, for example, if your activity or your output is here, your input's here, and then all of a sudden, for whatever array of reasons, it drops even a couple hundred calories. Let's say you don't get as many steps every day because your work changes or the weather's really bad, like it's winter or it's really hot in summer like it is at the moment. Mm -hmm. That can cause that weight gain. Like it happened to me at the end of my massing phase where my food was at uh, about 3.6 thousand calories I upped it to 3.7, 3.75 kind of thing, uh, but simultaneously, not purposely, dropped my output. Um, I was still doing cardio after my session just for some like blood pressure reasons, um, but my steps hit the floor. 
um mm. like it was uni holidays so i didn't really have a reason to leave the house besides work in the morning so i just stay home play red dead redemption rainbow six siege whatever not do a whole lot so my output significantly dropped so that's where that weight right. gain came up and it can be very small changes that cause that and they're very easy to go unnoticed because if you ask someone how they felt getting 8,000 steps compared to 12,000 steps in a day when they don't actually track their steps, they're not going to be able to tell the difference. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like 4,000 steps is maybe 150 calories kind of thing. And if you couple that with maybe eating a little bit more, um, not moving as much throughout the day, like you're sitting all day instead of standing all day, it's going to cause that. Um, mm -hmm. But jumping to that being skinny as a kid and then getting really, uh, like gaining a lot of fat mass, when I say lean, like there's a distinct difference between lean and skinny. Lean is yep. minimal body fat, well not minimal, but like less than average body fat with a muscular physique. Skinny is your average 12-year-old boy kind of thing. Like maybe 10, 15, maybe a little bit less percent body fat, not a whole lot of muscle. They've got like the six-pack abs, but they're just skinny. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're skinny unless you're underweight typically your hormones will be fine um because you're skinny nowadays is more or less under healthy... size 16 sam <laughs> it's more or less a healthy body weight um like if you're looking yeah. at a kid who's got like some sort of ab lines kind of thing they're healthy but if you look yeah. at a kid like myself who was just thick and wide and chunky big chungus kind of thing like that's not um and that, that's a whole other topic as well that we won't delve into tonight um yeah. but yeah so when when i say lean or shredded that's post comp no body fat ab vein mm. like very very little body fat ab veins glute striations um the sort of like skull face where you look just dead almost because you've got no fat um yeah, yeah i think it was dorian yates I think Dorian Yates was yeah. so lean. He said it was it was sore to walk because the fat yeah one hundred percent because yeah you yeah. lose the fat pads on the bottom of your feet. Like a really good example of that is when I finished my um, fat loss phase last year, I was about I don't know ten kilos lighter than I am now. Um, and I so how tall were you? How much were you weighing? Yeah, how so I was a hundred. I'm 180. How big your shoes? Uh, how big is your shoe size as well? Twelve and a half as well on okay. average. Interesting. <laughs> Um, but yes, I'm 181 centimeters tall, so five okay. foot eleven. Um, I don't like to round to six foot because that just feels UK or US. Like a bit of a what was that? UK or US, US. twelve and a half. US. <laughs> I'm concerned. Um, US. And I weighed at my lowest 80.5, and that was a few weeks after I finished my deficit. But my body just got very yeah, excited no. with the extra carbs, and mm. I lost a bit more weight. Um, yep. But uh, I bought the shoes at about 83 kilos when I was uh, in Sydney for a trip to see, at that point in time, my long-distance girlfriend, who's now on her phone two doors over. Um, and now, don't fit me. And they're like two, $300 shoes, really good. They just don't fit. Um, yeah. And it sucks because you, you lose fat from areas that you don't expect to lose fat. Um, yeah. And that's what you were saying about Dorian Yates, Tim. Like, you lose the fat pads from your feet. Um, so it hurts to, it it hurts suck, to sit, yeah, which is like, pretty I, crazy to think about. Like, oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like I haven't hit that point of being that lean, but even getting to, I'd say I was probably about yeah, 
nine to eleven percent body fat maybe um it's hard to tell because i carry a lot of loose skin from when i was a chubby little man um or little boy rather um really how big, big were boy you? i was at my peak probably before i started training i was about 90 95 at my peak fatness um and that was at what age at, oh, 14 kind of thing um wow this was, how tall were you at the start? Oh, I would have been 170, 175. Wow, you're um, a big boy. Chode. You're yeah, a pretty big I was. Boy. Um, oh no, at 14 to 175. I, I was, I was quite tall as I was well, when I was younger. Then yeah. everyone got to six three, six four kind of thing, um, yeah. and I was tiny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I carry a lot of loose skin, so it's quite hard to tell. But I had ab veins, just no visible abs, which messed with me. Um, and that's again because the loose skin, but. Yeah, when you're that lean, your body's not in a productive state to gain muscle. Um, and whilst in that sort of post-show rebound period where when you do it properly and you gain maybe 10% of your body weight within four to eight weeks kind of thing, um, which is like a healthy rate of gain when you're that lean and that just borderline dead, um, you will gain a bit, but then you'll have the most long-term sustainable progression for most people, it's probably about 10 to 15%. For some, it's a little bit higher. For some, it might be a little bit less, but that just comes down to genetics and standard deviation and that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, then, so what, what... No, go on, go on. And then you hit that point where after you reach your kind of optimal body fat percentage or body weight range for putting on size and just being healthy, if you will, that's when it goes the other way where because you're now too fat or too overweight, I should say to be correct um you, your body's just not healthy your blood pressure's high your cardiovascular fitness is low you're not partitioning it's just now fatless or just properly. general weight just be clear because people who are uh, even at that size so derek from more mm-hmm. place dates uh, says that at a higher size he ha- like has issues sleeping yeah yeah so it's his muscles around his neck so just yeah whether it's muscle or fat when our body weight. exceeds a weight yeah just weight as a whole just mass when our body exceeds a certain point um, in terms of overall health, it's just mass, and that's where you get the sleep apnea. You get um, issues with blood pressure, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but with fat mass, like specifically, that's when you see that uh, change in nutrient partitioning um, and distribution for fat uh, gain compared to muscle gain. Yeah, okay, gotcha. So just for the complete normies, because I'm trying to think of this as like, oh, I know a little bit about fitness. Not really. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, but um, I'm also trying to think of someone who knows fuck all and they're still listening to this and they're still at the yeah. stage of the podcast. Um, what, what, because as far as I'm aware, I think it's 3% body fat where your organs start shutting down. And we're saying bodybuilders, very professional, top of the top, are like 5%. Yeah. What do we get? What are the percentages where we're like, all right, like I know the BMI is kind of a shitty, whatever, kind it's of standard, but you know, yes, it's useful. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. useful. Um, what would you say? So you're saying, because most people don't know this, that the leaner you get, the, you know, some people would say you look better. Obviously, some people are repulsed by bodybuilders having too much muscle, yada, yada, yada. That's a subjective thing. We won't even bother going there. But, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and, you know, Dorian Yates, who people might not know, Ronnie Coleman, whatever, all these top-level guys. Um, Great physique, I must say. Which one? The classic. Well, You're just getting you to say it again, aren't you? Wait, what? I'm lost. Classic physique. 
just like the jet, like that, that, that class of physique, the X, the X, the X not the, the kind of the, the V shape. Oh, yeah, yeah. Arnold's just saying, sorry. Well, all of them, yeah. What was his well, last name, Tim? Ronnie Coleman, Arnold's no, it was Arnold's last name. Yeah. Oh, yes, <laughs> thank, you. thank you, you've got me. <laughs> Um, no, I'm talking about the, uh, the the classic the classic physique shape mm. as a like player. Oh, I like that kind of shape. Yeah, I prefer yeah. that shape, and I'm glad that's being uh, more popularized now than yeah. it is like the the, was it the, was the, the kai green. Um, yeah, like it's impressive the physiques that people like Ronnie Coleman had and Jay Cutler had in their prime, right. but you look back at it now and like bodybuilding started as. Uh, it's, uh, like but you a, had a question Tim so don't forget that one so it's like it started as like physical culture and the competitions used to be both a physique show but then also some like different feats of strength and athleticism so it used to be physical culture as a whole but then split off due to artistic differences I guess you could say into being like your um, Olympia bodybuilding style of things and like your IPF and your APU for powerlifting for example um, for those that don't know what's the difference between those three just like um, federations Olympia. yeah yeah so your olympia is part of your ifbb which is the international federation of bodybuilding i think um and that's your bodybuilding as it says in the name um and the olympia is like the top stage like that's the olympics essentially um so you miss olympia, then, for example yeah yeah so you've got your uh ifbb and then you've got like your other federations in there as well and then you've got your uh i IPF, which is the International Powerlifting Federation. You've got your uh, USAPL, which is the United States Powerlifting League, I think. Um, and then you've got APU, which is the Australian Powerlifting Union, I believe. Um, and that's just, yeah, the different... You did mention there, but... CrossFit there, Sam. What the hell? Oh, CrossFit has its place, I guess. Um, I don't know what the leagues are for that. I don't pay too much attention to it. Um, but yeah, so... <laughs> like it's it was impressive the physiques they got to and how big someone like Ronnie Coleman yeah. and Jay Cutler got and to, to manage it. Yeah, exactly. What you look at Ronnie now and he's using a walking sticker like fifty five. Um, but way, it got it got yeah, out of hand. Really yeah, he is now. Uh, like it, it got out of hand with how big they were. Like Ronnie mm -hmm. started. Like you look at his midsection, it was very. Um, distended, it was big, it wasn't the, like, aesthetic shape that you see now, and that's where, like you were saying before, Tim, with a lot of people finding, like, big bodybuilders, like, unappealing to the eye, that's where that kind of stigma comes from, because at the size Ronnie was at his peak, like, when he won his final Olympia, like, his eighth title, that was just big, that was unhealthy, It it's amazing, but it didn't look that nice. And that's where Reagan, as you were saying, the classic physique side of things is bringing it back to how bodybuilding actually started and back to its roots where it's about how aesthetically pleasing you look. Because um, it's just, yeah, seeing people with waists like as wide as their shoulders, like you almost started to towards the end of like the mm -hmm. 90s, early 2000s kind of bodybuilding period. It just, it wasn't it. They just kind of yeah. lost sight of what it was meant to be loose yeah it's like a car crash like you just almost can't look away yeah yeah here's yeah a, like that's that's for the, the, for the audio for the audio listeners uh where, where we've currently just pulled up a photo of mr the man himself love that guy, man. Sam 
Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, that's him, Sherlock. Really big fan. <laughs> but yeah, so that's like, fan. that's the midsection I'm talking about there, where it's distended for multiple reasons. The amount of food he would have been eating. Um, you might have heard of like GH gut, which is growth hormone gut. Yeah. Um, it's just, it wasn't nice. And now it's going to like, yeah. How did yeah. the classic guys avoid that? Because they wouldn't, it's not like they were eating 2,000 calories. Like, so what? Um, they don't, because they're not as big, they don't weigh as much. On average, they don't have to eat as much, uh, which mm. is going to help with not, because if, you, if you're if you constantly distended during an off-season, when you're like not prepping and you're trying to put on size, it's going to have somewhat of an effect on how you look when you cut down. Um but then as well, the classic physique guys, because they're not trying to get as big, they're not going to be using as much in the way of steroids and like and, uh, androgenic hormones. Really? Um, yeah, it, it's a case of like caffeine, for example. Oh, sorry. Um, if a 50 kilogram female needs 150 milligrams, have the same effect as I do, 40 kilos heavier and I need 250 milligrams, you're not going to need the same amount of gear, um, if you will, when you're... 30 kilos stage weight difference kind of thing. Right. Um, and, no, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no I, I was done. All yours. So with the body fat, sorry to bring us back. Um, oh, no, that's the, where we're meant to be anyways. Yeah, we'll sidetrack and I want to get to the supplements still, but whatever. We're, yeah, I'm no, glad no, we'll we're fucking going down all the rabbit holes. Um, with the body fat, like I was saying, the 3%, your organs mm. start shutting down as far as I'm aware. These yep. guys on stage, you know, you know, we've just brought up. 5%. Yeah, yeah, they're looking about five six kind of thing, and like the side effects are like you just listed a few. You know, mm-hmm. sex drives not looking too good. A lot of yeah. people tend to find they've got a lot of mental fog. Well, that could be diet related because they're really lean and yada yada yada. So it might not be body fat, but you know, what, it's, it's what you, it, yeah. yeah, what would you say is kind of you know? I, I know this. Uh, trust me, I know how stupid of a question this is. But what's a good body fat? And just to give people an idea, like I'm just thinking of complete newbies who know, have no idea what we're talking about when i know this is a stupid question but some people probably are asking this when do you see abs i know there's a genetic difference but roughly yeah what body fat um, percentage? if we're talking washboard abs like and i'm saying cut, guys because there's a difference between guy and girls but yeah 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 um clear cut washboard abs it's Girl like abs, a, it's bumpy <laughs> it's like bumpy when you rub your hand over it right. depending on the person probably eight to twelve um, okay. And then, of course, the leaner you get, the more to find those uh, like muscle insertions and the divisions between each like abdominal muscle are going to be. Um, but granted, if you're a really big individual, you could be 15% body fat and your abs might still poke through a little bit just because your abs are that big. Because obviously, the more muscular you are, it changes how your body fat is distributed. Mm-hmm. Um and it can just get to a point where if you've got the right genetics and you're big enough and your abs are big enough specifically, you can still see your abs at a higher than normal body fat percentage. Yeah, yeah, good. Yep. And, and and I think a lot of people that don't know about the world of especially bodybuilding, they don't really realize how much genetics play a part in it. Like everyone knows about, you know, a six pack, but most people don't really look at Arnold and go, oh, he had a four pack. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and and for, and he's one of the few, I think, Mister Olympians who's who was who competed at over six foot tall. Yeah. Um, most people don't realize bodybuilders aren't that tall because you know, you know, yeah. I'm sure you could get into a lot more intricate reasons yeah. for that than I can. Yeah. So most bodybuilders these days, like your obviously like Seabum, for example, uh, like classic physique, four time champion, I think he's mm. six foot 
two. I think, I think, I think that's that. right. So he's, I think that's he's right, quite yeah. tall, um, like well above average. Um, but most heavyweight bodybuilders, so like Jay nowadays, yeah, like nowadays, like the Jay Cutler and Ronnie Coleman's back then, and now like the Brandon Curry's, uh, John Jewett is a good example. Um, Derek Lunsford, Sean Clarita, he's like five foot two. Um, like they're very small people because like with a body fat distribution to an extent, the smaller you are, the bigger you're going to look and the better because your muscle bellies are going to be, they're going to look larger and appear larger. And you also put on yep. the mass easier. Is um, it because your, your appendages are much, much smaller? So for example, your yeah. like actual, your skeletal structure is smaller. So have, cause everyone's obviously got the same, I can't say this for a fact, but if you have like a, uh, you know your, your bone, and you get the same amount of connective tissue around it. It's going to be the same from me to you, realistically speaking. Yeah, just different sizes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Of um, so the obvious. Yeah, as you're filling up that volume, it's just going to look bigger. Yeah. So like, if you look at like my bicep, for example, bicep starts like inserts, exactly. like just be on the elbow and inserts oh. up at the uh, like shoulder yeah. joint kind of thing. I won't flex because I'm not going to be that guy. Um, <laughs> someone who's five foot six, for example, and like I'm five eleven, their bicep might like insert at the shoulder, but then finish here because their humerus is just shorter. Um, same with your quads. Same with why smaller people typically have bigger calves. It's just because they're compressed. It's like if you take like my shaker, for example, and you squash it, it's gonna be a bit yeah. wider because the chode. Pretty much, the the material or the mass has to go somewhere. Um, yeah, and that's right. if you're smaller, it's going to go out, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Should we jump back to the supplement side of things now as well? Yes, yes, we yep. should. Yeah. What's yep. the hierarchy? What do you suggest people do? So, a whey protein, preferably a whey isolate, um, for your main protein powder source, not your main protein source, because you should still try to eat your uh, red meats within reason, your fish, your chicken, your kangaroo, all that kind of stuff. Um, pre bed. If you've got the money for it, casein is definitely a good option. Uh, like it's it's researched, it's effective, it's good, and it tastes nice too. Uh, creatine. So in terms of a hierarchy, proteins at the bottom, and then you're looking at your casein and your creatine. In my opinion, um, and so should we? So just just because are you saying bottom is most important? Because a lot of people yes. probably aren't. Yeah. They're First not realizing. Needs. Yeah, we're talking about Maslow's height. We should say yeah, whatever. Yeah. So going most important off of like, is protein. Yeah, so the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, bottom, you can't live without, and then top's like peak success kind of thing. Yeah, it's protein like a pyramid. Powder, so, yeah, don't know. yeah, yeah, so your, your protein powder, like a whey protein powder, vegan if you're vegan, obviously. Um, but sorry, quick side note, if you're not vegan and you can digest a whey isolate, use a whey isolate. It's more available. It's a better quality. It tastes nicer too. The texture's better. So just if you don't need to take vegan protein, don't. Simple as that. But you've got your whey isolate or your whey uh, concentrates, this blend kind of thing. Um, and then above that, you've got your creatine and your casein. They're not essential, but they're definitely beneficial. And then above that, on your third level, you've got your pre-workout. Um, Is that when it starts going, yeah, you really don't... That's when it starts going, it. like, it can help. You don't need it. That's what you've got, like, any sort of caffeinated supplement or, like, pump pre-workout kind of thing. Um... And then, of course, depending on your diet, like I'm a good example of this, I don't really like fish. So fish oil is down there with protein. So anything yeah. you need, vitamin I was going to ask about wise, those. 
that goes down on that bottom floor with protein um because like if i donate fish i'm not going to get any of your omega-3 or 6 fatty acids so i'm going to be missing out on a lot of important nutrients specifically for like your brain and heart health so i supplement that and that's at the bottom um but yeah after you like your casein and your creatine that's where you have your pre's your fat burners um <laughs> test boosters are like they're on like oh, a different point. like scale test boosters kind of down the bottom you mean you want some yeah, tests they're, they're even more important than protein powder sorry that's right my mistake you don't even need food really well, just when, you say, when you say <laughs> test boosters are not important um what about like the average testosterone and this is probably a, a tangent here but the average testosterone mm-hmm. level is like plateaued from Dropped. a thousand to yep. now like we scanned mine, right? So I think this is the biggest thought... sidebar we're going to take. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's all about the hierarchical needs. But um, yeah, sure, for sure, we won't we make it too t- long. We can pack it later. But basically, I don't even know if the test boosters work first and foremost. So like that's the like different thing. But they do work, and they do bump up your testosterone to a high level where it's like now. For example, mine was four hundred and something. And mm. there's so many things into that. You get your blood work in the morning. You're going to have lower testosterone. Is that correct? Yeah, to an extent. Um, yeah. You have some shit sleep. Lower, mm. bad diet, lower. So it's all going to be, it's all dependent on where you, it's what lifestyle you did dependent. before. There's yeah. a lot of factors, so yeah. Mine was about 480, and they're like, it's in range, but that's not good because of So, Reagan, just for range. people that don't know, what does 480 mean? What should so, it be? What's the average? What are they so saying? So, the average in the 2000s, I think it was, there's a study done in 1996, I think. And it was basically the average uh, male age of each, like each male, they did a test of their average testosterone in an average person. So it was a blind uh, blind study. So they didn't actually, uh, you know, they didn't test bodybuilders versus non-bodybuilders. So they just did a randomized control. Um, <laughs> the averages came out through, I think, the males between 18 and 25, I think was a thousand. Um, Fuck. And now the, the rating... So basically, also kids like who are in high school 500? Yeah, is four fifty sixty, and doctors are telling, suggesting to your people, uh, your body's in range. Even though range might yeah. not be necessarily be an optimal range, they're saying it's in range, so you have nothing to worry about. Which to me, when he told me my doctor told me that, which all doctors would suggest, it's on the lower end, but it's in healthy yeah. range. I'm like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? And that's um, that's where I developed, like, from getting your blood done and looking at that together. Yeah. That's where I developed kind of concept of. Well, it's not a concept I developed. It's just kind of common sense and logic. It's a good is framework. That, like the average for testosterone, for blood pressure, especially, which is something I've dealt with, is based off of an unhealthy population. Yes. So, and newer li- lately, yes. Exactly. So if you're wanting, like if you get your test done or just the blood's done and your test is like Reagan's and it's in that sort of four, even like three to five or 600 range, sure, it's not unhealthy per se but it's not fantastic you want to have a better quality of life up until an extent like with everything because moderation where if you have more tests you're gonna your recovery will be better your sleep will be better your sex drive will be better you'll respond better to lifting weights all that kind of stuff your, your intelligence still yeah yeah Every... I was just going to say, we should really be almost insulting to the audience and actually explain what testosterone is. Very, yeah, like, so if we can, very briefly. Testosterone, sorry, is the main male sex hormone. Um, it's what's responsible for the majority of male features, uh, like facial hair, just body hair, deeper voices, bigger muscles, all that kind of stuff. And it's the 
to my knowledge, the precursor for the majority of anabolic steroids. Uh, like testosterone is like your grandfather of gear, essentially, and then they're all derivatives from that, uh, like a big kind of family tree. Um, That's a good way but, to visualize it for people. I yeah, hadn't so, known about the. the I mean, I know everything's some sort of testosterone, but everyone says it's like a tree below that. There's like sub levels. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so it's wow, okay. yeah gears here. It's like God, everything, everyone else yeah, kind of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, so when because doctors these days, especially, and it's not all, but a lot in my experience, are more reactive than proactive. If your test is yep. healthy, but in, in range, the lower end of the range, yeah, in range, you're fine as far as they put it. And like I said, with the blood pressure, I have a family history of blood pressure or high blood pressure. Sorry. Everyone has blood pressure. Blood pressure. Um, <laughs> just the, the average person doesn't have any. Um, and despite me living a healthy lifestyle, very low intake of saturated fats, does cardio, lifts mm -hmm. weights, just eats veggies, all that kind of shit. Um, my blood pressure was pre hypertensive. Um, and there was a very clear increase over the years. And especially given I was, I had a lower blood pressure when I was unhealthier when I was younger to now yep. being in that sort of like 135 to 140 systolic, um, which is the top number on blood pressure reading. Um, and that's how much force is exerted against your blood vessels. Um, and then a diastolic of like 75 to 85 kind of thing. Um, I went to a GP once I took that reading um, and I was in a relaxed state. I wasn't stressed or anything. And he was like, it's not hypertension yet. We don't need to do anything about it because it wasn't Which out of that healthy lofty. range. Exactly. Um, and it, to me, it didn't make sense. And I got quite frustrated with the guy and I ended up walking out and not doing everything I wanted to do with an appointment because I'm a, at the time I was a 19 year old, lives a healthy lifestyle. The only risk factor was a family history. Yet, mm -hmm. I had high blood pressure and same with testosterone yet yeah, in range, you're not dying as far as they're concerned. They're not going to do anything about it. Um, That's right. Yeah. My, my doctor. Yeah. My doctor was like, uh, literally was not happy with me. Like getting up. I just wanted to get my test levels done. I'm like, I'm a guy. Mm -hmm. I identify as a guy. I'm not even going to go into that, but like, I'm a guy. I've got a penis and my markers <laughs> of being a man. I think is, yeah. Is is yeah. uh, based on testosterone levels as a, yeah. as a, like a, a pretty quick instant thing, right? And he's mm. like, didn't want it to get me tested to sign up for a blood test. And yeah. I was like, I'm not. And I was like, just just to show you, and I'm like, I don't know why I'm even telling you this, but I'm not going to try to apply to get testosterone. I know it's uh, illegal. Anyway, well, that's just except for you know if you're transitioning. But I'm transitioning from a weak man to a strong man, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but come, I'm. Come. I'm, yeah. I'm like I'm not trying to get uh, wheezing myself to get testosterone. I'm just wanting to know my general health, and uh, this yeah. is a pretty good biomarker for men's health, right? One hundred. So, and you know we can go. We can obviously. I'd love to talk about the. And I'm, you, obviously, you might not be qualified for this, Sam. But obviously, as Tim and I have had these discussions before, but you know there there's obviously a trend correlation as your hormones are being becoming imbalanced, or that testosterone is kind of that like. I don't know, it seems like the coach in your hormones. So it's like it beats everything to shape to make sure everything's doing what it's supposed to. If that's at a really low level, all your other hormones are going to go to whack, right? Which is why you, I feel like you're getting this issue with... Um, Sorry, finish like, what you were saying. Uh, basically, you're getting this issue with, you know, people's mental health issues and like other mm. problems. It's that they, they're not having that like strong baseline to keep things in check. 
yeah, like to an extent, that's correct. Um, testosterone isn't the. I'm not, I'm not qualified on this by any means. Mm. I want to make that clear. This is an advice. This is just an opinion. With I think that's the saying. Discussion. Yeah. yeah whatever. Yeah. This discussion, is a discussion right. amongst friends. Mm. Like your hypothalamus is what, which is a little bit at like the top of your brainstem kind of thing, which is back here. That's what controls homeostasis, and homeostasis is the norm within your body. So your healthy range mm. of blood glucose level, blood pressure, heart rate, body temperature, sodium concentration, uh, I mean, like extracellular fluid, all that kind of fancy stuff. Um, and yeah, typically if one thing is out, and in the case of testosterone where it's a larger hormone and more important, and has a larger role to play, you will see other hormones kind of out of whack too, but not necessarily. Mm. Like back in the 60s, your test readings, uh, Reagan, would have been considered low, like out of range, if they'd had the testing that we do now. Oh, sorry. Um, so, sorry, massive brain fart. Um, so do you wait... I'll just, low so, yeah, <laughs> when you say in the 60s it's low, do you mean because medical technology is better or are you saying that men's testosterone has been slowly Men's dropping? test has gone down and that's researched, it's evident, and that's because... And it's proven. Pop- it's where the population is more unhealthy. The average person is more overweight, uh, eats worse, doesn't exercise as much. Tanks kind of stuff. shrinking. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so, like back right? in the sixties. No, it is. The tanks are shrinking. Yep. Really. A lower, a lower testosterone uh, in the prenatal stage uh, basically gets is, is bringing down the taint size. Huh. That's quite interesting, actually. Yeah, huh. it's like I learn about the finger, like your ring finger, if when you're being developed and you're within the, uh, the uh, you know, the woman uh, or man, um, both, whatever, you know, in between. So when you're in the womb is what you're trying to when, say. When you're in the womb, that's the one. You know, yep. you, your mother or, you know, whatever, whoever's growing you, your grower, uh, if they're eating... Whoa, the dude, diet, don't, don't. You, I'm not having Milky Toucan Podcast, Milky Podcast, be the creator of the grower term oh, we're not uh, coining that we're not fucking coining the, to- the right, well, term. well the fill in the blank <laughs> if they're eating the right diet and their hormones themselves aren't out of whack the baby especially if it's a male baby their ring finger will actually be longer than their middle finger if they're getting the appropriate nutrients so most of us actually don't have a longer finger which means we were nutrient deficient when we were growing which yeah, is quite interesting I mean, yeah like i'm sure there's whether or not there's sure merit that... behind the finger thing specifically, it's a really good point. Um, yeah. And there, there are plenty of signs, the, like in the sense that we're going, like we're trying to get in a negative direction. Like something I found out about quite recently is female are getting their periods oh. a lot earlier, um, which whilst isn't necessarily harmful to an extent, it's training in the wrong direction. Reagan is thinking evil thoughts right now. No, no both two died. <laughs> knew what this is <laughs> a joke oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah all right yeah. i'm not gonna ask for context there don't, uh, don't um, ask, don't <laughs> ask yeah. but yeah like it's it's trending like younger and younger yeah. and younger um like you like obviously there's like i hit puberty when i was nine or ten some hit it when they're 16 um same with females ten. but for the, so the we gotta hit puberty at the same time man probably yeah <laughs> 
When did you hit for contact strikes? When did you hit? I must have been like grade seven, I reckon. Yeah, and there's about four years between us. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's interesting. So yeah, wait, when, when you say you hit puberty rage, do you do you mean like you could bust a nut? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> oh, in that little... case, then yeah, probably ten. Then yeah, that's. Well, then what the? What are you talking about puberty? How old were you in year seven? No, because I saw I saw considerable changes between like when I was twelve and thirteen. Well, For sure, you, but yeah. if you can but bust the, a nut, the kickoff, that yeah, yeah, that means uh, you then, can yeah, have kids. That, right. that yeah. was the that was Christmas morning. Uh, before I got my DS, woke up in a in a mess. <laughs> I think I know this story. I think I've heard this. Yeah. Story. <laughs> Facts. Facts. Yeah, interesting. I okay. didn't have to know that about you, but now yeah. I do. It doesn't change anything, does it? No. It makes sense no, it actually. Not. It clarifies a lot, really. That's right. It's more to that story uh, too, but we won't go there. <laughs> no, we will not. Um, but yeah, it's on average or overall all like health markers are shifting or trending in a negative direction um and that's just a a a result of the population of the world becoming more and more unhealthy for a variety of reasons um but should we park that debate there yeah i was gonna say uh, i was gonna say um it'd be quite interesting because you know how humans have such a long period uh uh gestation not for only just not only gestation because we're a larger creature, but there's also the the um, the lack like the, like the basically the the child being a juvenile stage before they get to an adult. Yeah, yes, yeah. we're not born know. ready essentially. But if that number's coming down, does that mean that like technically speaking, if you were to like apply it to the animal kingdom, if that number's coming down, that 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 just I don't know the technical word, but that juvenile period's coming down, the the the, the stage to become an adult's coming down. Doesn't that mean like our survival ability to survive for a longer period is now just getting like swamped up? Like not swamped up, but like it's messed up. I don't know. That's just a thought. Do you mean it's going to decrease? Yeah, like for example, like a wolf or a wolf or a cow needs to like you know become an adult pretty quick. Like Mm -hmm. in the first year, dog you know is in a juvenile state for I think two years. Like in that in that time period, they're growing, getting growing becoming juvenile and then become an adult and mature ours takes what well for, for guys it's 25 years and i think for females it's like less than things like uh 18 years yeah right about it's but 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 if that number's coming down with that window of, of uh if that uh timer where it begins where you're you know your period is getting younger you're busting nuts younger then obviously it just i assume it's going to time. bring that that ad- adult phase like younger as well for guys um, I, I don't it's know a big enough. brain thought, you know? Yeah. Like it, it's a good thought. It's a good idea. Um, whether mm. the fact you're hitting puberty Research early project. means that our brain is <laughs> just send that to some year 11, um, whether or not that means <laughs> our brain will be developed earlier, who knows whether that's going to increase like the length of human life. It might, mm-hmm. it might lead to degeneration earlier. We don't know. Um, and I'm sure as hell not qualified to sort of yeah. comment on that. I don't think, yeah. yeah. You you say that, well, I'm going to pretend I'm qualified. I'm just, <laughs> while you were saying that, Megan, I'm just thinking, because I've known about the women having their period earlier, like, you know, people often have the debate about evolution versus, you know, adaptation in terms of like, or mutations. I wonder if... Evolution are... mutations, though. 
Yeah, but you know, well, yeah, sure, true, that's true. But you know, yeah, but true. Anyway, um, I'm just wondering if if it's a hundred percent environmental and hormonal factors, or if you know, you know, human nature is just like mm, we should probably be having about three children is what we should be reproducing it about. And now that we're having less children, the woman's body is like, oh yes, I'm only having two children. Uh, my kids should now prepare to have children earlier for the survival of our family or whatever. I wonder Potentially, if but they're having children at a later age, so that could also be the degeneration of health too. That's yeah. like the, yeah. People yeah, are having, most people, well, women have been told they should have careers um, and like they, that that's the number one priority. And Which isn't like, a bad I, thing. We no, don't I'm just saying like if home. I... No, no. I'm just saying. I, my my important thing to me is to raise like raise a family. If the, if the, mm. if if Meigs doesn't want to, uh, you know, be at home, then I'll I'm happy to take that role to be my yeah. own, my kids. I want to be family orientated. But the, there's that indoctrination of like women don't need to have kids. Their career is more important because you know how else they're going to get the you know decrease that wage gap. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so. There's all that spicy stuff. What's happening is they're having children later. If they, if they, yeah. even if they do, um, I don't know. I, I just think that 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 has a higher risk of the children's, uh, the child's life too. Because, yeah, one hundred percent. Because having complications and stuff like that. When you, it, again, like with the whole fat mass gaining situation, after a certain point, it goes downhill. Like if, let's say, from thirteen, woman or female X can give birth. It, get pregnant, yep. reproduce. If they hit, I don't know, let's say menopause at 50, 60 kind of thing. If they're having kids mm-hmm. after that midway point, potentially or theoretically, yes, the quality of life for that kid will be a little bit lower. It's like why you see a higher uh, prevalence of um, conditions like Down syndrome in babies that are born to a mum who's a bit older. Um, like over 40 is like the stereotypical kind of age for that kind of thing yeah um, geriatric so pregnancy a, i just looked it up as 35 so yeah yeah and that's like the media or like that's a pretty pretty common age though to have yeah. start having like your first child nowadays 33, yeah 33 yeah and increasingly yeah. it's, it's a yeah good that's, that's what i'm actually. saying mm, good thing and that's what i'm trying to say is that i'm not saying in in look no, by no means i'm blaming women for, for that at all it's like that it's <laughs> It's a uh, basically an indoctrinated, indoctrinated like lifestyle choice. Like you want this, and it's like, what happens if you don't want that? Mm-hmm. You know, you you only go to work because you have to. Like, you if you're an entrepreneur and you do stuff that you know you can scale and you know do things you enjoy and it get, makes it makes you have it feel you know fills you inside, I guess, or you know gives you fulfillment. Um, that's yeah. one thing. But when it's like, oh, you're working to pay the bills, you're you're earning 70 grand, your partner's earning 100 grand, you're earning 170 between you, you're just doing it to pay the fucking mortgage off. That's not like, to me, that's not a, a thing to you know want to do. You know what I mean? Like all the stuff I'm doing now is is to facilitate having kids and having like raising them and like like providing for them. You know what yeah, I mean? Like it's not yeah. to have my career. Yeah, yeah I exactly. Heard, I heard a good story. It was, um, I won't say who, but, you know, uh, it was an individual talking about their grandmother and mm-hmm. the grandma had, I think, basically, uh, there was a family reunion and at this event there was basically something like 76 people had come from this woman. 
So nice. like she had cool. whatever nine children, and they all had whatever, and now they're having. So she's going to have great grandchildren, and this mm. woman has now like basically it was either like seventy six or like ninety five or something like crazy to think about, and it's just like no one's asking the grandma. Oh, so what did you do for work? No one gives a shit. Like mm. no one really cares. You're like, wow, you fucking literally created a clan worth yeah. of people and that could army. probably yeah. yeah like overturn a country if they wanted yeah. to and, and as a matter of fact yeah. no one cares about what anyone does for work they just do it to fill in conversation or just right like, it's just yeah. a, it's, it's a polite thing yeah right yeah whereas like going oh damn you've got this many kids like i'm one of 20 something grandkids right Fuck. and that like my parents love that they're like they wear a fucking badge of honor right um and this would be so goofy to go like now just this new century this generation is like no nah, not important like, so selfish as well. It is selfish. Yeah, like, that's it. I yeah. think, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Where, like, as a whole, we're like, no, nah, I, w- I as a woman don't want any more kids. Clearly, I'm not a woman, but you know what I mean. Um, that's so because, interesting. I just, I just, why do you think? I that? think, I think because that we is... have the biological drive and need. Because you, you're going to have some women who want to work, don't want to have kids. That's awesome. They, girl mm. boss, however you want to describe it. But you're also going to have the women like like my partner Lauren, for example, who feels as though her main purpose is to become a mum, and it's not to yeah. reproduce for the survival Based. of the human race. It's it races no, to have not. kids. It's to be a mother. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're always going to have women like that, um, and we're always going to have men who naturally like Reagan, myself, and potentially yourself as well, Tim. Where like if we have to go out and work a job that we don't necessarily love, but it's to pay the bills and provide for our family, whether we enjoy that or not, we're probably going to lean more towards that. It's like why we see more men in the military and like the police force compared to women who are more prevalent in nursing and teaching. Biologically, we're different. Like we're not equal in that sense, if you will, where women want different things out of life on average and men do as well. And they're each essential for survival. It's the whole hunter-gatherer side of things. There are biological yep. drivers like testosterone, for example, hormones play a big role that push us down separate paths. Um, and whether or not... Which is really funny that... that Sorry, Sam. It's really funny no, that, you... that that's a controversial take now. That is a... Yeah. The, 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 there's a particular narrative that what you just said is, uh, is kind of like wrong think, um, which yep. to me is so questionable because there's so yeah. much... like not empirical evidence but it's just like it's oh, cultural reference over thousands yeah. of years this is how it's been and they go well it's because you know men dominated the you know the country and yeah. this is what and it. but it's like by even by no means is that incorrect but yeah well i think to, to an extent it's incorrect but it's like you know people align themselves and like or, uh, not pigeonhole themselves but like solid themselves mm-hmm. into particular areas and a lot of it happens to do with gender so yeah. um irrespective of race culture whatever like women always tend kids kids don't typically have that sort of role they'll tend to just be in those sort of areas where women are more caregivers and yeah, boys are more true. like yeah go out that's right. make the money fight off the tiger that's at the front of the cave security of. yeah that's security yeah that's why men are bigger than women it's because throughout mm-hmm. history the bigger men who could protect their families their bloodline and their genetics lived on they had bigger mm-hmm. kids. They protected theirs, so on and so forth. Yep. Like, which, again, hot take, Sam. You're you're, you're doing this back to back, man. Yeah. Like, so, because 
dare I say, like, w men and women, who are just humans, we say, aren't equal. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have equal rights. We should. But we're not equal. We are biologically different, and we're biologically different for a reason. We wouldn't be mm. this way if there wasn't a reason behind it. Like, that's what evolution is. We Our genes mutated in the ways they have because the strongest and fittest and most beneficial variations of homo sapiens survived. Mm -hmm. I almost said yeah. a homosexual there. That would have been incredibly just not yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, you fell into Which is an interesting question on of itself. Yeah, which is, you know... But Sam fell into our trap card. <laughs> yeah, we, we wanted to talk yeah. about how homosexual... No, yeah, I think it's oh. some. I think the stat is something like fifty-six percent of women have successfully reproduced, and I think it's mm. something like ninety-eight percent of men haven't, um, which is pretty interesting to wow. think about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's. So, I guess it comes down to the fact that women, for the most part, it should be all the time, but they pick who they're gonna. Eighty percent of women pick twenty percent of men. So, yeah. uh, and then that's just, that's just general like stats, right? They they, they compete yeah. for twenty percent of men. Um, well, well I'll, push back on that a, I'll push that back a bit. That's much more specifically online than it is in person. When you when you yeah, remove then, social media and dating apps, it's not that high yes, of a percentage. Of course, still, of yeah. course. But then again, they're also the, the competition pools are smaller, and they have less of a choice. They have a more of a this. You have to take this, which is why, which is quite funny. I've noticed this in small country towns. Beautiful wife with a fucking thumb of her husband. <laughs> Very common in the city. You're not going to have that because they've got more availability, right? Right. Because right. they they got these different you know factors that they can they can uh, assess by, and it's like, well, he's not a fucking drug dealer. He has a stable job, and he you know he might drive a nice car. That's my my three factors. Great. Um, he's he's my man. Whereas yeah. in the city, obviously, and also online and the younger generation, it's like they they have to like women have. Not women, but this is American women now. So it's like, this is where it was from. But I saw a video, where it was like, a woman was like, oh, my guy has to earn a million dollars. It's like, yeah. just that on income, you don't even talk about your height. Like, because you, you have to start doing like small pools and pools. Yeah, like, you're talking a six about point, two men, 0.5% of men. And then earn over, let's say, let's say $300,000. A six foot two guy earning over $300,000 and he's under the age of 30. And uh, a dickhead. Right. Well, they don't care about that. They don't. They probably don't care about Everyone. that. Yeah. So and that's, it's like, but it's such a small number of people. Yeah, and that that comes back to evolution. Like you want to be with a man or a partner who's going to provide the most benefit. And obviously, like that doesn't necessarily mean the most physically attractive person in the world. Like you said, mm -hmm. really course. attractive, like country woman with a thumb of a man. <coughs> oh, Perfect sorry, wording. excuse me. Um, <laughs> what was that? Perfect. Perfect wording from Reagan there. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was very yeah. good. Um, but he can provide a safe, stable life. And that's mm -hmm. why the woman goes with him. Like Lauren, for example, she's five foot one, five foot two. I'm five eleven, bigger than the average dude. Evolutionary. Or yeah, evolutionary monkey brain is going thumbs up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, like when Lauren and I first started dating, like one of the things that drew her towards me was the fact that one I had a decent level of confidence and two I have ambitions there are things I want to do yep. in life and if you talk to a bloke and he's like ah oh, I don't really know what I want to do I want to drive a nice car fuck knows how I'm going to make the money I'll live with my NPC. parents forever it's not a very fuck I feel like I'm Andrew Tate here it's not the most desirable companion to be with um, no. 
but if someone has either is currently making money or has the ambition to make money protect you feed you clothe you feed your offspring it just makes more sense yeah that's it's a good option how it is yeah yeah it, it is but, it is quite funny that people find evolution um offensive hot take. You know, Offensive, controversial, whatever you want to say. It's it's yeah. it's yeah, quite funny. Very lukewarm take, I would say, Reagan. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> their their take for sure. They're, oh, their take is a hot like, take. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's and then like the thing is like, it's always funny to me that like, women can choose what they want. Um. And then almost no questions asked. Like a guy can't really, or they can control their height to an extent you can do some shit to make yourself taller uh but like then a guy says well you know you have to be no bigger than a size 14 which is really realistically speaking like pretty, pretty reasonable pretty reasonable even a 16 and then that's 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 not that's against the rules that's off limits yeah, well, and it's like well with that it's like obviously there's a reason why i'm just going to pull this out of my ass it might not be true the majority of men would prefer women who are on the skinny side, lower body fat side of things, and that's because they're biologically, physically, for the most part, on average, healthier. Um, yes. But at the same time, like you have like Polynesian or Islander people, they might be a size sixteen or seventeen or twenty, but they're as healthy as someone mm-hmm. who's a size twelve, just because there's the genetic differences, and then you've also got to take into account people's feelings and all that shit that doesn't really matter um, uh, but but then again you're gonna have people who will select that right so a lot of people like mm-hmm. mostly live like there's a part of evolution where you are attracted to someone who looks like you right so if you're blonde haired <laughs> blue eyed like yeah. I am I'm attracted more attracted I, I, on average this is the studies that is like on average I'll get more rock or rock more rocked from blonde haired blue eyes girls so if you're a yeah, Polynesian guy sense. you're gonna get more rocked by uh, Polynesian women yeah, yeah. That's so that's, that's typically... Yeah. And I think so, people also... Sorry, Reagan. Um, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, if you've got an athletic man who's like had an athletic... You know, say they're from Canada. They, their parents were farmers. They're not going to want to be around uh, a troll under a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> and that comes down to lifestyle as well because they're going to live there as a very different way. And that comes down to uh, like suitability and everything with partners. It's a pretty good biometric to like assess someone's lifestyles. Like it's, it'd be pretty yeah. odd to go, oh yeah, this person's got the same lifestyles to me. They're five foot one, I'm six foot three, and she's heavier than me. Like you're gonna be like, well, we're not gonna have the same lifestyles, are we? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> like there, there are obviously like with everything, like parts where it's like, let's say women with PCOS where their thyroid hormone. Like they're in a state of hypothyroidism, so they're essentially their, their metabolism slower because they're not producing as much T3 I've got and T4. A question for that. All right, I'll, we'll see if I've got go, my go, answer. Go, go for it. Um, and their metabolism is simply slower, so whilst it's still possible to lose weight, hot take again, it's just harder because they have to eat less and move more. It's just again, mm-hmm. in that sense, math, but just harder. Um, mm-hmm. They might be living a really healthy lifestyle, but. It just doesn't look like it because they're dealing with those extra kind of issues. But again, for the most part, yeah, typically that's how it goes. Yeah. It, it, it not saying it's not impossible, but there's a lot of people who uh, kind of dismiss like calories. And obviously, Tim and I had to talk about this before the show, but uh, like 2,200 calories or 8,700 kilojoules is not going to be the same for every single person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so your calorie intake, you would lose weight. At the start, at what I'm eating today, which is sustain. Um, so, 
people think that calories isn't actually, which is a shit take, is not the uh, a good metric to lose weight. So if you're eating mm-hmm. an almond a day, and I think Lizzo said she ate like you know a couple, a handful of almonds a day, and she couldn't lose weight. Um, that's because almonds was, aren't exactly no, um, it was nutrient dense. Yeah. But she was saying that she wouldn't lose weight on that, but it was just mm-hmm. really odd because it's like if you're proposing that you're eating 800 calories a day, which I think, uh, I can't remember, someone, someone did like an analysis on the video, basically what she recounted through her day. It's like if you're <laughs> eating that. Um, they counted the fucking arm and she pulled out a plate or something. Pretty oh, much like that. So it's like if you're, if that's your recount of your day, like there's no way that you can't lose weight on that diet. So either you're lying to us yeah. or you're eating more than your proportions you did on that well, day. That's the thing with out like excluding people like myself who track what they eat, they eat a certain amount a certain mm-hmm. day, like that kind of population. The general population, what they eat fluctuates day to day. So some days Lizzo might eat, even though it's not a good choice for weight loss, three handfuls of almonds. Um and so I'd not they're not a good choice for weight loss because they're very calorically no. dense so it's easy to overeat nuts essentially um and whilst they have healthy fats still calories but anyways um but then the next day she might go out for dinner with friends after a concert and eat like 2,000 calories six like, cheeseburgers for example yeah like you just don't know it's like why when people say oh I can't lose weight my coach gives me these calories and this is something I've dealt with before they eat really well during the week then they go out and fuck it all up on the weekends it's because it's not consistent it's that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, like in Lizzo's case, that's likely what is happening. And there might be some thyroid issues or other health issues there that are causing it to be harder for her to lose weight. But ultimately, yes, to sort of kickstart the conversation, it does come down to calories at the gotcha. end of the day. So, so would you say calories are more of a guideline or a rule? Like, within it, like because there's, you know, an exception like the thyroid's the simplest one. Yeah. Um, you know, people go like, yeah, look, I was counting, like you said, to, you know, disclose, you know, mm-hmm. discover those people. What if someone was tracking their calories and they're like, look, I was eating 1,800, I'm five foot six and I was doing the work and this is what I should be eating and I just wasn't losing weight. Like, is that... Just keep going down. Keep bringing that number down, bad boy. Similar to what we did. Uh, yes and no to both of what you guys said. So just to quickly what Reagan said bringing like the whole like 1200 calorie rule where anything below that's unhealthy is stupid like you'll look at some bikini competitors they'll finish their prep on 700 calories a day because that's what's physiologically required to get down to that like condition that they need to be in that's how it is some blokes finish prep on 1300 calories a day that's just how it is um but you've got to factor in the more than the physical side effects or just the physical effects of eating less with the mm. detriment to mental health, uh, relationship with food or that kind of stuff. What, of course. Again, like going back to the fat gain side of things, once you hit a point, that's when it's unhealthy and you need to look at potentially increasing output. And that's like what's happening in that situation where the person's eating as much as they should be, but they're not factoring in, well, either they're not tracking properly, which is very common and I see it quite often, or they're just not matching that input and the output and it's the output's just really low because they don't have a lot of energy because they're not eating a lot of foods they're not moving they're sitting at their desk all day they might go and burn 500 calories in an f45 glass then go home sit on the couch watch tv go to bed what can you do to improve that to improve your output 
uh, your well, you got your T yeah, your TDE as well as yeah, because yeah, I assume it's people will say to say that like eating more often can yeah. increase your meta- metabolism. Uh, um, not really. Um, like no? I'm not one hundred percent on it. Not really qualified to talk about it, but to my knowledge, no, it doesn't have an effect on metabolism. Um, the easiest way to increase your metabolism is to do what some enhanced bodybuilders do and inject T3 and T4. That's going to boost it. Um, oh. Or put yourself in some sort of, give yourself a medical condition. But the best ways to get around when you're at a calorie amount that you've been told is what you should be eating, uh, but it's just not working, is to one, to an extent, like I said, eat less. Keep decreasing that food by 100 calories a week, so like 25 grams of carb, for example. Um until that scale starts to move. Alternatively, you can increase your output. Something I like to get clients to do is go for a 10-minute walk after every meal. Let's say you eat five meals a day. That's an extra five that's, that's steps. A, that's a big one there, by the way. Yeah, and it's also really beneficial for digestion. Um, <laughs> helps keep your insulin, or not, not your insulin, sorry, your blood glucose down to an extent. Like it's not going to spike yep. too much because you're, you're using it straight away, essentially. Um, and there's just, even like, standing at a desk like the desk that my laptop my monitor's on is a standing one Stand desk. that goes up and down it's like on top of my desk so if I'm like tomorrow I'm not training I have no work I'm just doing like admin backdoor kind of stuff I'll stand up because it's going to mean that I'm using more energy I'm metabolizing more nutrients essentially um, mm-hmm. so it's really at the end of the day it's an equation of output versus input Sure, not all calories are the same. Like sugar alcohols aren't the same as like a regular carbohydrate, for example. Mm-hmm. But it's all math. If you're not losing weight, it's because you're not in a deficit. If you're at a calorie input and output that you think you should be losing weight on, but you're not, there might be some sort of hormonal or just health issue. But ultimately, it comes down to you're not eating enough or you're not moving enough. So you're not eating yep. little enough or moving enough, essentially. Mm. Okay. So here's a warm take question. Gotcha. Do you think calorie counting as a male who's trying to get bigger in the gym is a mental illness? Similar no. to how they see uh, like anorexia. They, they, kind of they see that as the same, like one-to-one. And they, they're trying to say and suggest that Who's they? Like, and I'm not even pushing buttons. I genuinely have not heard that. Are they really trying think, to say that now? It's basically yeah. a think tank because the whole the whole fat phobia thing with uh, <laughs> training, being fit is fat phobic. I got gotcha. um, It was only a matter of time before it got here, I guess. Yeah. May, and then because that didn't work, because a lot of guys were like, "Yeah, okay, cool." Yeah. Um, yeah, they're now trying much. to say that we don't have health issues or mental health issues with with food. You do. You, yeah. You're fixated. You're fixated on weight. <laughs> Literally textbook projecting. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, for the majority of people, no. I wouldn't classify tracking tracking as itself is not a mental health issue. It's not an eating disorder. Nothing. Nothing like that. But with eating disorders, it's about not being in control. That's mm-hmm. what an eating disorder is. Like with That's, anorexia, yeah. where you, you have can't that, stop like, it tonight. Yeah, like you have that fear of food, for example. That's not going to stop. Like it can, but it takes work. It takes um, like not re- or rehabilitation, I guess might be the best way to put it. Same with bulimia. Same with 
any other kind of eating disorder, any kind of condition. With tracking, I've got all my food for the day tracked. I can delete that and eat whatever the fuck I want. Like, obviously, I know it's not beneficial for my goals, so I'm probably not going to do that. But I can stop at any second. Um, <laughs> where That's what I any it... meth addict says. <laughs> Damn, you got me there, it. Tim. Yeah, um, but where that kind of to an extent flips maybe not a full 360 or not a full 180 but maybe like a i don't know 135 degrees kind of thing sorry it's raining really hard yeah yeah Um, Yeah, that's right so where that kind of flips partially is when it becomes obsessive and it happens when people track their food well that's the component yeah they don't know how to live their life without tracking food that's when it's unhealthy they're saying they're saying bodybuilding is obsessive so it's yes, the, it, the it goal. Is. And it is, yeah. Bodybuilding which is, which is they're obsessive. saying they're saying the bodybuilding aspect of the fact that you're trying to get to a certain size is the obsessive part which makes it an eating disorder. So irrespective of the outcome, it's the obsessiveness. Why do why do women make makeup on in the morning before they leave the house? Eating disorder. It's I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they want to look a certain way. Why do yeah. why does anyone do anything? It's because you want to. That action leads to a certain, well, goal. for the most part, that that's interesting. Actually, go. That's like I get out of bed because I have to go and take another two, right? Take a dump. I have to do. I I have to get to get from A to C. I have to do B to get from yep. my current physique to where I want to be. I have to do B, which is the training, the nutrition, the lifestyle. When it comes to something like bodybuilding or just any kind of goal where you want to be the best of the best, or it's a very specialized kind of goal, there is an element of obsession with it. You're not going to become, like Usain Bolt wasn't the best printer in the world because he was like, eh, I'm going to go run two days. Every now and then, right. Yeah. He's obsessed black. about it. <laughs> <laughs> element of truth about that, true. To an Genetic extent, advantage. and that's again, evolutionary. Yes. Um, but he obsessed about it. Ronnie Coleman obsessed about it. Arnold Schwarzenegger, yep. uh, Noga obsessed about it. I'm just going to get around that <laughs> to achieve Smooth. any extreme goal. You have to be obsessive, and I will be the first person to tell you: bodybuilding towards like the end of a prep isn't healthy. The point, but of is it an eating stuff, disorder? No. Well. If you no. define it how they do, then how are you so going to let... get around it? But, <laughs> but how know, they define it isn't an eating disorder. disorder. Right, exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, there's also there's a monetary benefit to that as well. So I, don't, I can't... Now, I'm not saying this This is different for models, but like if you're a, mm. a model and you're getting paid for it, you're getting paid to look a certain way, Is yep. I, I don't know whether that would be an eating disorder if you're getting paid to, to have a performance... Again, it comes down to the control because so I'll... an eating disorder. I'll quickly touch on this definition. An eating disorder is a mental yep. d- disorder defined by abnormal eating behaviours that negatively affect a person's physical or mental health. Yeah, the definition of abnormal is going to make that just about fucking anything. So yeah. whatever. And for a lot of people, the way like I live my life is abnormal. The right. fact that I rock up to a barbecue. But to negatively affect your physical that's... or mental health. With bodybuilding is well. a really grey area or like a really tricky example here because it's a sport. As a whole, it's really beneficial. You develop mental discipline. Your mental health, for the most part, improves. Uh, you become fitter. You become healthier. 
everything's good, right? You get more puss. That's for sure. Yes, if you're not an absolute dickhead. Um, but <laughs> when it comes yeah. down to the competing side of things, like with strongman, like with powerlifting, like with anything, you push your body to the extreme to get there. Mm-hmm. And the things you do to get there aren't typically healthy. Like it's controlled starvation. But and that's the key. Is it not right a sport there. though, Sam? It is. Body but it's just being... But just being a sport doesn't necessarily make it healthy or not. Look at Eddie Hall. The dude that's literally almost, yeah. he almost oh, no, that's, died. That's what I'm saying. Like when it's, yeah. Yeah. when you're trying to be the best of the best, nine times out of 10, it's not. You're pushing your body be beyond. Yeah. You're yeah. obsessive. It's all that matters. Eddie Hall, like you said, Tim, almost like he blacked out. He couldn't see when he was holding that 500 kilo deadlift. Yeah. Dude has taken 20 years of his life being the size he was. Roddy Coleman will die at like Same 65, thing. 70. That's why we see like a lot of bodybuilders in the last five years have kicked the bucket because yeah. they've pushed their bodies to a limit mm-hmm. that they shouldn't have hit. Um, yeah. But like what I was saying before with bodybuilding prep being controlled starvation, the key word is controlled. If you mm-hmm. finish prep and you binge it on everything in sight, then you feel guilty and you purge and you repeat that, you're not in control. But again... That's not the bodybuilding lifestyle. The bodybuilding lifestyle is you compete, you go on a recovery diet, you regain a bit of your body weight, everything is controlled. When it's not controlled, yes, I would say it's an eating disorder. But But people would argue that's enablers, so it's still not healthy. I I don't know. I'm just trying to be a... It's it's not. Well, I'm still man, but uh, I'm still man on the other side of the argument or basically being on the offense. It's good you're doing that, but it's bodybuilding... Like right now, what I'm doing, I'm losing weight. I'm getting healthier. It's healthy. Hopping on stage isn't. Anyone that tells mm. you that it is, is in my opinion, just stupid. They're not smart. Um, or they're lying to themselves to make themselves feel better. But it's the same with pushing your body to any extreme, whether it's jumping out of a plane, fighting a bear like the Russians do, or hopping on stage. It's not healthy, but it's mm. controlled. And that's that yep. key element where when you lose that control... Yes. Like, if you're binging on foods because your hunger hormones, like your ghrelin and your leptin, are all skewed and out of whack and you have no, like, hunger signaling anymore or satiety signaling, and you just binge, purge, binge, purge because the guilt. Yep. Yeah. 100%. I would say that's an eating disorder, but the average person in the gym who's just tracking food, like, let's say, like yourself, for example, you weren't mm-hmm. looking at hopping on stage, you just wanted to look really aesthetic. Yeah. That's not unhealthy. If anything, it's making you healthier than the average person. Like that yep. A to B to C is. But when you lose control of the behaviors and the habits you're using to get there, that's when it's unhealthy. Like if you can't go outside and eat anything off plan or not tracked because it causes anxiety, that's the problems. Yeah. And not yeah. and like again, it's, it's not because you have control. Or, exactly. You know, willpower. It's, Control is the key word. When you lose control, that's when it's not a lifestyle or for the sport. That's when there is an issue that needs to be addressed. Um, And that's why, even though I've never competed myself, I still give my take on this because it's common sense. Having a slice of cake or a donut or some sushi post-show, sick. Reward yourself. You worked really hard. You did an amazing job. You deserve it. 
but don't go and binge on an entire box of donuts, for example. Like people that bring boxes of donuts or cupcakes to a bodybuilding show for their friend who just competed, that's enabling horrible behavior because you're in a very vulnerable state to develop an eating disorder and lose that emotional as well exactly like you're everything is fucked when you like if you're genuinely shredded and it's you're like you've only done it a few times you're vulnerable to developing eating disorder did you move it yeah Again. Yeah, that, that that's what sold it to me because I I never yeah. heard of like people being vulnerable. But that guy's a fucking he's great, and he was yeah, like in such a like it. a what what did he say? I didn't hear about this. Uh, he did when he did his competition. He was just you know like he, you could just see, and I haven't done any like post post reviews on it, so he may have spoken about it on a, a podcast or something or on his own channel. But you could see that he was just like not there, like he was really yeah. emo- in a very emotional state. Um, before and after the show. Yeah, because you're you're essentially in like a you're in your sympathetic nervous system, right? Your body's yep. like, I'm gonna die. Fight or flight. Yeah, like I need to eat food, I need to sleep, I can't walk, I need to conserve energy, I need to do all this kind of stuff. And that causes vulnerabilities mentally, emotionally plus the emotional vulnerabilities. Food. Yeah. And like physically as well, you like your body's a mess, you're fatigued as hell. Like, it's just bringing very palatable foods to someone who's just starved themselves in a controlled manner for four to six months is dumb. And whilst there are good intentions behind it, it should be made a lot more clear to the general population or just the gym population, people who are going to attend these events, that you just don't do that. Because that's what's going to cause that eating disorder. You've got to give your friends those six Krispy Kremes. They're going to eat them within five minutes because they've eaten the most plain like unpalatable foods for the last four to six months yep. they're gonna dig into them and if you're encouraging it like in a sense peer pressuring it mm-hmm. it's gonna happen and it might not seem sorry i'm getting really worked up here it might not seem <laughs> like peer pressure but yeah if you let's say you're out with mates and like let's say the three of us are out and i'm like i'm not gonna drink tonight i have work in the morning and you guys are like oh come on sam have some fun I'm not in a vulnerable state. It's going to take a lot more than that to break me. But if someone's in the state yeah. you are when you've just finished your cat died, show, then we'll get him. Exactly. Like it's your like when you you guys are pressuring me to drink. Not that you do, by the way. Just for everyone watching and listening, my like vulnerability is th- like not sorry. It's through the floor. Like I'm not vulnerable. I'm secure. I'm happy. I'm healthy. When I've competed, like you you. Securities down. down here, like yeah, yeah, your willpower to resist encouragement is a lot lower, so the bar for peer pressure is a lot lower, and it's again what enables that development of an eating disorder post comp, um, yep. which isn't it's beginning to be addressed a lot, but it doesn't help when people on the other side of this kind of argument, like the sort of role that you're playing here, Reagan, say that my allies food. <laughs> so that tracking food is an eating disorder because then people go oh wait like fuck like is what I'm doing unhealthy like am I hurting myself but in reality like you said it could be a case of projection it could be a case of those people just aren't informed because bodybuilding and just training as a whole and tracking it's a niche the majority of people don't do it mm. um, so people just aren't well informed about it like if you asked me yeah you go Tim Sorry, I, I was sorry. I was thought you finished. Um, go for it. 
Uh, to to not to put a you know a bow tie on this, but would you say that there's two questions here? Would you say that people that say they're at the gym, let's just say they're normally they never want to compete, mm-hmm. just give me a yes or no because I'll follow it up with a good one. Do you think yeah. that those people that don't want to compete but they're trying to use you know bodybuilding kind of strategies, you know hypertrophy training? Yeah. Do you think those people shouldn't say, oh, I'm bodybuilding training? Like they should just maybe say, oh, I'm training for aesthetics or something like that? Um, I think a good way to look at it is regarding their training techniques, that's hypertrophy-based training. Like that's the scientific term for it. When you lift weights and you progressively overload, you're eliciting a hypertrophic stimulus. Hyper- yeah, and, and we should explain what that is for people that have no idea what that means. Yeah, so hypertrophy is like, it's bodybuilding training essentially. So like with attention, like um, ADHD, attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Hyper means like more than essentially. Hypo is less than, which is the hyper and hypothyroidism we were talking about before. Hyper, mm-hmm. your thyroid's really active. Hypo, it's not. So when you're lifting for hypertrophy or for like using bodybuilding methods, <sighs> I don't, this, this just for, thing, like if for, for context, I was going to say, cause if we could narrow it down and say, actually the people that say, oh yeah, I'm bodybuilding training, but you're like, well, this amount of people aren't even going to compete. 95% of people are training this way because they're teenagers or young 20 year old guys. And they just want to yeah. put on muscle for two years. And then they're going to probably transition from, you know, putting on muscle to maybe strength training or get into cutting or something else, that. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Or just stop and quit altogether whatever it is, and we just say, okay, there's only 5% of people that are actually bodybuilding and actually training for that to compete. I think that's still overblown. It's probably not even 5%. It's probably more like one, and that's mm-hmm. probably bumping it up. But let's just say that 1%, like, and I'm playing a little bit of a inflammatory question, would you say that's unhealthy and not unhealthy in a bad way? Because I think plenty of things, like we said, unhealthy things are sometimes useful and people going for people that were great people in the past probably didn't do healthy things and yep. that's not necessarily a bad thing um, as long as like you said it's in control and they're self-aware and yada 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 but would you say if we got rid of the whole normie people and the one percent of people that are bodybuilding would you say bodybuilding is an unhealthy sport or would you just say part of it is where it's the end bit and maybe the yeah. bulking bit when they've got too much weight on them but somewhere in between it's probably itself healthy and therefore the whole sport as a whole is not equal is not yes. unhealthy. I think overall bodybuilding is a healthy sport, but either end of the spectrum is when it's unhealthy. When you're really lean towards the end of prep where you've just finished unhealthy, when you're when you've pushed your mass too far and you've run out of like runway, if you will, to continue <laughs> your mass and right. size, like that's when it's unhealthy. Yes. And it's either end of the spectrum everything's low and shutting down everything's too high over here for like just to summarize it but overall i do think bodybuilding is healthy the habits that it teaches you and the behaviors that you develop and the very mental sport yeah 100 percent. i was thinking about it just now it's It's 100 percent commitment 100 percent. yeah more of it's about commitment than actually the performance of it right like you you spend a certain amount of time at the gym but Everything yeah. else involved in your life, sleep and eating. That's why non- people don't think it's a sport because the competition yep. is the 
collectively, maybe if there's a lot of judging, because it, like, it's a really good lineup, maybe it's 90 minutes to two hours that you're on stage across mm-hmm. multiple divisions and categories. Right. But it's the same with footy. Like, let's say you play a footy game once a week, you still train twice a week. Yeah. With bodybuilding, it's and a slightly different... And you eat and have a diet around that. Yeah, like, it's, it's a slightly different ratio with bodybuilding because the lifestyle, day-to-day aspects of bodybuilding are a lot more intense than they are with mm. a sport like football, 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 table tennis, tennis, whatever. They're still lifestyle components, but bodybuilding is chess. 24-7. No, I was going to um, say chess, yeah. Yeah, yeah even then. Small competition time, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, you, be, like you don't like, necessarily need to be eating a specific diet for chair. Yeah. yeah. And like if we were look at it like to like put a number on the ratio, we could say bodybuilding is like one competition to 364 training sessions. For example, saying you train every day but the comp, whereas football is one match to two training sessions. It's mm-hmm. a very different ratio, but it's still a sport. You have to work just as hard in a different way to get to stage. Um, and to compete because you don't say, oh, I'm going to go um, hop up on stage and dance, even though it's with some categories, it's part of it, but you hop on stage to compete. It's a sport, mm. like plain and simple. Um, but with using bodybuilding techniques for the general population, so just like the average person who's not hopping on stage, the bodybuilding techniques that aren't getting to 4% body fat, I can't get my dick up kind of lean right not healthy of course the getting really uh like overfeeding yourself getting like more fat than you need to getting more fat mass than you should not healthy but overall like without overall the sport is healthy overall those habits are healthy but again mm-hmm. it's i would say one of the most internally dangerous sports whereas like let's say uh base jumping if you could call that a sport that's a dangerous sport race car driving is physically dangerous to you externally bodybuilding is a lot more dangerous internally you are a lot more risk of developing mental disorders and emotional disorders and all that kind of stuff um Mm -hmm. and and it degrees physiological disorders at a later age like you would in uh if you but it's actually doing it as a job right why would you be doing it competitively for a long time if you're shit at it right and that's why um, when people come to me and say, hey, Sam, do you think I should hop on gear? I'm like, are you planning on competing? No, don't hop on gear. Because that's pushing it to the extreme and really, in my opinion, shouldn't hop on gear because of all the negative effects it has on your body unless you want to... What happens if you underperform in the training? What happens if you underperform in the training and you don't get the results of what uh, Ronnie Coleman would? So you're getting subpar, subpar training with the, uh, the extra juice. <laughs> So what, about then? what about then, what, my when friend? You, when you're on gear, but you're training like shit. Yep. You're just dumb. You shouldn't hop of on course. gear unless you know what you're doing. But most people think they know what they're doing, but they don't. So it's just... But you've got to have <laughs> better results than if you weren't on gear, though. Not necessarily. Like, you look at... If you look at the best genetic specimen of natural bodybuilders compared to the worst responder to everything, including, like, your... Um, Oh, what's the term? Your anabolic androgenic steroids, whatever the term is, like AAS, like gear. The best natural competitor probably looks better than the worst enhanced competitor. Oh, for so sure. There oh, is... Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. So I'm just, just saying, like me gear... training, 
now mm-hmm. versus me if I was training with gear. Right. I feel like right. I had better results with gear, even if my yeah. training sessions the didn't go harder. The individual person would, because all gear does yeah. Yeah, is enhance you and your habits. It's like how being drunk, your personality comes out more. Your mm-hmm. genetic, not limitations, but just you as a person to physically develop more um, and mm-hmm. how your training is going to reflect that and how you're eating as yep. well. Um, gotcha. But yeah, like gear's a whole other topic and that's probably yeah. one that the majority of people don't really care about. Yeah, let's get a bit personal with you and we don't sure. need a deep deep dive, but you said um, you were powerlifting, but now you're into bodybuilding and you haven't competed. Can you give us the timeline of, I don't know if you want yeah. to say your professional, your amateur career, what, what's the go there? <laughs> I'd hardly call it a career, but I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so like I said, I started training in October of 2016. And that's when, like I started training because I was, like I mentioned before, I was quite overweight, like bordering, probably obese kind of thing. Um, and I got into the gym because my older brother, just tough love, relentlessly, I broke. I started lifting, losing weight, all that kind of stuff. Then I joined the gym. I got into the gym for aesthetics and calisthenics and all that kind of shit. And then, like, most My people got into... For, it quickly changed. And then got into being big and strong. Um, and then, like a lot of people tend to, you kind of dip your toe into different types of lifting. Um, like Almost like different, like, play styles within a video game, for example. Um, yeah, good way to put it. And I dipped my toe into powerlifting. I ran powerlifting programs. I did your squat bench and deadlift accessories. I had your deadlift slippers, um, your knee sleeves. Not the knee sleeves are powerlifting specific, but it was powerlifting. Amateur powerlifters reason... the worst. <laughs> Don't get me started there. Some, like some are really good, but so yeah, same with bodybuilding. Some amateur bodybuilding's not that great. Um, yeah, of course. But yeah, so that was year sort of ten, I'd say. Um, and then at the end of year 10, I got a new job, a different fast food place, and I gained a lot of weight. Um, and I kind of used powerlifting as an excuse to get fat. Of course, Um, of course, yeah. Standard. Yeah. And that was the same time as well that Tom, my brother, had begun his competition prep. Um, and Tom noticed the excessive weight gain and rapid weight gain. And he was like, hey, like reach out to my coach i'm sure it could help so i reached out to him started working with him he controlled my training nutrition everything and i lost eight kilos 10 kilos over like several to like several months like half a year kind of thing um and that's when i started to shift away from the specific powerlifting sort of training and more the power building where how i like to describe it is you just can't tell if you want to be a bodybuilder or a powerlifter so you just Mm -hmm. did both it's the like yeah. compromise essentially, which is never going to be the best for long-term prog- progress unless you're a genetic freak. But that's where I was, and I enjoyed being there for a bit. Um, but I kept getting injured. I think is the best way to put it. Uh, like I had some disc issues um, in September of 2020. So in like year 12, I was bed bound for about a week after deadlifting and pushing that too far. Um, Recently, uh, like in January, on January 27th of this year, I tore my meniscus just warming up for squats. Um, I had injured Damn, my shoulder. just warming up. Yeah, oh it, there gosh. was a lot of factors that contributed to it, but that was the icing on the cake. Um, and I just noticed, and this is just, this is the documented fact with powerlifting and just more strength training, my rate of injuries was a lot higher. Um, mm. And that's, that's a case of if you look at 
injuries per thousand minutes spent training in strongman it's here powerlifting it's here bodybuilding it's here and that's mm. generally because of the average load exposure or load you're exposed to um so i, I kind of realized it was really at the start of this year when although i was going to compete i started to move away from your bigger compound movements like your barbell squat your barbell bench and your barbell deadlift and said hey this is my goal doing this isn't productive i'm pushing it too far i'm hurting myself like i had to take five months off of leg training and lost considerable progress through my quads yeah. and my hamstrings because of my injury it's not beneficial so make a choice essentially um and a lot of the reason i held on to that sort of power building phase or lifestyle was because like a lot of people have but don't want to admit i had that emotional attachment to the like your barbell deadlift and squat and bench like a lot of people when they first the big three develop. For sure. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. compounds deadlifts like, though ugh, get it out of here get that shit out of here you're a pussy um fuck deadlifts. I, i've got a interior but i've got a got short arms tilt. i got a, a shelf ass man you're a t-rex bro that's right i got a, um, I got a shit shelf bump too but yeah so i'd yeah, like I, I like whilst I was power building, I like I was power building during my fatless phase last year. Before that, when I was planning on competing, I had a date in mind, a competition, all that kind of stuff. But I really just realised that if I actually want to be successful, I need to like what we we're talking about before, being obsessive. You can't split yourself across multiple things. Like you lose a balance when you want to be really good at one thing, yeah, and it's yeah. not a case of I've sacrificed relationships and like education that kind of stuff to focus on bodybuilding but i mm -hmm. stopped doing other types of training and focused on just doing things that are beneficial towards bodybuilding um yeah and that was honestly that's been the last sort of six months when that's transition is finally finished where like i don't do barbell deadlifts or i don't do conventional deadlifts anymore because they're not the best exercise for muscle growth they're not a great back builder they're a great exercise and i love doing them but the fatigue that you accumulate from doing them is intense and, and i'm built to deadlift too like i have long arms it still fucks with me um you're like it's just it's just not the best exercise your when you it's not the most well, optimal. Yeah. some didn't eddie hall say was eddie hall someone said basically uh if you're not trained to become the best deadlifter don't do deadlifts uh, like there's yeah, much better um, thing to Robert do to train your Oberst. yeah that's, like the, one. Oberst, yeah, that's the one yeah i don't agree with I agree with him specifically. It's that's because you hate deadlifting, but it's not a case of the injury, like risk isn't worth it. Like if you like deadlifting, even if you have no reason to deadlift, deadlift. If you're just Gen Pop, deadlift. <laughs> like it, it's a, it's a. But I have exercise. no reason to deadlift. You don't have a gym membership, just fucking. Yeah. That doesn't deadlift mean rocks. Sticks and but rocks. At the same time like doing a barbell conventional deadlift compared to doing a barbell RDL or a stiff leg RDL like I do a stiff leg RDL is going to be a lot better for development of your posterior chain because you're putting more stress because of the angle of everything through your erectors which are the muscles that line your spine through your glutes through your hamstrings I thought and that one's more than the normal one unless I'm misunderstanding Sam I thought your stiff so leg a, a RDL Romanian is deadlift the... is no, no no so a conventional deadlift is when you pull from the floor um, like you're, you're at that kind of angle, like torso to hips kind of thing, and then you stand yeah, up. Yeah. An RDL is from the top 
down where you have like you don't bend your knees as much uh you don't touch the floor that kind of stuff yeah 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 okay i thought i thought that was that was the case i thought deadlifts were that that was because i've always done deadlifts like that where i've never tried to never touch the floor and i always was stiff leg yeah so what robert oberst was talking about what i was talking about too is conventional deadlifts from the floor and that's when you can lift the most weight and that's why the risk for injury is higher yeah, it's yep. just, it could be fatigue, it could be you're not doing it properly, a range of reasons. Um, Bit of a squat in there. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a leg pressy kind of movement to an extent, but that's a mm-hmm. different thing. Um, but yeah, like I, my training has never been this productive since I said, this is my goal. Doing like A, B, C, D, E to get to Z is the most beneficial way to do this. Doing a bunch of Greek symbols and numbers and shit on the side and like dollar signs to try to get myself to Z or to my goal isn't the smart way. Beneficial. Yeah, it's very obvious. These are the things that are beneficial to bodybuilding, macronutrient ranges, ways to train, ways to recover, um, cardio for cardiovascular health or that kind of stuff. Tunnel vision. Um, And when eventually... Mm -hmm it comes time for me to compete in several years. Like I will lose that life balance because I'll be obsessing over hopping on that stage. But for now I've made that switch to bodybuilding, but I'm living my life as well. Like, like I was saying at the start, like I'm only 20, I'm still young. I still go out with friends. I don't necessarily get smashed all the time. I make better choices, but I still live my life. Like, so, so in the last six months, You've 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 kind of come off the tail end of an injury, recovered off that, and you're like, all right, mm-hmm. fuck this, I'm gonna actually pick something. And you went bodybuilding. What yeah. was it? What was it for bodybuilding? Why were you like, well, I'm rather than doing powerbuilding, which is you know the combination um, of powerlifting, bodybuilding. You're like, fuck it, I'm doing this one, not powerlifting. Part of it was the injury side of things, being that injuries mm-hmm. are overall less prevalent in bodybuilding when bodybuilding is done right. Um, yeah. Another part of it's my brother. Um, like for those who don't know who my brother Tommy is or seen him or anything like that, we look very similar. We talk very similar. He, he deleted his Instagram stuff, by the way. Yeah, because he's gone. changed profession and everything. Yeah, so you'll never see that. But even if you look at his Instagram, you'll see, you'll see how similar we are. Um, and because of just our situation growing up, he was one of my main male role models. And I mm-hmm. look up to him a lot. Um, and in a way, it's kind of like hey, look at me, Tom, aren't you proud, if you will? Um, yep. Like, I'm doing what you did. And then Maybe you do uh, to say that as well. What do you mean? Like, I commend you for saying that as well, is to say, hey, this is my brother, I look up to him, and also, like, yeah. I not that I'm looking for his attention, but you're more or less get, get seeking his approval, which is, yeah, I commend you for saying that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Because um, it, it took me a while to kind of, like, admit to myself that, yeah. like, he's a key figure in my life because we didn't always get on because we were brothers um yeah well how much how much older is he than you uh he's two and a half years so i'm september of 2002 he's february of 2000 okay and are you do you did you have a dad at home or no not really so parents split when i was five um and then we went to our dad's house on like the weekends like every second week or that kind of stuff and it just didn't really work um Whilst we have a relationship with him now, he, I guess my opinion's biased because I'm a child of divorce. He put himself first. Gotcha. And that meant that we, 
I guess weren't, weren't first, and that made it right. yeah, and that it made it very difficult to want to be there. And when he found a new partner and started a new family and all that kind of stuff, like a lot of people go through. Um, right. mm-hmm. As a result, like, Tom, that's yeah, exactly how it felt. Um, but like Tom, he taught me how to lift. He taught me how to shave. He taught me how to eat properly. Um, he taught me how to. I guess just to summarize it all, like be a man, essentially. Like, right, right. Yep. Yeah, that's who totally, to. totally fits. Makes complete Which, sense. I've got so a question on I, that though. Um, yeah, go for it. Is it could that almost be better than having a weak dad? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm literally right. thinking about that. Like, I love my dad to bits, and uh, <laughs> he probably would be sad to hear this, but I think like he's a very um, soft character. Like, yeah, I love him to bits. Yeah, but like. If you had a strong, stoic, masculine, role, masculine, yeah. uh, I don't think it really matters by. whether it's your father Junior or a brother ages. or an uncle yeah. or someone. It's Most that strong masculine model. role model. Yeah, because my yeah. father's the same. He, whilst there are elements of me or elements of him in me, like I'm a lot more, I guess, in touch with my emotions and my feelings than like your average bloke which I'm grateful for because it makes being in a mm. like relationship easier. Um, easier. He doesn't like confrontation. Um, like he does let people walk over him all that kind of stuff. But having Tom yeah. and like Reagan, like, you know, Tom personally, you notice yep. him as a person. It doesn't happen with Tom. He's that mm-hmm. strong stoic, like yep. role model kind of thing. Um, so I hope he doesn't see this because as far as he's concerned, I think he's a fat fuck. Um, and and that's another reason as well is the competitive side of things like if I can hop on stage and I can do better than he did fucking oath Um, because I'm also like several centimetres shorter than him too he's 6'1 I'm 5'11 I have to have something that I'm better than him at essentially and given we have so many similar interests I've got to be Mm. better than him at one of them and hope for that's bodybuilding Um, but then as well thank you um as well, there's the looking good naked sort of things. Having been yes. really fat when I was younger, looking at myself in the mirror and going, hell yeah, that's yeah. a nice feeling. And that's a big that's drive cool. for why I live my life the way that I do and why I don't go to High the Street every fucking Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday and get smashed. Um, and then it's also the challenge and the purpose to an extent. Because um, while I'm sure exactly what career going to be it's going to be within this kind of realm of health and fitness whether it's coaching or working as a dietitian whatever it is um i have a passion for fitness and how i express this passion is through bodybuilding it's through physique mm. development um and it's it's just a nice feeling at the end of the day like you wake yeah, up your peak performance you right? Yeah, exactly. Like you see a new weight on the scale, you hit a new rep range, even when your form looks really good. There are so many elements of this kind of life that you can get positivity and happiness from. Where like if I was living the life I used to live when I was a kid and overweight and yada yada yada, like looking back, I I was happy. I liked the way I look. I just didn't. But that's all I knew. It's like Mm -hmm. how you can't know true happiness unless you've never gone through like true pain and sadness. That was much pain and sadness, that lifestyle. This lifestyle is that happiness. And I know it's happiness because I've experienced the complete opposite. Um, mm. And like I said, being able to take, like, my form looks really good today or, uh, like, my calves have grown because calves are a big thing for me. Um, 
or I'm genuinely <laughs> proud of myself for how I've Yeah, this but this myself. fucking guy made me do six calf exercises a week or something crazy. Four. It was like four Yeah. I'll pull it up right now. I'll pull up receipts. It was like three I think, or I think, four, I think. I think it was you train four days a week. Two 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 per two yeah, per, two per, per like upper session it would have been, yeah. Um yeah. But that's just because your calves need more volume because they're used constantly with walking and everything. Um, yeah. But... Calf raises makes me need to piss all the time. <laughs> really? Including... Yeah. We're, he's a weird man, too, I'm telling you. Um, I, 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 trust me, I know. But to, to summarize, like, bodybuilding yep. brings me happiness, I think is the best way to put it. I've met some amazing cool. people, like... I wouldn't have met either of you if I hadn't been in the gym on that exact day at that exact yep. time. Right. I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be working. I wouldn't like be working the job I am. I wouldn't have helped the people I've helped. Probably wouldn't have ended up with my current partner because she's also in the gym too. Mm-hmm. Fitness has brought me so much, or so many things, and bodybuilding specifically has done that. Um, and it's just fun too. Like, yeah, there's nothing more I love than hopping on the hack squat and just sending myself to hell or sending yeah. myself to heaven, however you want to look at it. And just knowing when I left the gym, it's like, fuck, I have three brain yeah. cells left. Yeah. But I pushed myself. How can you reframe? Yeah. How can you reframe? Because I, I see gym as a labor. Um, and I, I kind of always have. I wanted the goal of the outcome, yep. but I really thought it was such a labor to do it, particularly when you're going to those high, like, hypertrophic points where you're like you're you're exerting more energy and you're getting more like really i don't like that feeling i do yeah. not like that feeling whereas i had friends who literally would do leg press and throw up and go fuck yeah like afterwards that's the other end of the spectrum like i'm not even that far but but, but it, i didn't i don't like no. that no, so it's really hard not, for me to motivate except for the no. outcome to go to the gym that's the key factor there is like i wouldn't be in the gym if i didn't want to look a certain way or lift a certain way mm-hmm. no one would be in the gym if they didn't have some kind of goal um but when i guess in my case it's it's quite simple when there's that passion and that fire and that burning desire to grow and develop within this kind of space training's fun i like the way mm-hmm. like i like the pumps i like pushing myself in the sets and the sessions I like making other people do that too. It's something I enjoy. It's just another interest on top of it being you a can labor. Pumps. <laughs> Fuck's sake, Reagan. This is um, Tim's service. Realistically, it's not fan service. It's Tim's service. I see Tim smiling. He wants me to say something. It's, it's a labor. It's an yeah. action to get to a goal. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy that action. And that's what yep. makes it so easy for myself. And I wish I could say, hey, this is how you're going to love training. But I've had a, I've got a client who I've had for almost a year and a half now. He still sees training the same way as you do. It's a bit of a labor. It's hard work to do what he wants to do and achieve the goal he wants to. But ultimately, you're not going to do anything worthwhile doing if you're comfortable. You're going to be uncomfortable. It's going to suck at some point. It sucks for me. Like, right now, I'm really fucking hungry because I'm eating jack shit at the moment in my, like, aggressive mini-cut. It's not great, but it's an action or a labor required to achieve a goal. Yep. And that's all there is to it, really. Like, it's... Like I said, I wish I could say, this is how you love training. This is what you got to do. 
for some people it's an action or a labor to achieve a goal for, like for me and Christ, let's say developing my coaching business. I don't love standing at my desk doing all the back end admin kind of work. I'd much rather yeah. be on the gym floor. Or that's where I come into clients. play. Exactly. And doing all the fun shit that I enjoy, but that's part mm -hmm. of it. It's a labor required to achieve a goal. Like I'm not going to be a successful like fitness and physique coach if I don't do any kind of business development. Yep. I don't enjoy Speaking it, of that. Necessary. Yeah. What, what, what do you want to be? You said you're not sure exactly what you want to, where you're going to end up yeah. and you're at uni. Is it just a question mark? Nothing wrong with that. No, no. Like it's you not said a you're 20. Like, um, okay. That's the thing. Cause I've always had a very firm idea of what I want to do up until mm -hmm. I was about 13 or 14. I wanted to be a teacher. Um, and then I took a PE class in year eight as part of an assessment. And after that, I was like, I can't be a teacher. This sucks. Like I can't do it. Yeah. Um, and then being someone who always enjoyed like playing with guns and playing COD and always helping people and stuff. I'm like, how can I combine those two? Be a cop. How um, did you get from fucking playing COD and helping people? Speaking of guns, <laughs> it's, what are your I thoughts on Australian gun laws? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's right. I'm goofing. But no, no, I must say, look. 13, 14 year old Sam made that connection. Um, <laughs> and that's. Impressive. <laughs> he was a weird man, don't get me wrong. Yeah. A weird boy. Um, and it's just kind of gone from there. And that turned into at one point, like in year 12, the military, but I went against that one. Like I applied to ADFA, but given some mental health issues I was dealing with at the time, I was denied, which is understandable. Um, and because wow. I ended up in a relationship with Lauren, who I've been with for over two years now, um, I decided it wasn't the best course of action because like with Reagan, being a husband and a father and providing, is more important to me than going off and having my dream career. Like I'd much rather slug away at a job I hate to provide for my family. I feel the same sacrifices than, too. Yeah, then do a job I love and my family doesn't know who I am or like be deployed for a year at a time. Yep. Um, so I then shifted back to policing and then I started working as a PT out of school just during like a gap year before uni. Um, and then I started uni like started this year doing a degree in criminology. Um, but I got to the end of the semester and I was like, that genuinely sucked. I don't feel like I've learned anything. I didn't enjoy that. If I'm going to pay thousands of dollars to learn things, I'm going to enjoy it. Um, and you don't need a degree Fair enough. in criminology or law to be a cop. You can have one in sports science and you still get accepted. So I swapped over to human nutrition and I'm aiming at doing a mid-course transfer to dietetics. Um, and I think the end goal for me is work as a cop for several years because one it seems like a hell of a lot of fun i get to help people in a slightly different way to how i do now um and people. i also what was that you get a bit of drunk people yeah if that's part of it so be it um <laughs> but i also i kind of feel like and this is i guess quite emotional or whatever lovey-dovey here i owe it to my younger self because when i was younger mm -hmm. I like I dealt with really bad anxiety that because of just how the world was when I was growing up, even though it was only 10 years ago, wasn't seen as anxiety. It was seen as me just being a bit of a bitch and needing to toughen up and that kind of stuff. Like I got really homesick on camps. Um, to the oh, right. I didn't go on some camps or that kind of stuff. Wow. I was, okay. Looking back, it's very obvious it was anxiety. I dealt with anxiety my entire life and was only diagnosed at 17 years old kind of thing along with depression, um, which thankfully 
all in the back burner now. Um, Good to hear. But I owe it to... Thanks, man. Um, I owe it to my inner child, if you use that kind of psychological self-healing mm-hmm. kind of term, to do yep. that. Because not me, the person I am now, but the person I was let him down at so many stages. And being a product of divorce and you know, having role models and family members and friends let me down at different stages. Yep. I'm not going to do that to myself, if that makes sense is mental or whatever is that is. The little um, Sam out there, or the little Sam. Exactly. Yep, that's yeah, that's right. Little little chubby five-year-old Sam that got all the ladies. Um, yeah, that's right. That's a lie. I got no ladies. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's the plan for at least a couple of years. And the reason mm-hmm. I say a couple of years is because I'll finish uni at about 23, 24 years old. Will, Will being Lauren and I probably start having kids late 20s, early 30s, probably late 20s, probably a better bet. Um, Cause she got mad baby fever. Um, like I'm sure your girlfriends do as well. Um, Not anymore. I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss Christmases. I don't want to miss birthdays. I don't want to miss functions. Cause like I said, being there is much more important than having my dream job. So if I'm mm-hmm. a cop for several years, I live that part of my life. I tick that box. I sort of fulfill what my younger self wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then I move into with that nutrition degree or that dietetics degree, getting my masters and working as a dietitian and also working as a coach too. Um, Cause that's something cool. that I would love to keep going whilst working as a police officer, because um, mm-hmm. it's something that I genuinely enjoy and have a, like I've mentioned previously, have like a burning passion and desire for like to be in and to develop in. Um, so I can see myself coaching in some aspect from now until the day I die, but along mm-hmm. the way, there'll be hopefully working as a police officer for a bit, living that part of my life, working as a dietitian. Um, I'd love to, in that realm, help like overweight kids specifically, kind of come mm-hmm. full circle to that. Um, the dream would be to have my own facility where I've got my own like dietitian's consulting office kind of thing. And then also a gym out the back where I can coach, I can take a multifactorial approach to like overweight or obese clients where they come in, I help so them with the diet front. Exactly. Yeah. And then I also train them in the gym because like I saw a dietitian when I was younger and I was given those little portion control plates and bowls that every fat kid had. Um, but with the current research that's come out, it's very evident that for kids to be successful in weight loss, 99% of the time, the family needs to be involved and it can't just be the kid making changes because... Yeah, that's so odd. Yeah. Um, so what was that like then? So what was your eating habits as a kid? Were, were you just allowed free range of the pantry? Were you just fed too much? Like, well, what was the... Uh, I want to make something clear when I say this. I'm not blaming my mum in any regard, but because she was a single parent, she worked five days a week. So now, she'd leave home... Let, let me be clear, though. It mm. is her response. Like, as a child, it is her responsibility. Mm. So that's... And, and yeah. not to say, you know, she's a bad person, but it is her responsibility overall. Yeah, no, I agree in that sense. Um, I already phrased it in the sense I know by no means hate my mum. I love her. Yep. She's done a lot. But... When I was younger, you know, she'd get home at 6, 5.36 kind of thing. If I didn't have sport, I'd be home earlier. I'd be home at 3.45, 4 o'clock after walking home from school because we lived 15 minutes away. Um, and then I'd eat. Simple as that. I didn't move yeah. enough. I ate too much. And then on top of that, like, besides Tom, when it he was a comfort thing. the gym. Yeah, it, it was definitely a comfort thing, but 
until Tom started getting to the gym and developing the habits he developed, there was no one in my life that had good nutritional habits. habits. Like my mum's always been a bit overweight. My dad, whilst he trains and he did throughout my childhood, he wasn't overly involved and present, so it didn't have an influence on me. My grandma and my grandpa, just my family has no concept of nutrition. It's very frustrating having a conversation with it about them, uh, (laughs) them about it at the dinner table. Um, (laughs) So it was definitely a case of, I spent a lot of my time as a kid by myself and that's just how it worked out. Um, which sounds really sad now that I said out loud, but because I didn't have someone to talk to, I guess, like you said, Tim, I, I turned to food essentially. Um, and that's just, yeah, I guess that was the driving cause really. And Mm -hmm. even though like I was really active, I still played footy, like club and sport twice a week in the summer. I played club tennis and club, um, like in school tennis, like I was really active, especially with Tom sort of pushing me there. But at the end of the day, I was eating more than I was burning, mm-hmm. and the fat just piled on essentially. Yeah, gotcha. And so, just quick sidetrack. And this, mm-hmm. if this is too personal, tell me and Reagan I'm to fuck off. Uh, how's your relationship with Tom? Even though in your words he's a fat fuck, how's your relationship with him today? Um, it it's good. Like it's Good. the only complaint I have is that we don't spend a lot of time with each other. Like he's moved out of house or moved out of home. He owns his own yeah. house with his partner, Ella. Um, he's doing, is he still thing. in Adelaide? Yeah. Yeah. He lives okay. 10, 15 minutes up South road from me. So he's not cool. far away by any means, but he works 12 hours a day. Um, works like a dog. Like he's very successful for, for a reason. Um, but we just don't spend enough time together. I think that's the only complaint i'd have like we don't fight we send each other memes on instagram and snapchat um we take the piss out of each other and people in the fitness industry that we don't really like um <laughs> like it's it's i've good. got it's stuff kind of, i want to ask about that it's stuff it's like how most sibling relationships develop you're close when you're young you hit puberty you fight you throw each other into things you yep. come out as like yep. grown men and women and if you're lucky enough, I guess you're close. Yeah. Um, and that's where we are now. Like we went through a lot together when we were kids. Um, like there are, this might be TMI for a podcast, but there were plenty of nights like we'd be in our bedroom together, even though it would look like I'd be in his room because I would go in there because you, like we could hear like our parents fighting kind of thing. Yeah. So we went through a lot of that together. So as a result, I'd say we're closer than your average siblings who have had like the perfect upbringing. Um, yep. And even though we don't... Brothers in arms. Literally, yeah. Um, and you're close in age, which is a big deal. Yeah, yeah that definitely Because me and my yeah. brother, I'm I'm the youngest of three. I've got an older sister. Mm-hmm. She's 10 months older than me. And then my brother's about five years. Um, yeah. So it was pretty interesting in high school because he was year 12. And I was yeah, when you year, were seven, right. year eight. Yeah. So I was coming yeah. in and he was leaving kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I had the same kind of experience as you, you know, I got, you know, got beat up, got told you're a pussy. Uh, <laughs> if you keep acting like this, you're going to have no friends. You're a fat piece yeah, of shit. Yeah. You know? And, you know, no offense to my dad. It seems like we're all bagging our dads. I wonder if there's a connection. Yeah, um, uh, my dad... Uh, the joke, the joke always, and Reagan likes this. Bad times make strong men. Well, that that 
yeah, the circle there, the four circle. But my dad was always like, he's the gayest straight man we all know. Like, that was him. Like gotcha. everyone thought he was gay until like, mm. oh, he's not your uncle, he's your dad kind of thing. Like that was how gotcha. it was. Um, yep. So, yes, I can kind of relate with the, the masculine role model, though. Mm -hmm. um, I'm taller than my brother. I'm bigger than my brother. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I'm kind of protective of them now, which is quite the flip. Um, yeah. And he's a bit more of a kind of passive guy and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So I kind of shifted into the like, well, I guess I'm the older brother now. But anyway, that's a fucking, that's a tangent. We won't bother going down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, it's, we've got that kind of, it's very similar to like you and your siblings, Tim, in a sense that you're closer in age. So you're typically closer in like just your relationship. Um, and with Tom and I, we can go several weeks without talking in person on social media, anything, nothing changes. Like it's like that good right. sort of friendship or relationship kind of thing. Yeah, um, that's me and this guy. Yeah, exactly yeah. and it's like they're the relationships eight that months have. um <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a long time oh, yeah it's we just didn't talk for like a year and then we're just like hey you want to get lunch yep and then just nothing happened like yeah. it was just and that's, what it was like that's tom and i and like i will tell anyone like i owe him i he denies this because he's a very humble guy i owe him my life like if i didn't get pushed into training I probably would have ended up killing myself to be completely honest. Like my mental mm -hmm. health was bad even with training. So I can't imagine what it would have been like without it. Um, and I'd still be, if I was here at fat motherfucker, unhappy, single, probably not knowing what to do with myself, but having that yep. role model as Tom with the ambition and the drive that he did, I kind of sparked something yeah, to say just, the least wanted to like in wanting to be like tom i've developed that myself um because yep. when i was younger it used to be uh tom does all this i want to do that so i'll follow what he does but now it's i want to be like tom well it's not a case of i want to be like tom i'd like to think i am like him not in every sense because we're different people obviously but i have that drive and i have that passion that allowed him to be successful and it's allowing him to be successful and will lead to my it, it, hopefully is it more of a success is it more of a, a a successful person does X? So if I want to be a successful person, I I'm doing X. You know what I mean? Like so, it's not like yeah. I want to become like them. That's what it starts with. I like you know I want to become like Mark Wahlberg. So you idolize Mark Wahlberg, but then you start mm -hmm. realizing that what does Mark Wahlberg to be Mark Wahlberg? Then you realize yeah. then you write things that he does, and then you can see yeah, the pattern. it's those behaviors and those habits. Yeah, yeah. Because share yeah, success leaves clues. Um, yeah, and Tom. I like that quote. That's a sick quote. It, it's a good quote, yeah. I haven't heard that before. Myself, I'm writing that one down. That wasn't me. Um, I think I, I had that I, one. Was that from a bold I, guy who's got a YouTube channel? Uh, maybe. I have no idea. I've just okay, seen don't. it or heard it somewhere. What, Rich? Um, no, yeah, Rich. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's but, a fucking sick quote, by the way. It is. It is a really good one. And it's true. Like, Tom did X, Y, and Z, or Tom did ABC to get to X, Y, Z. I did ABC. I'm on my way to X, Y, Z now. Um, yeah. like I saw so, Tom. Yeah, I know. I know we're not interviewing Tom here, but do you know? Because you said he was your role model. Do you know what he did? Who was his role model? Who was he looking up to? Kind of thing. Or does he have a I'd, better relationship with your dad than you do? Or what's the go there? Growing up, I probably did. Um, because I was younger when everything happened, I didn't quite understand the whole divorce side of things. So I spent more time with him before I eventually pulled the plug before rekindling the relationship. 
later on. Um, I think for Tom, it was our grandfather. So mm-hmm. uh, that's our technically our adoptive grandfather. So mum's father passed away when she was six. Um, and yep. when she was 10, our grandma remarried to our, like our, grand, uh, our grandpa, uh, yep. Popper, as we called him. Um, and he was, for me as well, but a lot more so for Tom, because Tom didn't have Tom, obviously. He was that male role model. He worked hard. He provided for his family. He played football for Sturt Football Club, which is a Sandful team, for those who don't know. And that's where Tom got that drive for football from too, um, and that push from Popper. Um, and he was just a genuinely good person. And you can see a lot of Popper in Tom with how stubborn he is um, and just how he carries himself. Um, it's, yeah. I must say, um, that, like, sometimes when you have to be the role model, you it actually, it's quite funny how it works, but you fill that gap where you make, yeah. like, no one was there for you, but because you were there, had to be there for someone else, you, it actually becomes your own foundational support network. Yeah, um, it's a much harder, a much harder thing. But I, similar thing with my older eldest brother Reese. Um, same thing. Like he was yeah. eighteen, being an eighteen-year-old, but then having like he was working in the mornings at a cinema doing cleanup. Uh, so like getting up very early to do cleaning, um, and you know basically he was looking after four other kids. Um, yeah. So he had no one. Um, you know his dad. He had he had a different dad to my dad. So you okay. know. It's one of those things where, like, you, I guess, I guess it's like they they felt lost, but it's like, I guess if they had nothing, like, not no um, responsibility, they couldn't. They would yeah, actually be yeah. worse off. In being lost, they found, I guess, a purpose for lack of a better. In having a purpose, yeah, in yeah. having a purpose of having to look after, or f- facilitate, or support other people that came yeah. that like that that built them up. One hundred percent, yeah, and that that was without yeah. a doubt, Tom. Um, like when you think of someone who's self-made that's Tom like who he is as a man while she's had influence from other men Tom's self-made um mm. and like he's obviously had help from people and family and friends and connections but everything he has like he's worked really hard for and he's done really well for himself and that is again because mm-hmm. no matter how old we are I'll always compare myself to him and at times it can suck because he's at a like he's further along in the stages of life than I am um but yeah. it's he's hit that like, jet booster at the stage yeah. of his life right oh, 100% now. 100% he has. Um, but it's like holding a donut out of a car and getting a person to chase it. Tom's in that car holding the donut, or Tom's the person driving the car. The life he has and the success he has and the things he's doing is the donut hanging out the window, and I'm the person trying to And you're to the Spurg on the it. bicycle. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You yeah. can um, catch him when he goes to the stoplight, but, you know... That's if he stops free at road. red light, because Tom has a habit of running those, may I add. <laughs> <laughs> just a um, one up there. there and he's fat. This Fuck guy's a Tom. bad guy. Yeah, he's a bad dude. Um, and his beard now, sucks. <laughs> it does, so is mine. Look at that. There's some like, hole yeah. somewhere there. Mine's all neck beard. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I got to change the subject. So, mm-hmm. we talked about carnivore diet before, and you scrounged your face. <laughs> But yeah. I know some people, and I've read some uh, some studies that people live mm-hmm. by, uh, not live by it, but swear by it. Um, well, hang on, hang on. Can I just cut you off, Reagan? Because I think to transition to carnivore, maybe Sam should say what he recommends as a diet to clients or what he recommends food. Oh, supplement-wise and stuff. Yeah. 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 But, but that's where this all came from. Yeah. yeah. Where, yeah. Where the, um, so just quickly, with the test versus yeah. side of things, like we were talking about, 
It's like a back nice. Fucking so with test boosters, with the most recent research that is and like the meta analyses that are done, some ingredients in there have no effect. Some ingredients decrease your testosterone levels. Some ingredients do increase, or they've been shown to increase testosterone levels in studies, but those studies are poorly controlled, poorly done. They're not reliable. They're not credible. They're often done by companies with a vested interest in this, um, like sub companies, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so I should be saying this given what one of my jobs is, but test boosters are a waste of money. If you think you are have you being tests, honest about it though, Sam? Like, oh, you have... they're not going to watch this, but I've gotten in shit for it before. Um, well, wow. Yeah, because it's because I've done my own research independent of what I've been told and obviously in a sub company you goes to sell things which I respect um, but they're probably not going to say this but if they do oh well so be it um, test boosters suck they don't mm-hmm. do anything if you think you have low tests just go see your doctor if you see a doctor who's smart and even though you're within range that's healthy they'll go okay that's really low let's make some lifestyle changes if they don't work Let's look at TRT. TRT exists for a reason. So what does the acronym stand for? Uh, for Testosterone replacement therapy. So essentially you replace the testosterone your body doesn't produce. What do they typically prescribe you, do you know? I have no idea, but it's enough to get it it within the normal range. It's person dependent, depending on how low your test is, I think. Um, But let's say like five milligrams increases it, like your test levels by... 200 nanomole, I think the unit is. Um, yeah, like they might nanograms per deciliter or something. That's yeah. it. There's two. There's two um, things. There's just a weird one. We use there's like the 500, like the thousand mark, and there's also one that like yeah. marks are based on 100. It's it's confusing. Um, I think that's the free testosterone rate. versus the. No, um, it's just different again, though, Tim. Like it's oh. there's one that's like a deciliter per per whatever. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Um, gotcha. Like okay. if you say like five let's say milligrams of test which isn't a lot opposite by 200 and yours is at like 200 they might do it by 10 to get up to 600 for example but that's just how i think it works um but yeah so to the diet side of things question no no hang on but question there is that the same as taking steroids now let's be very like if you're on trt like if i want to get to a thousand Mm-hmm. That's my goal. Just have a the high dose life, of TRT. Lifestyle choices. If mm-hmm. I was to stack that with TRT, and now it's not recommendation because it's like there's a very clear. Even Derek's like be very clear about that. Yeah. Is yeah, there a distinction between TRT and doing yeah. steroids? Yes. Um, no and, and, but is there damage to taking TRT? Um, I don't know about. If the you're damages. in a range for me, for example, like I'm, I've got low test. Well, TRT, if you were prescribed, it would be to get yours up by only a couple hundred, yeah, yeah, of whatever the unit is. So no, theoretically, there wouldn't be any negative side effects unless you got an infection from a needle that you were injecting, for example. What about um, small balls? Uh, theoretically, you already have small balls because your body's... Because it's not a case of you're producing this testosterone, you're then... <laughs> like inputting this amount your body then goes okay i don't need to do this anymore i'll conserve this energy use it for something else that testosterone testosterone is still there you hop off your body's not producing any you have small bowls it's a case of your body's not producing enough so this extra test doesn't cause it to shut down 
Yeah, I've just heard that taking tests, you know, taking uh, not synthetic tests, but tests outside your body is a very unnatural, like a very unhealthy way. Like if you go off test, you basically cook yourself. Well, yes, because your body does acclimatize to it, but with TRT, you don't go off of it. It's not like low test is low test. There are lifestyle changes you can make, but Mm -hmm. it's like with blood pressure, for example. If you have really high blood pressure, you can make lifestyle changes. Chances are they're not going to fix everything and you might have to hop on some sort of medication. TRT, you can make lifestyle changes to increase your natural testosterone levels, but if it's just clinically low, Mm -hmm. you will have to use TRT for the, I believe, the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, But no, it's not the same as being on steroids. It is an advantage because when you're not on TRT or anything, your natural testosterone fluctuates. Um, And specifically when we're talking bodybuilding towards a competition, your test drops, your hormones just plummet. But if you're on TRT, it stays consistent or it stays at least higher than other competitors. Mm. Um, So in that sense, you have an advantage. But at the same time, you're also not taking the amount of gear that someone who's hopping on stage is taking. Mm-hmm. Um, like like IFBB, like untested federations we're talking. Uh, like 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 a gram to two grams, five grams, whatever of gear. You're not taking that much because you're not taking it to get big. You're taking it to be healthy. So it has similar effects in some regards, but it's not the same, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so in terms of diet for clients, um, clients that I give diets to, like I don't write meal plans. I'm not qualified to do that. I don't pretend like I am. Mm-hmm. Um, with the macros that I'll give clients, it's based off of a couple of things. Um, regarding protein, that's based off of their protein sources. So if they're vegetarian or vegan or not, um, if they're not vegan or vego, uh, it'll be sort of typically a range of two grams to 2.5 grams per kilo of body weight. Um, and that's just a nice sort of sweet spot, maybe a little bit lower if they feel uncomfortable eating that much protein, but no lower than like 1.6, 1.7 grams per kilo of body weight. And in a dieting phase, it'll typically be at that higher end because it's going to lead to more satiety. In terms of fats, um, oh, sorry, and with vegan and vegetarian diets, uh, higher protein, so 2.5 to 3 grams because the quality of protein and the bioavailability is lower, so you need more for the same effect. That's a lot of um, fucking food. Like, I'm just equating that right now because the, the, the caloric density of food in general, of, like, protein is, like, shit. Like, fat is, like, one-to-one, right? One, one gram of oil is, like, one gram of fat, whereas, like, protein, 100 grams of chicken is, like, what, 20... grams or whatever. Is it 30? Yeah, 20, of, like, lean, lean. Yeah. yeah. So, like... I'm just thinking, like, imagine having to get three grams of body weight. Now, typically, that's where you the protein like... powder comes through. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Damn. That's yeah, an expensive like, exercise. At a point, I was eating, like, at the start of my fat loss phase, I was at 250 grams a day of protein. Now I'm at 225. Um, yeah. It's doable. I felt good. I wasn't hungry, all that kind of stuff, but it just didn't have to be that high. So I pulled it down a bit so I didn't have to drop my carbs. Um, mm. But yeah, in terms of fats, that's mainly based off of gender. So the range is 0.5 to 1 gram per kilo of body weight. For men, it's the lower end. For women, it's the higher end. The reason for that discrepancy is because women have more, I guess, hormonal health factors to be concerned about. And that's the primary reason fats are in our diet. Fats aren't in there for energy or performance. Fats are in there for health. 
essentially. Um, that's their main role. And anything above one gram hasn't been shown to increase health in any way, shape, or form. Um, and it can lead to increased consumption of calories because it's the easiest macronutrient to overfeed on. Very easy. It's so calorically dense. Hence why nuts are a shit food for weight loss. Um, Lizzo can... Hear that, Lizzo? Yeah. You said Lizzo can eat your ass? I don't think she will. In the metaphorical <laughs> term. I don't want to either. Um... And then in terms of carbohydrates, that just makes up the rest. So if you're, if I've done the calculations, like for me, for example, my food's at 2,350 calories at the moment, 225 grams of protein, 50 grams of fat, carbs make up the rest. That's 250 grams of carbs. Because um, carbs are there for performance and also for total calorie manipulation, if you will. So when you're in a massing phase, your protein will increase depending on your body weight because um, it's that and your fat will as well but for the most part we drive calories up using carbohydrates and we pull calories down using carbohydrates so they just fill in the rest essentially so it's mm -hmm. i guess if we were to compare it to other types of diets it would be a low fat diet but it's not a trace fat not getting your fish oil kind of low fat diet it's a we're trying to optimize performance and those kind of metrics so we're consuming as much fat as we need to be healthy like literally like genuinely healthy we don't need any more than that any more than that is gotcha. a waste of calories if you will gotcha okay so you wouldn't recommend a diet but you'd maybe give them macros and then go hit this how i recommend kind of foods do them and stuff yeah um yeah. like kangaroo is a really good food that i recommend to a lot of people um kangaroo sausages are phenomenal i ate like i still haven't had one yet they're, they're so good, good. Yeah, um, so I would really have one, fat. but they're really low in fat, but they're really high in iron. So they're, they're a red meat essentially, but they're just lean because kangaroos, like we know being Australian are fucking jacked. Um, so it's just a very, I don't like red meat. I don't like eating a steak unless it's like the right time occasion for it. Like with the fish. Damn. Um, so kangaroo is how I have that kind of iron intake. So I don't end up anemic and falling over whenever I stand up. Um, <laughs> And then chicken, turkey, uh, ham, sometimes to an extent, depending on how processed it is, which is, oh, it's Most of the time processed. It um, red meats, if they enjoy it, and it, if their fat's a little bit higher because they just prefer it like that, sure. But if you're only eating 50 grams of fat a day and a steak has 20 grams in, let's say, 300 grams of steak, not the best use of calories. Um but at the same time, if the person really wants it, they'll make it work. Um, carb sources, bagels, pasta, rice, potato. That's the best cereal. thing ever. Bagels are a hack. Bagels are phenomenal with jam and shit. I love them. Fuck. Yeah, dude. Um, obviously, the carb recommendations come down to um, like what phase we're in. Like If it's a massing phase, it'll be more bagels, rice, pasta. If it's a dieting phase, it'll be more your potatoes, your sweet potato, your pumpkin, the more voluminous sort of carb sources, the more like water-dense ones. Um, fat sources, it's... Depending on the person, like for myself, I don't really have any direct fat sources. They really come from trace fats being like there's a gram or two in this food that i'm eating and that adds and they just accumulate the yeah. day yeah. yeah um and because they're for the most part unsat like unsaturated fatty acids so 
uh, sorry, mono or polyunsaturated. They're like your yeah, healthy fats. Um, and then I'll just consume fish oil to top it off essentially. Um, but then if someone like, let's say like for my partner, Lauren, when I'm doing her coaching and stuff and her macros and her fats, like at a gram per kilo of body weight, which even though it's not too far off what mine is for half a gram per kilo of body weight, just because we're very physically different people. Um, she for her. Yeah. As well. Um, but like 2000 calories for her is a lot for me. It's, I hate my life on 2000 essentially. So right. For yeah. her, it might be like white, uh, not white chocolate, sorry, uh, like 85% or above dark chocolate. Um, then like some nut butters, like your lower sugar, your peanut or your like almond butter kind of thing or your cashews. Mm-hmm. Um, again, phase dependent. If you're in a mass, nuts, awesome. If you're not, um, it was on like oats have a decent amount of fat in them. Um, but again, your fat content's usually going to be made up through, um, trace, trace. Fats and as well, when you're looking at getting your calcium in and you typically consume dairy, whether it's yogurt, cheese or milk, that fat's going to come in. So fats like add up pretty quickly, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. What about those cool. high, yeah, Chobani, like yeah. high protein yogurts? Like they're pretty lit. Yeah. I, I hate they're yogurt, good. but like, yeah, is that a good sustainable flips. source? Yeah, 100%. It's from, like, it's an animal protein. So, yeah. Like, a good rule of thumb is at least 50% of your proteins from animal sources. Mm-hmm. Um, anything less than that, like, like a vegan or vegan, then what was that? I said suck at vegans. They can't get that 50%. <laughs> well, they just have to eat more protein. That's how it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. The body doesn't use, or our body, our bodies don't use, like, um, plant-based protein as well as it does, like, animal-based so they need to eat more for the same effect. Um, mm. But yeah, like it's, like I was saying, phase dependent, depending on food sources. Yogurt, uh, like I'm using yogurt as a food at the moment. Like yeah, the YoPlay Zero yogurt's quite good. Like no fat, yep. sort of equal protein to carbs, uh, quite voluminous as well. Like after this finishes up, I'm going to go have half a kilo of yogurt with some berries um, because it's like just under 200 calories for like half a tub of yogurt. Um, so Damn. yeah, like it's, that makes me not want to eat. Like I'm hungry, but I don't want to eat now. Like eating that much <laughs> content. Uh, but it's, it's voluminous and I'm hungry too. So it's going to go down pretty easily. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, speaking of hungry, let's make this the last topic because we're respectful of everyone's time here at Milky Toucan. Fuck. It's been uh, over three hours. Damn. Yeah. I know. I'm just thinking that, um, What's the go with carnivore? It's shit. It's bad. Performance, it's shit. For general health, it's shit. Is it all bad? Is um, it sometimes good? For What's performance, yes. Without a doubt. Like, mm-hmm. carbs are our body's preferred fuel source. That's how it is. It's not going to change. You can get away with consuming fats for fuel. It's just not metabolized as quickly or used as well. So it's not optimal. Yeah, essentially. If you're looking at optimizing all the factors for performance, whether it's lifting, sprinting, fucking i don't know whatever like if you look at performance for the majority of sports carbs are your best friend um when you're looking at things like special forces operators just for example because they're they could often go a day yeah a day without eating a slower release energy source is going to be better for them um and just i hadn't thought about that that being said yeah special operations guys around the world are pretty famously like 
massively into like, keto. Um, Jocko Willink is a really good example. I don't agree with everything he says nutrition-wise, but when it comes to special forces, because that's his background, keto is a really good choice. Um, and obviously, if you're loading up on like bagels and rice and shit before you go out for a 36-hour operation, you're going to lose that energy quickly because you're using... You're going to have up. insulin when you have like a glucose crash. Yeah, your blood glucose is going to spike after you eat. Your insulin is going to yeah, store yeah. it into your cells. And then, yeah, eventually you run out of glucose because you haven't eaten in 36 hours. But if you mm-hmm. eat lots of fats, unsaturated preferably, you're going to be healthier. Or, sorry, not going to be healthier. That was just my way to run place. You're going to have longer-lasting energy, essentially. Um, yeah. But yeah, in terms of like uh, Jordan Peterson and his daughter, Michaela. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She like they they preached carnivore because um they had a range of health conditions. I think Jordan had some horrible like mental no, health Kayla. issues or whatever it was. Oh, no, they both yeah. did. Oh, oh, full oh, transparency. Sorry, sorry. Full transparency, Sam. I'm mm. I'm not big on carnivore. Um, gotcha. I've got I've gone carnivore. Uh, it's been very effective for me. I'm mm-hmm. a fan of it. I don't think it's optimal for performance. There are people yeah. out there smashing it. I don't really, you know, recommend it or don't. I think people should. You know, not necessarily try it, but you know, I don't think people should fucking knock it yeah, out of hand. I think people people go, oh, vegan, oh, that's healthy, and then they just don't really think. Oh, like I don't know. I think yeah, like, if you believe we evolved, then I think you should be mm. at least open minded to go like, well, we probably didn't get seventy percent of our calories from literally fucking bagels. eating vegetables and fucking like this wasn't mm. really how we worked, especially in northern I mean, like I don't know. That's a lot of we get we got more calories than people think from carbohydrates. Um, obviously, it was a bit less, but our body that more grains. Yeah, um, and like berries and fruits and shit too. Um, but when you look at our bodies again, just with evolution, we wouldn't have developed to use carbs as our main fuel source if we hadn't been eating them, because the people who ate more fats would have survived and they would have metabolized fats better and that kind of stuff. But no, we're here, we use carbohydrates better, which is a pretty good sign because again, like success leaves clues. Our ancestors ate carbs, essentially. And that's the whole liver king primal yeah. shit. It's just stupid. Um, yeah, but- I think their general argument to be the fucking straw man, because I think I'm not that knowledgeable, but I'll try and give it mm. the best crack because some might watch this and be like, well, this is all just bashing carnival. I think the general gist is we were basically... Uh, monkeys in the jungle living in Africa, living in the rainforest about 5.6 million years ago. Thanks for coming. Shit got too desolate. We had to leave the jungles. So we fucked off and we started killing animals. And basically we've got evidence of Homo... uh, Is it Homo erectus? I don't know what one it is. Mm -hmm. Anyway, about one point... Yeah, they started eating animal uh, animals. We started finding tools and evidence of fires being made from about 1.2 to 2 million years ago. We started changing we can see from our bones uh we started getting more of our protein from animals so you know even on the whole we evolved to use carbohydrates they might argue well yes we started from being basically fruitivores we went to carnivore and we're still going so agriculture and animal husbandry only being about eleven thousand to thirteen thousand years old is saying we went carnivore isn't technically correct because they still ate like vegetables plants and shit Yeah, right. we're, we're omnivorous creatures. Um, yeah. And whilst we've evolved to use carbs as our main fuel source, we've used protein as our main function source or health source, if you will. That's how we build big, strong bodies 
for example um and that's likely why we evolved to being like like um what is, i think Jack it's like cunts. um yeah we'll go I, I was the word for standing on two legs like monopeds or whatever they call yeah it. yeah but you yeah, know what i mean um but Bipedal. jumping back to the whole peterson family yes. thing they preach mm. carnivore because they had a like a an array of health issues they went carnivore health issues disappeared did Bacar have crones? I no, think. No, she didn't. No? She, okay. I could go on. But basically, she had severe arthritis, severe mental problems. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, he wrote about that in his book, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he, he um, himself, he had, uh, well, you know, this is, you know, where he would maybe argue and other people would argue, but depression, anxiety. He even had floaters in his eyes, which no one talks about, which I find quite interesting because... I've got floaters in my eyes. Uh, yeah, and I thought, oh, if I go carnivore, I wonder if that will... Anyway, that didn't go away when I went carnivore. But, um, yeah. you know, he had knee pain, back pain, yada, like the kind of common mm-hmm. things. Um, fatigue, he was con- like chronically tired. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they went carnivore, fix their problems. That's yeah. that's the gist. Could so, it be that, that having less inflammation, inform- inflammatory foods... Yeah, one hundred percent. And also that insulin hybrid. resistance and the the the, the insulin. I'm fairly sure, like a lot of people have suggested, like um, people in the diet industry saying, like that insulin's a fucking horrible thing. Like having no, like high insulin. A high insulin. No, I'm saying like yes. the, mm. yeah, and when that's what bad, we're always yeah. having is that, con- which is mm. you know, depends on what foods you're having. You want to have. That's likely what their diets were like beforehand, because they don't talk about how they used to eat. They just say, "I ate carbs." Um, but when you go carnivore, you eliminate a bunch of foods and likely one of the foods you were eating fucked with you and caused this or that. Um, but you don't know what it is because you eliminated yeah. uh, like everything at once. And it was likely those kind of FODMAP foods that they eliminated that really helped out, especially with the information. Um, but it's for someone like Jordan, who talks about like different types of fallacies a lot. Um, and not like jumping to conclusions and all that kind of shit. It's exactly what they've done with this. The carnivore didn't fix their problems. Eliminating like a food or a food, not a food group, but different foods. Individual foods, yeah. Yeah, and they likely made other changes too when they started eating carnivore because you don't see anyone go, okay, I live this lifestyle. I eat like shit. I'm going to eat better and stick like keep living this lifestyle. They were likely more active after they changed their diet, all that kind of stuff. Um, and there's, there's definitely merit to carnivore, but again, time and place and person. And when you are carnivore, like with when you're vegan or vegetarian, you have to make sure that the foods you're not eating that have nutrients that we need for health, like you, like all your vitamins and not your minerals, but more so your vitamins from fruits and veggies. You need to make sure you're supplementing with them. Um, yep. And then as well, don't expect to perform well in the gym compared to what you would with carbs because our body prefers carbs. That's just how it is. That's why with like a bodybuilding show, for example, when you go into a peak week, when you're really depleted, you consume carbohydrates to like make you look bigger and fuller essentially. And you like, you fill your muscles with glycogen there's a reason why carbs do that. Fats don't. Our muscles prefer to use carbs as energy to do everything. So that's why, like, carnivore is not good for performance. It's like keto. Anything low-carb, performance-wise, shit. Health-wise, like diabetes, for example, 
it's not better. PCOS is another great example. You don't need to eliminate carbs to get on top of your PCOS. You just need to, on the days you're not exercising, eat less carbs, like everyone should anyway, because you're not using them. And Wouldn't that be eliminating them, though? No, you don't want. You don't need to eliminate them because people love eating carbs, right? Carbs are tasty. On days I don't train, I eat 50 grams less carbs because I'm not using as much energy that day. The issue comes from when people eat the same amount day after day but do different shit. On mm. like so, yeah. Could is there an argument for the for not a keto yeah. diet but a carnivore diet or like a low carbohydrate diet or no carbohydrate diet? It's basically, you could, I like to think it's preferred to have more natural sources. So you're not like eating spam or like fucking tin tin fucking chicken or something like that. Um, For your sources sources of food. Um, But wouldn't that just be a good sledgehammer to like fucking ripcord essentially your, uh, you know, all your, like, like you said, FODMAP, but it's like, okay. I've wiped out all this shit. I'm not eating Nutella. I'm not eating all these other like highly sugarous breads. I'm just gonna eat um, meat, meat. And veggies, for example. Yeah. And then and then work back to that. Like yeah, yeah. That's I, don't know. I, I think there's a beneficial done. use to it. Yeah, and that's what like, they recommend, by the way, the Petersons. Yes. They both recommend. Oh, okay. that. They say we don't suggest that you do this lifelong. We want you to treat this as a elimination diet, and then Trent bring things back okay, in. Yeah. So I didn't Michaela know that. Has, and that's good that they do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Michaela herself, she was, she long story short, she kind of went, I guess you could say a shitty paleo where basically it was just mm-hmm. lean meats and greens. And I think she wasn't having fruit and that was basically it. Um, yeah. Then she transitioned to leafy greens and then she had fatty food that made mm-hmm. her feel better. She got rid of the leafy greens and then she felt great. Um, and yep. then got better and better kind of thing. So I think, but in all fairness, I think, and I might be getting this wrong, mm-hmm. they were big beef fans. And I think Michaela, not Jordan, Jordan has gone to lamb. Um, and she is, she's now on that. And then he's on beef still. As far as I'm aware, I could be com- completely wrong about yeah. that. But, but yeah, mostly so, uh, beef or lamb oh. doesn't really matter. Like it's, they're it's still red meats. Yeah. Um, but like I didn't know if they had said that, which it's good that they have because a lot of people listen to what they say and they treat it as gospel. Um, yeah, for sure. But like what you were saying with the elimination diet, that's a great idea. If you feel like you have food mm-hmm. sensitivities, strip it to the bare minimum enough to still get the nutrients you need to survive, obviously, and then add this back in if you react poorly. Okay, that might be causing issues. You add something else back in, you react well. You add another thing back in, you're fine. Another thing that didn't go well, you don't eat that. It's common sense at the end of the day. Just like yeah. how with on days you don't need as many carbohydrates, you don't consume as many carbohydrates. But on days that you do, you consume more. That's why mm-hmm. you look at bodybuilders like John Jewett on his training days, he's eating 4,500 calories. On his non-training days, he's eating like 3,600 calories, for example. And that 800 calorie difference comes from carbs because he's not yeah. using as many, so he doesn't need them. And that's where people mm. make the mistake with carbohydrates is that it's like when I'm saying a oh, high carb diet, it's high carb diet when you need the carbs and then you pull the carbs back a bit when you don't. Um, but there's no benefit to having two grams of fat per kilo of body weight to one gram of fat or no benefit that we've found so far. I should say not to be like solidified. But is there a, is there a cost it. though for trading your fats to your carbs? So if you're when taking two grams at- of fat instead of... 
when one we're man. looking at cost in terms of increasing fats for carbs in terms of health, as long as the fats are like less than 10% of your intake is from saturated fats, no, there's not going to be any negative health effects, but your performance will decrease. If you were to decrease your fats below 0.5 grams per kilo of body weight and increase your carbs, yes, you would see negative side effects, but you you see negative and positive. Your performance would increase, but then you wouldn't be getting essential nutrients that you need to survive and function. And that's why when I give clients macros, I work within those ranges. That 0.5 yes. to 1 for fats, that 2 to 3 technically for protein, depending on the sources, because that's the... I don't really like the word, but the optimal range for the purpose or the goal we're trying to achieve, because everything is time and place. But at the same time... If you hear someone say, we need to cut out carbs, we need to cut out fats, or fats, sorry, fats, even though it is not out November. Um, like, so if it's like, be scared of this, this is bad for you. Nine times out of 10, don't <clears> listen <throat> to them. Like, think about it yourself. Like, okay, carbs, yes, spike my insulin, oh, sorry, spike my blood glucose. That's why insulin's there. As long as I'm not eating carbs, like, minute after minute after minute and eating from bad sources. I'll be fine. I space my carbs out throughout the day. You have some with each meal, more before you train, some more after you train because insulin's a beneficial hormone for recovery and muscle growth. Mm -hmm. um, and same with fats. As long as you're eating fats throughout the day, timing doesn't really matter with fats, but as long as they're good fats and they're not your saturated fats, you'll be fine. Because people forget that there's good and bad things to everything. Mm. You eat too little protein, bad. Too much protein, bad. Too little fat, bad. Too much fat, bad. Too little carb, bad. Too much carb, bad. Everyone forgets that each macronutrient and just everything in life is should be done within moderation and has a range. Like with body fat, again, circling back to hours ago, everything <laughs> has a range within it where it's healthy. And outside of that range is when it's not. But people have an agenda to push and ignore that and just say, if you have PCOS, no carbs. If you have diabetes, no yep. carbs. If you have high blood pressure, no fats. Um, if you mm. want to lose weight, no carbs, no fats. Because um, people think I'm like a no fat guy. No. You are, Sam. You, you killed my I'm fats. fucking zealot. Well, that's the thing, because a lot of people <laughs> consume a lot more fats than I give them. So to a lot of people, it seems as though I'm low-carb. Restricting with them. fat. But, yeah. yeah, because they've never had that level of restriction before. But it's not low fats. It's enough fats to be healthy. Right. We're trying to achieve a goal. More fats than this aren't beneficial. Why would we have them? The same with why would I put myself under a heavy barbell and like for squats and risk blowing my knee or blowing my back again just to boost my ego because I want to have a big squat when my goal is hopping on a bodybuilding stage. Gotcha. You do things dependent on what you want to achieve. On your goals. Yep. So what? Yep. So would you would you ever, and I know we're sticking on carnival, but I suppose you can chuck mm -hmm. in vegan or vegetarian, but um, would you ever recommend a diet to anyone under, and if so, under what circumstances, or would you ever try one? And if you would try between, I don't know, let's just say vegetarian, vegan, keto, and carnivore, what would you be most inclined and to try? To be clear, to me, keto is actually getting, going into ketosis and actually having really high fats, which is fucking a very absurd and hard the thing, thing to do. The thing with fats too is, or keto, sorry, when you're in ketosis, you're not using body fat as fuel. You're using the fats you consume as fuel. 
that's where people think keto is better for weight loss than a higher carb diet because they get those two sort of fats mixed up. Burning fat as fuel comes from being in a deficit when you're not consuming enough energy to do your daily function. So your fat um, burns, sorry, sorry, so your body burns, like your body fat stores for energy. Um, sorry, brain fart. Um, but with keto, would you ever recommend it? Or yeah, sorry, I thought you um, if, if, if you, would you recommend it? Or would you just think, look, it's not even worth even trying. Performance someone, is not good. Don't worry. Any chicken or rice. Well, that's the thing. I'm not. Like, um, I was writing up like a mission, not a mission statement, like a um, expectations list today on a document I'm putting together for clients. And one of the expectations is that you ask questions because this relationship isn't a dictatorship, it's a collaborative it's a partnership. Exactly. If it's someone wants to well. try keto, yeah, that it's a collaborative partnership. That's what it is. And if someone wants to try keto, I'll say, this is why, like, I don't recommend it. This is why. If you want to try it, we'll do it. Um, and then they'll probably find their performance decreases or yada, yada, yada. They'll probably go back to higher carbs. Um, but I'd never, I'd recommend a diet if I thought it would benefit the client, mm -hmm. but for the sort of coaching I do for the people that do the coaching side of things, which are really those who want to focus on developing their physique outside of what I run with. Like I'm open to if someone can prove me wrong and like there's new research that comes out, for example, mm -hmm. hell yeah. Mm -hmm. But with the evidence in the literature we've got at the moment, I don't see a reason to recommend outside of what I currently do. And it's not like the macros and the diets I give to people are set in stone. It's these macros, no matter who you are, there's variation. And it fluctuates depending on the person because like we've talked about, yeah, like not everyone's the same. Everyone needs slightly different adjustments and macros and that kind of stuff. Um, whether it's gender, race, so on and so forth. Even religion can play a part if they're if the foods they can eat are only high fat foods, just for example. Um, so, you know, to answer your question, no, I wouldn't. But it's because mm -hmm. the diets that I get clients to follow are not restrictive in terms of the types of foods they can eat or the amounts of foods in some situations of course um because it's not a you can only eat paleo foods it's you can eat whatever the fuck you want try to make better choices just eat within these constraints Parameters. yeah hit those macros within a couple of grams other side i'm a happy man you're a happy he she they them jizhe whatever happy <laughs> jizhe are they chinese <laughs> Xi Jinping. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's the thing that a lot of people, or a lot of coaches even, and I, I've caught some flack for this because I haven't been in the industry very long, but a lot of coaches assign themselves to one way of thinking. Like, I'm the high-carb coach, I'm the low-carb coach, I'm the keto coach, I'm the 10 grams of kilo per, um, sorry, 10 grams of protein per kilo of body weight coach. Damn. You shouldn't do that. I don't, that's not a natural thing, just to clarify. I don't no, think so, no. at least. Um, someone else. Probably, yeah. That's probably someone that the, does it that the, much. They're being paid off by the meat industry. The straight up protein. Just, yeah. yeah, straight up just eating fucking protein powder, dude. Yeah, just, just don't even put me. water, just chew. dry. Yeah. Oh, just chew it. No, oh, I'm not a fan. Um, no. But they give themselves these titles 
and they assign themselves and almost like categorize themselves to this one category forever. Because if I came out of the woodwork and said, hey, I'm the high carb guy, that's it. The evidence supports what I have to say. Yada, yada, yada. If evidence came out to say, oh, high carb isn't the best, high fat is actually better for performance because of this reason, even though I don't think it's likely that's going to happen. What happens if I change my opinion? Everyone sees me as the high carb guy. If I then go and say, oh no, high fats are actually better, yeah. no one's really going to trust me. Yeah, you don't want to pigeonhole um, yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's why with the approach I take, it's very, not only collaborative, but it's adaptive as well. Like, um, how I coach people and what I recommend exercise-wise, diet-wise, still within reason is the same principles as when I first started as a coach two years ago, around now actually. Mm-hmm. but it's developed, it's changed because new research has come out. I no longer tell people to aim for one rep in reserve um, for everything because research, a meta-analysis came out recently where it showed there was no difference between training for three reps in reserve compared to training for failure for muscle growth. So I say mm-hmm. aim for two to three reps in reserve and that's kind of a sweet spot. Yeah. Things change, we learn new things, you've got to adapt with it. And that's why, again, there's no diet I'd recommend or type of training I'd recommend because there's variation. Like it def- depends on the person, whilst it's all within one kind of parameter or constraint, it's for the person. It's depending on their height, their weight, their gender, their race, ultimately their goals, how they feel. It's not restrictive, like I've said two or three mm. times now, I think, because I just yeah. repeat myself. Um, what would you recommend for different races? Just because That's, a lot of people don't like that kind of talk. But yeah, I, I was listening to the um, Iron Culture podcast, which is done by Eric Helms and Omar Yusuf. Um, it's a really good podcast if you have any kind of interest in health and fitness or like physical culture to the two of you or anyone listening mm-hmm. or watching. Um, and they had a prep coach on. Um, his last name's Wilson. I forget what his first. I think Chris Wilson, I think his name was. Um, yeah. And he was talking about how with black clients, when he's prepped them, he's noticed that when he peaks the clients, like in the final week to fill up their muscles with glycogen, make them look full and get them on stage. um, It's more common for like African descent uh, individuals, we'll say. Um, (laughs) He's got (laughs) I guess. Tip time, Jesus. Um, (laughs) They're more likely to... um, overflow or spill in terms of carbs so it takes less carbs to fill them up because white people europeans will say have eaten carbs in the amounts we are now for a longer period of time and therefore our bodies are more used to it but people Mm -hmm. that um whose like families are from africa for example like their first generation or even fifth generation their bodies aren't the same as my body for example they're not designed Um, for high carbs yeah, so typically, it's not that it's not designed for high carbs, just not as high yeah. is the best way to put it. So how he described it was, and how Eric and Omar kind of backed it up, was the pigment of your skin is going to determine how well you can kind of, or how you react to carbs. So the and lighter milk. your pigment is, yeah, potentially too. Uh, I'm not too sure on that one. But with, like, let's say Europeans, um, Mexicans who are, as far as it goes, still lighter skinned. Um, Asian people too. The climates that these races or these populations uh, like evolved in typically had more carbohydrate sources. Like Asian people 
plenty of rice is the best example. Mexican people, I'm not sure how legit this is, but rice, um, like tortillas, all that kind of stuff. Europeans, all the breads and sugars and shit. So our bodies have evolved over centuries to be able to tolerate that better than potentially other races who still use carbs as the primary energy source. Just they don't need as many because their body isn't the, the same as us. Because again, evolutionary differences, we've mutated differently, all that kind of stuff. So I might need 900 grams of carbs to peak. My African-American friend might need 500, for example. Um, which is, it's an interesting topic to research into more because it's all kind of theoretical. Um, I was just about but, to say, how yeah. controversial can I get? Who is the superior race for bodybuilding? In my opinion, black, black people, people, genetics. Yeah, 100%. Genetic-wise, because they're more, they're a more athletic race than white people. Mm -hmm. You look sure. at just their muscle insertions like Ronnie Coleman compared to me, for example, even though Ronnie's a genetic freak. <laughs> yeah. Just, you look at an African, anyone of African descent or even like a, um, Aboriginal, like here in Australia, they're just built better than we are. Typically they'll have smaller legs, but it's nothing you can't change. Um, but yeah, in my opinion, for bodybuilding, people Africans. of African descent or just darker skin are better. Um, what about they have to put, uh, based off of the winners, I'd have to say Europeans. You don't see too many African-American people or just African-descended people winning. Um, for what reason, I'm not sure. Um, mm. But yeah, again, it's something to look into. Yeah. Yeah, just like we were talking about before with sprinters, you know, they tend to be yeah. black people smoking the whites. See you later. <laughs> Go on, Reagan. Yeah. Sorry. I was gonna say, what about the like the stage the stage tan? They what do they do they still yeah. apply stage tan? To a degree, but obviously well, they're just oil. Yeah, it's just a <laughs> just oil you up. Slap <laughs> fucking baby oil. Yeah. Just coconut yeah. oil. Just fucking obviously there, yeah. under the lights if you're white like we are, you look very pale, but obviously if you're, yeah, we, we, if we you're already with darker that, yeah. skin, you've got the tan. Not that it's a tan. It's not what I'm saying. Um, it's a sick tan. A hole here. <laughs> so what yeah. happened What happened to the, them painting their face? Is it because they ran out of... They're no longer, they're no longer painting their face. Is oh, you mean um, of... bodybuilding athletes, like white yeah. athletes? Is it, it, is is it a dumb. waste of a waste Like of You tan? need to tan your face to a degree, but not as dark as your body. Because um, if you, someone was if trying to say it was blackface, and I'm, I, I mean, it's that. not. It, it's, <laughs> it's the same not. as if a random white chick fake tan, fake tans. It's not blackface. It's just they they look, go pretty black though. Like they think they look better. Some people, yeah, do, they're yeah. just straight from um, England. <laughs> Disgusting but those girls. With mm. if you tan like like Adam's apple and below, and my like if I went brown like. I don't have anything brown on my desk. If I went brown from neck and below and then still my color, like my pigment on my face, I'd look dumb. Like my head would be like a beacon and I'd blind everyone in the audience. <laughs> but if I go a little bit darker, but not like brown, the rest of my body kind of dark, it's going to blend in better. But I'm also not going to have these gleaming white teeth when I smile up, like amongst like a very darker brown background. Well, what happens about, what happens about our black friends who have, you know, they'll... Don't have that issue. It's a beer comrade. Are you trying to trap me here? No. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. That's not a trap. Fall for the trap. It, with with African-American or just African people, it looks normal. With a white person, if your body's brown and your head's white, 
or your face is black, you just look dumb. It's just how it is. All right. <laughs> like, the, the, the tanning aspect is such a funny part of the sport. I just think of, it is. Yeah, I know, it is. It's like, let's just go through sheer willpower, and then also let's just fucking put some dumbass tan and on. Hop in some tight-ass undies as well, yeah. Yeah, and, and then yeah. tan, you know, flex in front of, like, grown men. And women, don't forget about the women. Oh, yeah, of and course. And sometimes course. children, too. They're in the shows, too. Or the crowds. Is that grooming? That's grooming. <laughs> oh, God, Reagan's sure. gone straight to it. That's grooming. <laughs> no, I only bring that up because there was an article today about a senator who was uh, talking about how the ABC uh, for, I was going to say Sesame Street, but it's not. It's play school. They had a drag queen read a book about uh, a girl, I think it was a girl who was dressing up in boys' clothes, and they're reading that to a, like a, a play school episode. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, basically... I the... was saying it was grooming. Yeah. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. Uh... Uh, well, is is it is it though, like, the thing is, is it conventional? I say it's not conventional, so I'm, I'm opposed to it. Not everything that's conventional is good, though. Um, but this is from the Australian government. This is ABC. Hmm. This is Play School. It's well, not. It's not like a private company. Yeah, yeah. Here's my take. I don't think it's grooming. I think. Is obviously, it though? It depends on the detail. Hmm. If they're full on talking about like transitioning and all that kind of stuff to five year olds, three year olds, no. two year olds. It, yeah, like they don't understand it. But if it's a book where the like the female protagonist is masculine, so be it. There, mm. are, there were plenty of TV shows where the female was masculine for us growing up. Um, like, um, not Stacy McBean, the one where she played the guitar. Tracy McBean. Tracy, yeah, it's a Tracy. Uh, that one. It's not Tracy McBean. It's the one where she played a guitar, and her dad was like a failed musician. She was a bit more masculine. Oh, that kind of stuff's fine, that. and it's probably good that our younger generations are exposed to that when they're younger. But so, the, it. It was more subtle though. I, I'd imagine it's not like, "Hey, I'm girl. I don't feel like a girl. I must be a boy." Like, let me wear, uh, like, and identify. I'm wearing boy clothes. Mm. Like, that's the that's the, I guess a different rhetoric. That yeah, um, if it's just about. this is Emily. She likes to wear shorts. Cool, but yeah, if it's exactly. Like with anything, if you force it onto people, whether it's your uh, religion hobbies mm. like if i force my lifestyle into people or um sexuality whatever yeah that's when it's i wouldn't say it's grooming but it's inappropriate is a better way to put it i think mm-hmm. but in this case if they're writing a story where the main girl in the book likes to wear blokes clothes like they're not harming anyone like if they were saying yet in the book we don't know well, yeah if they were saying like Oh, if you ever feel a little bit feminine today, all you boys, that means you you like you're now a transsexual woman. You identify as a woman if you felt a little. <laughs> well, it's bit affirmation, today. right? Yeah, there's that affirmative action. That's if it's going. Yeah, you felt like this, therefore you're a woman. But the book's not doing that. It's just saying this chick likes dressing up in guys' clothes. Yeah, I think I'm with Sam. I think it's it, it could be inappropriate. Obviously, I don't think Sam's seen the context of this of the clip, but I think He's definitely seen it. To 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 pull pull your side into it, Reagan, and obviously I don't want to get too much into the details. Um, but I think if we just put the extreme and we just said, okay, well, if it's it's not really 
inappropriate. It's slightly inappropriate, but it's not that bad. But what if we just put every TV presenter from the ABC was a tranny? Would that be a problem? And I instinctively go, yeah, that's a bit of a problem. Like we're really now advertising the normality of this. And that's the, yeah, like yeah. if that, yeah, not that there's anything be- wrong with it, but that's not, not everyone is transsexual. There are people. Right. Who, that's right. I'd like us who I'm assuming we're all comfortable in our bodies and our sexualities and everything. And there are people that are. And if there's a balance, that's. Yeah, I think. Yeah. What is the percentage? This is the hard part. Is like the conversation is, oh, there's not many of us, so we're not a big deal. Don't make us a big deal. But then on the flip side, is acknowledge us, acknowledge our cause. So it's like really weird. Like they say, we're not a big deal. We're not. A, we're not an issue to your kids. But also, your kids need to know who we are and how we are, and they need to like, yeah. you know, which is a to... really weird conversation and really weird like. Well, it's the same with process. races, right? Like if you go mm-hmm. through school where all of your classmates are white, you don't know black people exist. You get out of school, you go to university and there's a black dude in your class. You're going to be concerned. You'll think he was in the sun too long, for example, because you just don't <laughs> know. That's a horrible example, but you yeah, get but the point. There's that, but if there's a transgender But they're just a different presenter. type of person. And? Yeah, I get that. That's what I'm like saying. If but if there's a transgender, uh, like presenter in play school, that's a different. Yeah. But it's like, hey, I'm transgender. Pull down my pants. This was a vagina. Now it's yeah. a penis. That's that's, 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 that's inappropriate though. And that's, that's what they're difference. doing is they're they're going through the anatomies and sexualities of this, and it's like to an audience who doesn't understand it, and that's where I have the problem. Yeah, that's yeah. where it's, if they're just transgender and people are having a problem, then they're being a snooze. People who have the problem yeah. are a snooze. But yeah. if they're I think I the know. point I'm I'm trying to make is I'm just going, I don't think it's necessarily a problem. But if they just literally put every, let's just say kids and adult, you know, whatever the news and everything on the ABC presenters, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, was was just straight up black people from, you know, Tanzania, I'd be like, I wouldn't be like, this is a problem, but I'd be like, why? This is quite they, weird. This yeah. is very strange. Yeah. Why are you presenting this? And when it's just one person, I'm not saying it's a problem either, but I'm just like, if we can start seeing the increase of this stuff happening, that's where I, I start raising a few eyebrows and I don't go, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. These people should be cold or whatever, but I'm a bit like, well, this is increased. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, there's obviously something going on here, yeah, but I don't know what yeah, it is. Yeah. Right, my, exactly. my, my point is, my point is, it's not the, it's not the fact that, that it's who they are. And that's my whole point. It's, I don't care who you are, what you do, whatever, but just don't like, especially to kids. Don't start telling you this is this is this is option three, this is but only through augmentation. It's yeah. like this needs to like because kids will follow that advice. They'll follow that like the cool trend, and they will like start going towards that and to an irreversible thing. And there are people who are trying to enable that. For example, beta block, uh, like uh, hormone blocking, until a kid makes up their mind at thirteen that they want to be a boy or girl, which to me is still absurd. Yeah, um, I agree. It's a bit like, too young. That's yeah. I, I want people who go, irrespective, like you know, people who are wanting to be feel like they're in the wrong body. Twenty years ago, it's like that wasn't cool. That was frowned upon. People had to go through a lot of issues and like mm-hmm. t- mental torment for that. But then, like at least you can identify there is that like the this. I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain without sounding like a dick. But it's like the, for, for all all uns, like this all certainty. That's how they feel. Whereas right now, it's like people, are, kids are being affirmed that this is 
a thing and that they should yeah. be encouraged to do it. And that's and what think- sickens me. There's a video of um, a kid coming out as a, an opposite sex and they're like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. And the mum's like, yeah. no, no, say what you're going to say. Say what we yeah. prepared. And it's fucking that's, that's when it's intention. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And that's very much apparent. But, but off for I the think- kid. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think the interesting thing we talked about earlier on the podcast is we were talking about self-control and, you know, eating disorders being a big thing. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the big difference between the transgender topic and most other mental illnesses is that uh, when someone goes, oh, I'm not, I'm eating, you know, 20 M&Ms a day and I'm healthy. No, you're not. Doctors don't go, no, you're perfectly fine. Let's keep you doing this. And then, in fact, let's give you less. You're in the healthy M&M range. Yeah, we don't don't affirm them. We we go like, oh, no, that's unhealthy. That's not not how we do things. Whereas Mm -hmm. at the moment, I think most people go like, well, transgender with the kids, we just go, oh, you're a four-year-old. That says you're a girl. We're going to take you seriously. I guess we're good now. And the the thing that sucks to me is I go, it's a conveyor belt. Like as soon as they get plonked, and it's like, great, you are now in the system. The system, but it's like, yeah, you've been you're affirmed. Journey, the doctors yeah. are like, yep, you're going to start getting. You know, they they go to the the road of, uh, you know, sex reassignment surgery, and you know, as far as I'm aware, maybe this maybe the stats have changed on this. The suicide rate doesn't change before or after they have the surgery. So the whole, you know, we're not you know, you're not, you're not accepting us into the culture. And that's why so many of us are killing them, ourselves. That doesn't hold any water because after they have the surgery, they've got the exact same but suicide people rate. still wouldn't, the people that didn't accept them beforehand won't accept them once they have the surgery. So I think it might affect it, just not to the extent that it's I think I think that's a factor, but I think, I think all things considered, you'd have to take in, you know, obviously on the bell curve, you're going to get most people who, for example, keep the same lifestyle, same job, live in the same city. But if you have on the fringes the people who move and they move to a different city because they're like, I want to start restart my life. Like I've just transitioned. I've just had sexual, you know, I've just done the works. Cool. Fuck yeah. Like I'm leaving Adelaide. This place is a shithole. I'm going to yeah, fucking which a lot of people Brisbane, do. which is a cool. Of, but, yeah. you know, I'd like to see if the people that completely – upend their life and are mentally, you know, well in that sense, like they don't get the anxiety of moving to a new place and having no friends and yada yada. I'd like to see that sub demographic and see what their suicide rate would be. But you know, that's a very fucking yeah. nuanced piece of information, you know. Yeah, and I want to be clear, I don't think like I'm not against people transitioning. I think people can live their own life that like no different people like, you know, putting implants in their heads and saying they're like a fucking alien or lizard. Like you can do whatever you want. As long I as think those people happy. are cooler than us, though. Awesome. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, but like, you, you can do what you want as long as it makes you happy. But I just really don't like the Forcing central the people. indoctrination, like the whole thing. Yeah. Like the, the the line that Jordan Peterson like drew was like, "My government is not going to arrest me if I don't use the correct pronouns." Like that's absurd. Like and that's like the whole thing. It's like if you're an adult, consenting adult, you made up your own mind. Sure, even if you you know you were on a 4chan subreddit and then you found this thing, you're like, oh, maybe that's me. Like, but the fact that they're, they're, doing, <laughs> it to, they're doing it to kids right now, it's, 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 yeah, it's sad to me. What I wanted to say before as well is that mm-hmm. kids will, when they grow up and like become and adolescents like teenagers, that's not what I'm getting at here. What I'm getting at is that if 
they genuinely do feel as though they're in the wrong body and they are genuinely like transsexual and it's like legitimate it's not just like a thing their parents have pushed them into or something that their school has they will be able to go down that path especially these days as we become more accepting of it they'll be able to go down that avenue they'll figure it out if they're gay they'll figure that out like there's enough there's enough resources out there now and we know these things exist and that they are okay because they're these things i don't mean transsexual people that's not what i meant by that it's just these different types of people exist mm-hmm. different races different sexualities um people that don't feel comfortable in their own body and their own gender even religions people finding god yeah we know like there's a array Other of different gods. types of people that all intersect in different ways shapes and forms if someone feels a certain way they'll find a group mm-hmm. or a population that they fit into whether it's homosexual heterosexual transsexual christian catholic leo enthusiast whatever it is people will find where they want to be yeah um and whilst i think it should be talked about in schools um and like in sex education for example it should be spoken about but it shouldn't be forced upon um to the point where like it's inappropriate and they're going through all like they're indoctrinating three-year-olds into this kind of stuff. That's when it's a bit much. Yep. But that's that's the line drawn in for yep. me, Sam. Is like there's sex ed. Sex ed was year six, year seven, 12, 13 year olds, eleven year olds because they're born a year later. That was when like penis vagina stuff was talk was happening yeah. at the school. That's right. Not, not, not for fucking me. I got my only sex ed in year ten or eleven, and I was it. Jeez. So, yep. so there's you that, right? And and what they're doing now is they're going, hey, here's here's a here's a penis vagina. Your dick is like falling off. It's not. It's just your foreskin coming back. Women, your your breasts hurt and your lumps. <laughs> that's just your that's just your boobies growing, right? That was like year six and year seven, and now they're like, yeah. oh, let's that's like ten or oh no, twelve, thirteen, four, four years old. Yeah, here you go. You need to understand that. Puberty. Yeah, yeah I, 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 understand. I, I, that's that's when yeah. I talk about grooming. It's like right. they are. Like, you know, talk about grooming, like grooming your hair, making it better, like uh, sorting it, arranging it to, like to, to a particular way. That is, to me, my definition of grooming is that like at that age, yeah, you are, yeah, kids are going mean. to follow. I can see that, yeah. What yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with you, Sam. I think maybe you weren't saying this is the solution, but I think the solution really is just teach it in school. And then if a student goes, hey, uh, look, uh, I'm a tranny or I think I'm a tranny, the teacher should have nothing to do with it and they should go speak yep. to your parents. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, parents, counsellors, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. if, if you keep it... Oh, well, I'm not even sure about counsellors because there's counsellors within schools and I understand that that's useful for some students because their parents are a shit role model. But if you make mm-hmm. that the standard, then you're letting kind of schools get away with a lot Straight, and if yeah. you, if yeah, you allow a little point, then yeah. they're going to you give them an inch they take a mile yeah. kind of thing it should be just mm-hmm. go talk to the parents and it sucks because it's obviously going to be transgender kids who have very religious parents or they're going to be gay mm-hmm. kids who are very religious parents or maybe just very conservative parents or whatever um and they're going to be stuck in a fucking shit sandwich um but i think that in my opinion would be the best scenario because you're not going to have you know people um regretting getting on puberty blockers or even having surgery um, years later if you just go, you know, because I'm sure we all know that some teachers uh, don't have children themselves and they really, you know, they really take having 
these children that aren't their children, but their children. As their children, yeah. As their as children, they, and they start really putting their own ideas and their own ide- yeah. ideology yeah, onto these children. At some point, yeah. And that's and that is the dangerous part because even if you get one percent of children who are kind of you know very open minded and then like, oh yeah, an adult, I'll listen to them, sure, whatever. The mm. teacher goes, oh, you seem a bit feminine for a boy. I think you might be a girl. That one in a one in fifty, one in a hundred will go, sure. Like whatever, and if it was all within the school, and they could go to a counselor and never contact their parents, which happens, yeah, which that's a fucking yep. problem. It happens. started with the COVID. It started with the COVID stuff as well, where they were like, "Oh yeah, ten-year-olds uh, can get vaccinated without the parents' consent." Yeah, yeah that's oh, COVID. Was it 10? I thought it was twelve. Yeah, that's. Fuck. It was some ridiculous number. Even if it's twelve, it's still weird. Yeah, like yeah. it's the same with odd. like once you hit, it's like fourteen or sixteen your parent no longer has to come with you to a doctor's appointment or they can't see your medical records. When you start yeah. to feel age where you mature, yeah, I think that's 16? when the kid can make decisions. It's that kind of teenager kind of bracket. That's yeah. when those decisions should be made. But then you fall into a gray area. I'm not going to try to push the conversation on any further, but you hit that gray area with the like uh, puberty blockers because you have two situations where a kid comes to you prepubescent and they're like, hey, mom, hey, dad. Um, like, I think I'm transsexual. Could I go on puberty blockers? Just hit puberty they... late, my man. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I was just saying, like, I'm being goofy because I was, like, you're saying, hey, I think I'm, I think I'm transgender. It's like, nah, uh, boy, you just haven't hit puberty yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a late bloomer, yeah. Um, yeah, but then was... they, and they go on puberty blockers. They get through. Let's say they don't go on it because that's the laws that are in place. They don't go on puberty blockers. They go through it. They get to the end of puberty and they're like, okay, no, I'm a guy right like i feel like the body that i'm in but then you also get the other situation where they say hey mum, hey dad i think i'm a girl even though like i was born a guy they don't go on puberty blockers because those are the laws they get to the end of puberty they still feel the same way their brain is developed like they know what they're talking about and now they're in a situation where they've gone through puberty irreversible changes have been made that could have been avoided but because Mm. they were 10, 13, 14, however old they were, you don't know if it's genuine or not because they're just kids. And that's where right. there's a bit of a grey area. Yeah, and that's the... opinion, at least, but, yeah. Yeah, and that's... Is that that's not the, the parents... It's, it sucks, right? But is that not currently the parents' uh, sore to die on? In the heel to die on? It's like, that's your fault. Like, the whole thing is, like, as a parent, you try to fuck up your kid's life as least as possible. Yeah. And if you are a great parent, all of a sudden your kid... If you're a great parent, like, you know, Atomic, you know, if you're talking about like atomic like nuclear family, it's like, okay, I had a boy and a girl, they live happily ever after, great parent. Were you expecting them to go, I'm a transgender person, I want to be trans- transition, or your daughter wants no. to be a boy? You would not expect it. You're still a great person. You go, no, I, I, I had my best intentions for you. I don't think this is appropriate. Two years, like they've been consistent for two years or three years. Yeah. No one in their friendship group, no one in their circle that you uh, know of is doing it, so they're not really getting that outside force. Now, obviously, we know that's not true because of what's happening. Um, then you go, okay, I'm at, a, I'm at a significant crossroad. They're still consistent with it three years later. They're still going through beauty or they're like just starting or whatever. Do I do I make that call? Yeah. And it, I guess it's a, as a parent... Of course, of course, but that is your responsibility and role, right? Like, and yeah. it's it's it, it sucks because as a kid and adolescent, you want to step away and not. Yeah, be you want to be your own person. Your yeah, yeah, but like like I said, it's your as a parent, it's your 
duty to fuck up your kid as least as possible. And it's their decision, which, right? At the end of the day, which, which sucks. Yeah, which really brings us to the most uncontroversial discussion there is, which is just age of consent. Well, no. I <laughs> that, that's, I why, that's why I laughed before, Sam. Mm. You, you know exactly at that point in time when you're talking about like younger periods. We won't bother it, going it, in there. It's, it's just arbitrary is the, the, the end of the day. No, like you it's, said, it's not 14, optimistic. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, 14, 14 for, or 16 like, for the doctor's appointment, 12 if you're yeah. in the legal system, whether you've got to say to go with your mum or your dad and it's fully the same, you know. In 18, California, 12-year-olds like, to marry. It's a fucking all fucking over. Like, horrible. you can be 11 and own firearms in South Australia. I mean, it's fucking all over the shop. There's no, Terrible. like, it's, yeah, fuck yeah, good on you. But there's no, like, yeah. it's 15. Like, no. Nah. Yeah. Anyway, it's just Here fucking one. very arbitrary. Cyberbullying under the age of 10, I think it's 10. I might be wrong. I, th- I know it's thir- at least 13. Child as an adult. You cyberbully and they kill themselves, you're, you're a child as an adult for manslaughter. Damn. If you drive over and kill someone with a car at 15, he's a minor. He's a minor. Yeah, a of, 16, a 17, minor. Right. And yeah. I'm like, so you're getting trial as an adult for cyberbullying because they know what they're doing. They're smart enough to know what they're doing. And also, they're, they're an adult because they're smart enough. But then there's no other consent. Like, they can't have their own consent as a 13-year-old. But mm-hmm. if you kill someone with a car or shoot them or stab them, kid. Pretty bananas. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. There's inconsistencies yeah. for that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we're not going to consistent, fucking... though. 25-year-old is the age where men mature. That's consistent. Well, let us know when you get there, Rakes, because it doesn't seem like it's um, for you, mate. I'm still going. Still got a year. Still got I, a year. Right. I still got five years left in me. I got time to be a dickhead. Yeah, yeah that's, right. that's right. You've got all the excuses. I got time to make bad choices whilst I can still blame it on my brain being fully developed. Yeah, that's right. Speaking of bad choices, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. We should all jump on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, all right. Let's 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 wrap it up. Hey, Sam. <laughs> Agreed. Where where the fucking people find you and all the fun stuff? Um, Instagram's the best bet. Um, so the username is Sam R D Mather. So S A M R D M A T H E R. Um, that's got all of my contact information. Um, plenty of half naked photos of me on a Sunday morning. Um, and at the occasional lots training video too. Um, what was that? Lots, lots of, nipples. of nipples. He said. Yeah, lots of nipples. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you can flick me an email. That's on my Instagram too. Um, or if you want to come find me in person, I train my clients out of the Derrimut in Rundle Mall and always, uh, and also Melrose Park. Um, so if you see me around the place there, come and speak to me about coaching, advice, checking your form in the gym, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you going to do accountability like we spoke about the other day? It's a good idea. Just hit and I want to um, like flesh it out and develop it, yeah. so Yeah, I can, we were... I can do that with you. Yeah, that'll be sick, yeah. So Reagan and I were chatting yeah. and looking at a, sort of a coaching service that's a step down from what I currently offer being the weekly check-ins in the uh, macros and the training and stuff, being more so I check in with you weekly, fortnightly, whatever we kind of decide would be best um, to make sure that you're on the right track, you're being accountable. And instead of it being, you know, that 50 bucks a week that I charge for online coaching, it would be maybe 10, 20 bucks a week or a fortnight, depending on how frequently you check in. So yeah, yeah, um, and, and it could just be like literally, uh, like uh, David Goggins, like listen, to him, motherfucker, you get you do getting your shit done. Just a WhatsApp audio message, yeah, 
Yeah, like basically. Get your shit together, motherfucker. Sweet. Don't be Sam. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Reagan. my Sam. Guest number one. Guest number oh, yeah. one. I'm on. That's right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Sam, be good. Double deuces. Yeah, Sam, be oh, good. Sam to you. Thank okay. you, boys. How, how do we end this thing? <laughs> how the fuck are you? Catch you, boys. Catch you. How the fuck? He can't quit quickly, can you? No, no, that's right.